The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. All right, we're rolling. This is Brother Hoy. I'm good, man. Pleasure to get you in here, man. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Um, You live in Houston. Yes, I do. Which has got a gigantic, rich history of stand-up comedy. Yes. Um, Well, we go back to Theodore Dow, Sam Kennison. Yeah. Did you Um, ever do the Laugh Stop? Did you do that place? I did the Laugh Stop. Did you do the old one in River Oaks or the The, upstairs one? The old one in River Oaks. Yeah, that was the shit, right? That was the... I, I always remember that place because that was the only time I've ever in life, and I'm ashamed of this. I I wanted a comic to do bad, <laughs> <laughs> and that was the only time I've ever wanted a comic to do bad, because I just start I just started I, maybe maybe four months in, and the guy so you had to go in you had to sign this open mic list and it's like thirty people on the list, and I'm like number twenty seven, and he's twenty six. And he was, he was talking to me. He's like, yeah, man, I've been doing stand-up for 25 years, man. It's crazy. And, um, and I was like, wow, 25 years. And I'm thinking I'm a pretty good student of stand-ups. And I'm like, I hope he's not good. <laughs> because if he's good and he's 26 on this list and I just started and he's been doing it 25 years, I'm like, no, it's going to be a long road for me. <laughs> so I was like, no, and he wasn't. I was like so relieved. I was like. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. That's a funny way of look. That's There's a lot of layers, right, to why someone succeeds or doesn't succeed in stand-up. And if you're, if you're 25 years in and you're not doing well, like something, something you've, t- you've taken a turn the wrong way somewhere. At four months, you don't know that. You, like, right. I'm, I'm literally, what, yeah, so I'm five months out of prison at this point. So this is four months of me doing stand-up. And I'm really like, man, I hope that this guy is not good. Because he, he doesn't look like he's on drugs. It doesn't look like he just went down some drug bench. I'm like, <clears throat> he's pretty clean cut. And I'm like, he, please be terrible. Please be terrible. <laughs> please be terrible. Like, I've seen other people that was terrible that night that was up earlier than him. But I was like, I just wanted him to be bad to be going right in front of me. So I was like, oh, no, I'm in a different ballgame. If that's the only time you've ever wanted someone to do bad, then you're psychologically well off. Yeah, that's, that's the only good. time. As, as a comic. Amazing. As a comic. I've wanted my son to run into the table. <laughs> if that if that counts as... Just to teach him a lesson? Yeah, yeah. Like, I told him to stop running. I was like, yo, man, stop running through here. Stop running through here. Like, yo, eventually he gonna hit this table. So... <laughs> I, I booby trapped it a little bit. <laughs> what did you do? I put my house shoes like right in the way, and he didn't see him. And boom, right. How into old the is he? He's ten now. Oh, how old he was, was he like then? Seven. Oh, seven's a good age to run into a table. Yeah, like you're not so big that you're gonna hurt yourself. You're really just gonna get hurt a little. Yeah, and like ow, but it's not gonna be like a injury. He fell apart. Like when he hit the table, it's like you ever hit your baby toe. Yes. It doesn't matter. This is the only this is the only piece of your body that it does not matter literally how big you are and how much you work out. It doesn't matter. I've seen giant my cousin's a huge dude. I've seen him fold up in the in infant position from hitting his the barely scraped his baby toe on the edge of the table and he's folded up. I'm like, yeah, all the muscles didn't help at all. Well it's a bitch ass limb. <laughs> It has no power. But it it can put you down. It literally can put you down. It's too painful for such a weak thing. 
It should be <laughs> it should be a thing. You know, like there's certain parts of your body that don't they don't hurt if you run them into things. You know, like what part is that? Knees. You yeah, can hit you yeah, can hit things yeah, pretty yeah. fucking hard with your knee. Elbow. Yeah, elbows. Yeah, unless you chip that little piece, but yeah. elbow. Yeah. For, you know, forehead. You yeah. Much hit my yeah, that's why headbutts work. Yeah, right. Headbutts work. Yeah. But little bitch ass toes. <laughs> you just have no power. Like you can't curl anything with your toe. Yeah, and then your pinky. Your pinky is definitely needed. I didn't think like people would say this all the time. Like I don't need every, all of my my fingers. Y'all, Yo, you you actually do. Jamie was saying that if you lose your pinky, you lose fifty percent of your strength in your hand. Yeah, I was just trying to figure out the pinky toe thing because I was like, maybe the pinky toe is a little bullshit. But uh, there's a doctor that explains it would be almost impossible to run, walk, or skip without your pinky toe. What? Impossible. I mean, you could get you could get something in a shoe to like replace what it would be, but like it's needed for balance. Like impossible to skip. I thought I was like, I've skipped before. <laughs> maybe you can figure I, it out, but that's what the, I mean. Maybe this doctor. People is say I don't know. A lot of doctors are fucking weak. I bet you could be fine it's without your pinky toes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't be optimal. You know, if you wanted to play soccer or something, where it required a lot of like shifts left and right, yeah. you'd probably be fucked. Skipping, I'm, okay. I'm I'm on the fence with just skipping. I don't even think I've used my pinky toe to skip. I've never, I haven't skipped in so you know, I long. Have, I, I have lie daughters. And say I never skipped. I have, I have daughters. I, have do, I do too, but we yeah. don't. I don't skip with them. Yeah. Do a lot of other things, but yeah. skipping. skipping is uh, is like been mandatory in our house for a long time. I've broken toes before. It's weird. You you could tape them to the toe next to it. It make takes a lot of the weight off of it. Yeah. But I don't know about pinky toes. I know that pinky finger. I don't know if you could actually hold a gun after that. I don't even think you could pull a trigger. Uh, if if you pinky, lose that, maybe finger, actually. I mean, so, you could hold it. You could hold a gun with that. It's it's gonna it's tough. No, it's, it's tough. No, that last depend on your bottom stock. It's tough. Well, it'd be easy to drink tea. Chew hoo. Now pinkies up. <laughs> it's right? hard. To, it's hard to hold a cup without your thumb. Okay. Without your thumb, yeah. Well, I think I misunderstood what it said. Actually, no, you can hold it without your thumb. You just, it's just the right handle. What? It's not the, the toe. It's the metatarsal. So like the thing it's connected to. Oh. Like the, the, oh, the, the next the, bone. The, bone. Oh, the next bone. Oh, so, like, well, that makes sense. That. It's like the running. So if that wasn't there, you'd be fucked. That makes sense. Yeah, because I feel like the other four toes would compensate for the yeah, pinky yeah, toe. Yeah. What a stupid fucking conversation we yeah, have no, here. Sorry. So the pinky toe is the running board of the foot? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like sort of that thing that just hangs out there. But it just has no strength. Like if you you try to wrestle your pinky toe. I was trying to figure out because mine's curled under almost because of the shoes I wear. It's just like my toes are all fucked up, you know? And like, oh. it's like, I'm like, how, I'm not even really using it, so how can it be? You get some work? of them toe shoes. Oh, I've done that. I'm working on it. Do you ever do you ever use yeah, those? Yeah, I have the those? yoga toes thing. Oh. oh, those I do have. Yeah, and I like the vibrums. Once I wore them. Do your toe? Do your pinky toe curl under in the toe shoes? Uh, you gotta shove them in there. Yeah, like, like, yeah, <laughs> you gotta yeah, just, yeah. It, it, and it just be you awkward. Work. Yep. Or is, okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. I just wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> like having a glove with a bent finger. I know a dude who wears those toe shoes everywhere. He wears them everywhere. I, I was at a party with him the other day. He had toe <laughs> shoes on. Vibram toe shoes. Yeah. It's like letting people know I'm into optimizing. I'm into optimizing my health and fitness. <laughs> Look at me in my toe shoes. The, I used to run in them. Used to run in the toe yeah, shoes. Yeah, I used to run in uh, trail Vibram trail shoes, but yeah. I kept fucking up my toes. I fucked up my toes a couple <laughs> of times. 
I fucked him up a couple because I was running on like very rocky terrain. Yeah. And occasionally I would jam my toe and it was fucked. Because it's good. like they isolated. It's like. Not smart. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> the toe shoe thing. I, I've always. I didn't like them. It's like mittens for your feet. I never liked them. I liked them because they're goofy and people made fun of them. And then also the idea is if you can get your feet to you to like each toe to move individually, it actually strengthens your feet and it can increase athletic performance. Allegedly. That's, that's the thing. I'm I'm not athletic anymore. <laughs> Nature has decreased my <laughs> my athletic performance. I used to I used to actually could touch the rim, almost dunk, but my knees was like, "Yo, I don't care what you put on them, fam. We ain't doing it." Did you see the Tom Segura dunk? When no. he, you didn't see what happened? No. Oh, I got to show you something. Tom Segura went to dump, dunk, and as he's running towards the net, he blows out his patella tendon. As he's leaping up in the air, his knee blows out, and then he falls and lands on his arm, snaps his arm in half. So he blew out his knee and his arm all in one terrible maneuver, and <laughs> they did it all on video. Him and Bert were having a dunk competition. And now Tom has, uh, he's got this thing on his, his hand because his nerves got damaged. <laughs> and he's, watch this. No, no he's not. Okay, yeah, watch I this. Boom, look at the arm breaks. Yeah. You okay? You okay? You okay? You okay? His arm. His arm. Call nine one one. Not good. That's why it's good to be a little athletic. Because occasionally you and your stupid friends want to have like a ridiculous competition for a video. This is the this that's the reason why wives yell at husbands. No, don't go. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you going to play basketball again? Like, like, it's like but that's she, not even regular basketball. They're just they were just dunking over and over and over again. So, um, I'm, I'm quite sure you know Bill Bellamy. Sure. So Bill Bellamy's um, road manager Terrence, they're shooting just shooting around in the gym, just shooting regular shooting. And it's always this, man. You need, to, man. Pull up on your on your toes. Lift up on your toes and shoot that ball. So he lifts up on his toes and blows out whatever's back there. It's is like gone. Is it Achilles. He is Achilles. Oh no, that's a bad one. Like yo, I'm like, oh. see, I'm like, don't listen to people when you're just shooting around. Just listen to yourself. Just I'm just gonna do this. Mm. I'm just gonna lay the ball up. Not don't if somebody like, ah that's why when I go to the gym I intentionally put on cowboy boots <laughs> <laughs> intentionally I'm like cowboy boots and shorts for me fam I'm not, boots I'm the not I'm, I don't want nobody trying to convince me to do anything I'm like no I'm not doing it yeah I remember the last time I was convinced I'm not doing it what was what convinced you the last time oh hey man first it always start with. You played football, didn't you? Like, <laughs> that, I think it's been more injuries started with that right there. <laughs> That's David. So you played football. Right? <laughs> like, so I'm like, yeah, we, you know, we all play football. So me, my friends, we out there in dress shoes, mind you. Oh, no. In dress We supposed to be running one little quick little route this way. Nope. Nope. 
out we outside the gym because that's the only space where it's called. Like it's no cause. Like yo, we go right there to L.A. Fitness. <laughs> like, but why? Like, why do you know what L.A. Fitness is right now? Like, why do you even know? <laughs> <laughs> like, how does he? First of all, how does he even start? He was like, yo, we going go to L.A. Fitness. Now we out there just throwing the ball, Nerf ball, not even a real football, Nerf. You know, that's what he had in his car, a little Nerf with the little with the little um. I think they got some new ones where they twist or something because my Nerf balls was smooth. This was has little waves in it. Throwing them out. And I cut forgetting that I have on dress shoes because now you're getting competitive. One person catch the ball. Say, that's touchdown. First of all, you're nowhere close to. First of all, there's. Okay, if that's the pole down there, you're nowhere close to it, sir. So now, now it's competitive. Now, <laughs> now I'm up on the line. You know, Now you really being what you saw on TV. Now you being a safety. And I cut, I cut that dress shoe, that heel, called a little gravel. And it's hard to explain the side of your face being scratched up. Like, because the gravel scratch. It's like when, like, fall off a motorcycle and you get the, the cement rash, yeah. turf rash. So I'm just like, so, side of my face is scratched up. My hand is scratched up. And I'm like, huh, okay, now I got to go home and explain why my face is bleeding. You're supposed to be at the club, sir. How did you, how did you go from the club to this? Okay, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> okay, we were drinking, and someone said you played football, didn't you? And then I was saying you in the LA Fitness, you know, gym parking lot throwing a Nerf ball with dress shoes on. With dress shoes on. Dress shoes are useless. They look good, but if you ever get in a situation with those shiny bottoms, so you those see. slippery leather bottoms, those so, things are useless. So you see the guy who with me now, Andre Johnson. Sneakers, looks ready, all, all the licenses that he need to have, everything on him. I had another security person, his name was Dre as well, but he wore suits everywhere. And I told Dre, I said, hey man, one of these days, something's gonna probably happen, and you have on a suit and dress shoes, and you're probably not gonna be able to get to me. We at this club in Houston, melee fight breaks out i'm on stage i'm trying to figure out which way to go my security is on the ground because he's trying to run to me and slipped <laughs> and it's like it's i'm wondering why all these other people falling because he's the one knocking them down because he's fair because he was big he's like three three hundred so he's just on the ground and i'm just standing on the stage like this like just waiting and another the sheriff that was working there came and got me and took me out the back and i'm like yo dre the guy with the rubber base shoes, he saved me. What, <laughs> what are you doing with the, with the slippery bottoms, sir? Like, well, like you can get them. some dress shoes that have bottoms that are rubber. I have those. I don't have any shoes that have that flat leather, shiny bottom. Even if I dress up, I'm, I'm wearing rubber shoes. Wearing rubber shoes. Yeah, when shit goes down, you, you, you have to be able to move. That's why I wear flip-flops. Yeah, I don't wear flip flops. I would, I would, I'd rather be barefoot than flip flops. You would never see me in a pair of flip flops. Unless I'm at the beach. That's I'm letting everybody yeah, know. I'm not here to do shit. I'm just relaxing. Hey, yo, you can steal my kids while I'm on the beach. I'm like, yo, <laughs> look, I'm off duty. This is this is vacation. I'm off duty on everything. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I remember being in Miami and my daughter was it was a storm coming and my daughter my daughter Jaden, she had to be maybe I'ma say eight. I'm and I'm pushing it. I don't think she was eight. But it, so these waves are huge and they literally are like bringing her in and then they sucking her out. And I'm like, 
oh, that's that's pretty cool. And her mom's like, no, she's going out too far. I'm like, but she can swim. She's on the swim team. It's like, why are we concerned? She's on the swim team. She's like, this is the ocean. I'm like, she's a swimmer. And he's like, no. So I look, and my daughter's like way further than she was. I'm like, so the, I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait because I see this one big wave. And the wave literally brings my daughter in and throws my daughter in the middle, almost damn into the hotel. <laughs> like, I'm like, that was a big, that was a pretty big wave. Just tossed her. I'm like, yo, we I should have, go to the pool. I have one daughter that's a daredevil and she likes to go a little bit too far out. And I was letting her know, like, you got to understand tides. Like, I know you can swim, but tides are no joke. Like, yeah. tides suck out people that can swim and you try to fight against those tides. You can't do shit. And she's, and she's a little skeptical because she, she's, athletic and she's very pig-headed like her father but then i showed her there was a dude who was a wwe guy some jacked wrestler who drowned off of was it venice was he like near venice beach which you know the tide there's not even that bad but occasionally occasionally it just sucks everything out and then you're fighting against it trying to get in and it just sucks you out further you try to make pro and then you realize like oh my god i'm out of air like i can't fucking breathe and i'm fighting against this and i'm not gaining any ground and i'm exhausted and i want to take a break yeah. not good she go to the side yeah, yeah that's what you're supposed to go, do go to the side supposed to go sideways mm -hmm. yeah but nobody taught this dude that i guess or he couldn't I mean Big fucking dudes, that's the problem with big fucking dudes. They don't have a lot of gas in that tank. You know? When you're a, a giant WWE dude, like how big was that guy? He was huge, right? You know, you can I, I just figured out or found out that you can drown. You don't even have to be in water. You can drink too much water and drown. Yeah, you drink too much water, it's not really drowning. Your your body it's an electric look at the size of that motherfucker. And that dude drowned. You know something? I was hoping, and I'm not even. I, I'm. I don't even go here. I was really hoping that he was not black because it was like, <laughs> I was. I'm like, I'm literally sitting here. It was one of them things. Like, okay, all right, please let him pull up, and he's not a black dude that can't swim that probably drowned in a damn teaspoon of water. Like, <laughs> like I was sitting there like, yo, I'm. I, I was like, ah, and then I looked. I'm like, that's a terrible stereotype that turns out to be accurate too often like black dudes that can skate real good like black dudes that play hockey how many of them there might be like 20 five. 20 on five. earth five how many home. black dudes are in the nhl how many i knew one that played what for the the oilers i think it was i used to watch him i think it was the oilers somebody had a joke about that that it's just because it's frozen water you know it's it's a weird thing that th that's the problem i i used to hate that stereotype that um, black people can't swim, but seventy five percent of all drowners in the United States are Hispanic and African American. Is that true? Yeah, seventy five percent. Yeah, of drowners in the United States. What the weird thing is, fifty five percent of all pool parties are thrown by black people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused. I'm so <laughs> we throw we throw pool parties it's like ah, don't get in that pool. But are they drowning in pools or are they drowning in the ocean? Mostly pools. Really? I don't think we'd be at the ocean like that. I've seen us there. I feel there. like I could teach someone how to not drown in a pool in about five minutes. You know what I'm saying? I, it, 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 probably because you can swim, correct? Yeah. And so this is the thing. This is the thing. And me and you probably are liking this. I'm very irritated with people who can't swim 
because I got pushed in the pool at five. Mm. And about time my mother got into the gate, I was already out of the pool. I'm like, how do you drown in the pool? Why are you around the pool and don't know how to swim? Right. And if you calm down, the worst thing is to try to teach somebody who's not calm or doesn't have patience how to swim. Look, you can't choke me and think that we both gonna survive. So I need you to relax and just know, okay, hold on to the wall. And I, cause I take it by, cause I have kids, so I've taught children how to swim. So I don't know how I can't teach an adult how to swim, but it's it's been very frustrating. When people get older, they stop learning, and That's also they want to be right. They want to. I know. I got it. I know what I'm doing. They they're like they want to be right. They don't want you to know something they don't that they don't know. There's, that's a problem, but it's also like people get when they get older, they just they shut down. They don't they don't know how to learn things. Just accept that you know how to don't know how to do something and figure it out. And a pool is a weird one because like you can die in there. It's it's not like learning anything else. Like you could die in there pretty fucking easy, especially if there's a deep end. Yeah, you can die in there. What Bert is this? Teaching Jesus Trejo how to hey, swim. Oh, Jesus doesn't know how to swim. He didn't know how to swim. It's, this is like it's like a twelve minute video. It's almost kind of frustrating because he's doing exactly he's like he won't let them just tell him to calm down. <laughs> it's oh, like he's getting like two feet of water. He's just like panicking. Really? Yeah. He's so mad. Jesus is hilarious. I think they were going on like a river and they didn't want him to drown on the river. So they, oh, like, I wouldn't him take him pool. on a river if he couldn't but fucking it's like, swim. Oh, no, it's like a two foot river, you know, like where you can just stand up in it. But yeah, but you get hit in the head. Yeah, yeah. And go under. You get under. Remember when Remy Warren was telling that story? He he saw somebody drown. He saw a canoe overturn. He was on the side of a river and he saw a fucking dude float down face first. Mm. And he saw he, the dude was dead. And he saw a woman just barely keeping her head above water. And he had to jump in the water and rescue her. No, oh, that's dope, dude. That is dope. Yeah, I've Greg Fitzsimmons rescued somebody. I rescued a child. I rescued a waiter at the. What comedy club was that? Um, Connecticut. No. Yeah, Connecticut. Yeah, Connecticut. How'd, you, how'd you rescue a child? Um, drowning. In the water? In the in pool? The water. Parents not paying attention at the pool. Not paying <sighs> attention. Child walk right into the <clears throat> pool. Right. And I'm and I'm just, I'm walking, I'm walking by the, I'm walking to somebody. I'm like, oh, and I'm just reached down. I'm like, yo, who baby? <laughs> yo, did y'all know y'all baby was in the water? And like, it was like. They like, oh my god! I'm like, yo, ma'am, yo, baby just literally walked in, not paying attention, just out there drinking, you know, barbecuing. As a parent, it's stunning when you watch some people that just don't even watch their kids, just let their kids wander off. I'm, I think I'm a lot as a as a parent. Like, I'm a lot. I, I think I'm overprotective to the point. I don't think you can be really overprotective. I just, especially in like grocery stores and in the parking lot of places. Yeah. Like, people just back out. Like, I don't let my kids just run loose in the parking lot. I want them right next to me because somebody can't, you can't see them. Yeah. They backing out. But some parents are just very loose. It's amazing how few accidents we really have, considering how fucking stupid so many people are. It's kind of amazing. There really should be accidents everywhere, all the time. It's amazing. You can go weeks and weeks without seeing an accident. Yeah. Not really think house. about it. Not in my house. Like, <laughs> I mean, car accidents. No, car accidents. You know, someone backing up into something. Oh, you. Oh, you just. You just got to Houston. I mean, you just got to Texas. So just wait a minute. Oh, I've seen a couple. I've seen <laughs> oh, a couple oh, here. Oh, just wait. <clears throat> I've seen some ridiculous ones. Yeah. But for the most part, yeah. most days you drive home, you don't see shit. 
You see people stay in their lane. They use their blinker. They turn. Most of the time, it's amazing. When you think about the shit decisions so many people make in their lives, so many people are just constantly fucking up with their life, wrecking their life. Yeah. But they could figure out how to drive. Is it is it a is it a way not to wreck your life? You got to wreck your life a little bit so that you know how to not wreck your life. I don't trust anybody who's made no mistakes. Like if you tell me you've made no mistakes, I'm like, what? Like what? No mistakes. How have you done that? You never fucked anything up. It's like when people say I don't judge people. Like, well, how you pick your friends? <laughs> like, you just randomly. I take yeah. anybody. I judge everything. I judge myself first. Judge myself. Def- first? Yeah. I gotta know who I am to even. I gotta know who I am to even decide how uh, how to pick a friend. Like, yeah. Like, who the hell am I? Right. You know, I remember when I made um, and and, and it's deep. Like sometimes people say, well, the youth can't teach you things. Most of the things I learned that I kept. I learned when I was young. I probably just didn't apply it at the mm-hmm. time. I've learned it. I just didn't apply it at the time. Sometimes you don't apply the right methods. But I had a uh, a friend, and I I would think I was very young and juvenile where I gave people titles that didn't earn those titles. And when you are 13 and you say, hey, this is my best friend, and oh. then <clears throat> they say, no, I'm not. Me and you're not best friends. And you have to get past that that little small part of being crushed. Like, oh, I thought we we were. And he's like, no, nah, we haven't gone through anything yet. We friends. But to be best friends, you know, we haven't been tried and tested to see how much, you know, we down with each other. I'm like, well, yeah, that Pretty much makes sense. I wasn't that advanced at that age yet. I'm like, mm. damn, tried and tested. How old is this kid? <laughs> 13. It's <laughs> like, like Denard. He was like, no. Nah. I remember I had an argument with this kid when I was 13. It was over nothing. It was like a softball argument. We were playing softball. And I don't even remember what it was all about. But I remember he got like real. Emo- and I, I had to piece it together in my head what was wrong here. But it was a, it was a, a lesson that I kept for years. Because he got real shitty with me. And he said, hey, man, forget we ever met. And he storms off. And I, I was like, forget we ever met. How am I going to do that? I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And then I remember thinking, oh, this kid has a single mom. His mom's kind of fucked up. And he's got this weird stepdad situation. I remember we talked about his stepdad had big forearms because he scooped ice cream. His dad worked at a, an ice cream place. He was talking about how his dad's got, stepdad's got big <laughs> forearms. He's always scooping ice cream. It was, and I remember thinking, I wasn't even mad at the kid. I felt bad. I felt like, all right, man. You know, I was like, forget we ever met. And he stormed off like he's going to get me. And I remember thinking, well, that is so ridiculous. Like, it, it was one of those moments where someone tries to hurt your feelings, and it's so ineffective that you get a little life lesson. You're like, wow, that's a weird way to try to manipulate me there. Yeah. Forget we ever met. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to forget we ever met. I'm not, I'm not gonna, going to forget this, because I'm still talking about this all these years later. I'm like, that was so weird. You think I'm going to forget that you're the guy who told me to forget me ever <laughs> I can't forget you told me to forget you. <laughs> I remember that fucking dude 40 years later. I'm 53. I was 13. 40 years later, I'm still thinking about that dude like, man. You know, you know the guy who told me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like some weird, like he he, he, pulled a, he did what his mom yes. probably did to the, where it's over. And forget you ever met me, Charles. Yes. It's yes. <laughs> like. 
And he's exactly. like, he can't wait to use it. He's like, yeah. I'm going to say that one day to someone. I remember his mom drank a lot of wine. That was the word. You know, his mom likes to drink wine. She's always drinking wine. Like his, his mom was just like a little of a mess. And this poor kid, like that's how he expressed himself. But I remember thinking immediately, like I didn't, I wasn't angry at him. It was like blank. Like, like you know, you could say you're a fucking loser. I'm like, damn, am I a loser? Like it would hurt my feelings. Yeah. Like shit. But forget we ever met. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> you poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> I felt thick. I was. Like, I felt bad for the kid. Yeah, because you start thinking, like, if you said that to me, what are you gonna say to them? the pills? Are definitely next if you break up with someone. Yeah. So. But you, you just feel like you. You know, you learn things from like weird little interactions with people when you're a kid, and you like feel something weird from it. And you're like, let me figure that out. Like, what what is that? Why is he doing that? Why are people saying that? You know? Yeah, I learned I learned a pretty good amount of information when I was a kid. Just didn't apply it all. You yeah. Know? Like my my dad, I knew my dad wasn't the best of dads. I just knew it. I'm like, no, this is not what dad's supposed to do. I've never seen this on TV, sir. <laughs> like you have to this, see him like leave it to beavers i've never seen this one. like i've watched all the episodes of good times i've yes. never seen james <laughs> as jj or michael to do this one but you know you my mom was a you know pretty structured mom but she was i can't i can't really say my mom was a mess but as you as a child you you don't really know what's wrong as you get older you like my mom was pretty much crazy person <laughs> she's a crazy person and and i and i understood why she why she was crazy like i understand things about my mom now because i'm a parent like i never knew why i couldn't wake my mother up like if you you couldn't run in and out of our house like if you woke my mother up it was like it's hell to pay if you wake up but now that i think about it my mom worked two jobs she went to school and she only had out of 24 hours she only had two hours of sleep oh my god so really she just my mom literally would come in the house from being out and go to sleep i used to watch this this <laughs> i used to watch this cartoon and dude, it was a bear it was a sleeping bear quiet quiet i say i want quiet <laughs> I used to think that that bear was crazy, and then I saw my mom, my mom, and he he would go to sleep like this. <laughs> like, as soon as he closed his eyes, he, my mom would sleep like that. My mom, as soon as she closed her eyes, <laughs> quiet! I'm like, this lady is the bear off of the cartoons. <laughs> you cannot, like, you tippy-toeing in the house, but then you get older, and I literally work seven days a week. Like, my 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 life is crazy so when i i fall asleep anywhere i'm over 40. right now you fall you work seven days a week yeah what do you do seven days a week i, I just took on a radio job oh yeah it's seven days a week yeah I, monday through friday monday through friday i'm in houston on magic 102 um the urban station is it in it, the mornings it's not nah, it's midday that's oh. the, it's the craziest thing because i'm from six to two i mean from uh, from two to six and then this is the f last week I was in Jacksonville at the Comedy Zone. This was the first weekend that didn't feel like a weekend. Like, I wasn't excited. Like, I've been doing stand-up for 22 years. I've always been excited about a weekend that I'm doing. But this is the first weekend I'm doing after working at the radio station for the last three weeks. So it's like the weekend coming. I'm like, oh, some more work? <laughs> Shit. Like, <laughs> Like I was, not, I was so not. That was the first time in all of comedy I ever felt like I don't, I don't want to go. And I was like, okay, 
I gotta snap out of that that shit because that's not who I am. Wow. So and I and I've forgotten. DL has called me twice to make sure that I was going to goddamn work. He was like, "You do know you have to be at work." Oh shit. I do, cause I I'm not accustomed to doing anything in the day in the middle of the daytime. So he has to call you to let you know. And he's called me twice <laughs> in the last three weeks, just to, just to like you you know you have to be somewhere right. Like damn, I do. Have How to far be. away is the station from your house? Like thirty minutes. And that's not too bad. But it's it's horrible. It's literally horrible. Just so did you did you know what you were getting into, or I, did you have an idea of what it was going to be? And then once you started doing it, you're like, oh shit, what have I done? I was, it's the old shit. What about, cause it's like, if I'm like, okay, I'm on the radio, I'm gonna be a midday personality, I'm gonna be able to do stand up. Then I'm like, oh shit, this shit is every day. Like, <laughs> like I got beers. a week. Like, so I can't come in here and like, okay, so don't nobody record these shows. Like, this is live. Like, yeah, you gotta be here every day. And then I gotta come up with shit. Like, I, I don't wanna come up with nothing. Like what kind of come up? What do you got to do? Like I, I do the, what they call the F word of the day, and then they do this thing called Ask Ali, and then I do, um, I make up a story about anything called um, You're Not Gonna Bleed It. So if I, you you can bring up something, I'm like, <sighs> Joe, you're not gonna believe this. <laughs> One time, me and Kimbo Slice got into it in a convenience store, and and, and I just tell this ridiculous story about you know, over some fans, you know. So I was gonna slap Kimbo, but he, you know, he lucky. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I go through a whole story. So um, I, the first one I did was I was the fifth. Like this lady called in, like I love the four tops. I say, see, ma'am, I understand that you love the four tops, but you really would have loved the five tops because I was the fifth top that just kicked me out. And she was like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, okay, let me tell you what happened." So it's Soul Train Wars '66, right? I get into it with Don Cornelius. So I just just name all these people, and people like, and they just be like. I think is this true? I'm like, first of all, you know I wasn't born in '66. <laughs> I wasn't even alive in '66. Like, <laughs> like, like, so that's why I just said you're not gonna believe this. So you have to do that every day. Every day. Oh no. Every day. <laughs> and as a comic, I don't do the same set. I don't do the same set every time I of go. Of course. So it's hard for me to do the same thing every day, and knowing that I have to do it. Like if somebody told me you have to do this five minutes of stand up. Like out of all the stuff I have, we just want this five minutes, and you have to do this every day. I would fucking hang myself. I'm like, right. isn't that funny? Like if you had to do it once, it'd be like, yeah, that'd be fun. But if you had to do it every day, every day, how'd you agree to do this? Pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Pandemic pressure. Really? Hey, hey, comedy clubs are not that many clubs are open. Don't know when you're gonna be able to go back. Hey, mm. look, you're not doing any TV. You're sagging after insurance gonna run out. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Now, oh shit, I ain't gonna have no insurance. So I need some, I need to, what I need to do? <laughs> so the, the radio gig came up, I'm like, it does it have insurance? And it was like, yes. And I'm like, okay, I'll be there. <laughs> and How long do you think you're gonna hang in there for? Oh man, it's, it's so, it's so, I hate to say this because this is like this is like national world news right now. This is like breaking news oh, no. on, on your show. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, it's tough. Do you do a podcast as well? No, I'm getting ready to start one. That's the move. And that way you do it when you want to do it. That like they've been asking me to do it for a while. And then when I looked up how long, I, I think this has been my thing. I look at other people's podcasts and I'm like it seems so easy. 
but then you look at oh since oh nine oh no it's this is a this is a well-oiled machine because i've done i've tried to do it myself and it's not like this it's like me holding my microphone i got a little a board i'm just not into it at this point but now yeah but if this was set up for you like this oh, kind yeah. of thing and you, all you had to do is show up and talk to people would walk in like and that. do this yeah. like like clockwork but that's all doable you yeah. could do that I'm, I'm that's what you want i'm getting myself together though. ali you don't want a boss I, this is the thing you can't have a boss I haven't had a job since 1999. Yeah, you're, you're too funny to have a boss. Dude. Funny people can't have bosses. See, you see, you see that this is, it's like, it's like you talking to me and I'm already on the fence of quitting a new job. <laughs> so, and you, and you, and as soon as you said it, Ali, you doesn't want a boss. I'm like, he is, he knows me. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I text him people like, look, I'm, I don't think I'm going to make it. Well, I know, I know that you're a funny comedian. If you're a funny stand-up comic, having a boss is kryptonite. It's it's too hard. They had they they sent out a okay. I haven't, and I know this is bad. They have a team meeting thing on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And they, they for the last, I've been hired since the twenty third of November. I didn't go to work until middle of December and actually the end of December January so it's 4th. been a month one month so about I haven't made any of the team meeting zoom calls not one of them what do you think happens on those calls I would I would I, go just to be curious I have no idea what happens I, I bet that's boring as fuck I asked my I asked my the co-host I, I'm I asked him I'm like so how was the call <laughs> random things you know, like now who's the co-host a uh, funky larry jones do you know him personally outside yeah, of... know him know him very well oh, okay well that helps a lot it helps That's he's been doing radio my whole entire life so 47 Let's years talk so. to funky larry about separating from the mothership yeah <laughs> well, you talk to funky larry about the two of you guys doing something on the yeah. side because are you allowed to do a podcast while you're doing the radio gig yes oh that's good that's a good deal yes, how am. long are you tied into this contract for I feel like I'm your agent. Yeah. I, I feel I, like I'm a new agent. Like, yeah. Ali, how long are you tied into this? I think one solid year. Ooh, one solid year of five days a week. That's a long time. And you the, could. I think they got me with the flexibility. Oh, you know, we know you do Santa. We know, we know your career. You can just go whenever you want. I'm like, does it pay well? Pays okay. I think. I, I, see, I don't like see. what I'm hearing. <laughs> I don't like most of what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> This is how this is how people. Do. I I wouldn't even give a resignation. I wouldn't. Even, I was just, just not show showing up. up. Just like <laughs> I don't think I don't think Ali's coming anymore. Like yeah. oh, don't man. let them sue you. That's yeah. that's part of a problem with those goddamn pieces of paper that you sign. Contracts yeah, are terrible. They'll sue, They'll sue you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Jamie and I don't have a contract. If he just stopped showing up, I'd be fucked. <laughs> we don't have a contract. He just likes working here. Yeah, I I, I think that's the. <laughs> That's the thing, but, but I think, but Jamie probably he loves doing this whole thing. But if somebody, I don't care what job it is, if you haven't been working since 1999 and you've yes. been living a, I'm I just had I probably just said this prior to getting that job. I was like, my life is so wonderful, and most of my friends' life is the same as mine, because we can call each other in like at 10:30. Hey, yeah, hey man, let's go have margaritas. 
and everybody <laughs> and everybody shows up because we don't have jobs. Right. And another comic, Marcus Wiley, he reminded me. He called me like, hey, we're having margaritas today. I said, what you mean? We have margaritas. Oh, no, you can't go. It's Wednesday. You have a job, sir. I said, what time y'all going? Oh, oh, no. Five. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't try to act what time we're going. Because <laughs> like, remember, I never had a time to go. Whatever right. time it was, right. I could show up. Like, hey, have it. It was like they had 3.30. I'm like, oh, so y'all going to be doing having margaritas? Why? You know the F word of the day. I do it at 3.30. I do it at 3.30. So it's. Fucking sucks, man. The one good thing though is if you're forced to work and you're forced to come up with things, I bet you come up with more material this way. Is um, that is that happening? Nah, I I think that the my material comes from me actually talking with my friends and remembering things that has happened to us. Mm. That I think that's most of my material. Like I I just got a new thirty minutes based on three stories. Just I I forgot I totally forgot my boy was like remember when Rick got stabbed in the ass I was like yes <laughs> I do I remember when he got stabbed in the ass because we told him not to go and he and this dude this dude he was in this dude's house with this with this lady I guess it was his girlfriend this man came in the house before he woke them up it was like he was he was definitely a psycho he he pushed the couch up against the door, the front door. So when they was fighting, he was trying to get out. So when he tried to grab the couch to put out the door, the dude stabbed him in his ass. <laughs> oh, that's a terrible place to get stabbed. Hey man, in the beady part. How big was the knife? It like a little steak knife. Ooh, serrated. Stabbed him right in his ass. Ooh. And he, <laughs> the, it's a, so much to the story because the dude had threw his pants and his keys out the window. Oh <laughs> no! So, so he got stabbed. Ass. He said he slid down the stairs, and when he slid down the stairs, he laid in the grass and he said, "You know what was there? My keys." <laughs> so I'm like, "Oh, his keys were there." He had got his. He found his keys and drove home with no pants on. And he went to his mom's house. <sighs> and he was stabbed in the ass. Did he go to the hospital? I don't think so. Wow. Just sucked it up? Sucked it up. Damn. I would want to get some stitches I, on I know my that's, ass, I That's think. the weirdest thing, what men suck up. I've seen a lot of men not go to the hospital for shit that I was like, no, that that, yeah. that looks like you should be at the hospital. I know a dude who still limps because he fucked up his Achilles two years ago. Didn't go. No. Didn't never go dealt on. with it. He blew out his Achilles, and now he's got this little Hopalong Cassidy shit going on. I think, I think that's the thing with... With that we grew up thinking that men are so tough that we don't go to the hospital. I don't think I ever believed that because when I was a kid, I dipped my um my little manhood up in my pants and went straight to the hospital. Straight, I'm talking about from that point on, I was like, no, the hospital is the place to be when your little penis skin is all raveled up into your pants. I will so, never understand dudes who don't wear underwear. We just go commando. Just dick and jeans. I, I didn't. I didn't ever see that until Joey I started Diaz. going to an actual gym, and dudes come out of the gym, out the shower, and like just know, put their pants right did on. He just, did he just put on? Did he just put on some jeans? 
like I didn't see no other process. <laughs> I, didn't see, I didn't see nothing else happen. I saw the towel. I saw his towel in the jeans going up. I'm like I didn't see it on a regular basis till Joey Diaz. Joey Diaz would have, always have jeans on with no drawers, no underwear, and then he would his jeans never fit because he has this giant belly. So he would shake himself sideways, and his jeans would drop. I don't know if you've seen Joey Diaz's dick, but it looks like everything else on Joey Diaz. It looks like it fits him. <laughs> it's a giant dick. <laughs> it's like, what is the Lenny Bruce description? A baby's arm with an apple in its fist? That's what it looks like. It's like, what in the fuck? And he would just drop his pants all the time. He had a, on the one of my uh, albums, my first album in 1999, Joey Diaz is naked with Timberlands on with a cape. Like he's got a cape across like he's a vampire. And his giant belly and his balls are hanging out. They look like two grapefruit in an old lady's pantyhose. It's just <laughs> the most ridiculous person. That he's the only dude that I know that would regularly wear no underwear. Regularly. We, we've talked a lot, but no, never seen his penis. He's a wild dude. Yeah, he, you told me he got you fucked up on his show. Yeah, oh, edibles. And, and it's like I said, I melted. Like, what's the the guy, my man, the flying Jew, that's on his show? Lee, yeah, Lee. And it, I remember the first time I did it, I was looking him and Lee had a Lee ate like maybe four these little stars chewy, of death, little chewy edibles. He had ate like four of them, and. <sighs> And I'm and I'm looking and he's literally over there melting. Like it, it was like <laughs> his eyes were open. Then I looked over like an hour later. It was like it was like a blob of a person over there. So I'm like, okay, I'm never gonna be like that on this show. Oh shit! A year later, I'm literally in there and he's like, ah, oh, you know, he, you know, he do edibles, nothing. So <laughs> I eat the, eat the edible and I'm sitting there and I I thought I was talking pretty regular at first and then all of a sudden i noticed that it's like yo i'm i don't i don't think i'm speaking correctly and like and like and he was like no you, you fucked up you got you i got you I'm like i got you I'm like <laughs> i'm like I, i'm like no I don't, I don't i don't think and i'm looking at i'm looking at lee and lee's like you're wasted and I'm like yeah i'm like yeah man and so when i look back at i'm like yo i was so and I didn't even eat the, I ate another edible, but the star, he gave me that star. And this is, what, this is what people learn about me. I'm, when I lose, I lose. When I win, I win. But I'm never embarrassed to say when I whipped out on some shit. So I had, I was already messing with these mushrooms. I was on mushrooms. And then he gives me this damn star. And I'm like, I told myself, I'm gonna eat it. I'm gonna eat this star. I'm gonna eat this star. But I kept thinking about what other people were telling me. Don't eat the Death Star. Don't eat the star. I'm like, oh no, nah, I'm, I'm gonna eat it. Joey ain't gonna fucking punk me out. You <laughs> so I'm staying at the Lowe's and I literally stash the star at the Lowe's in this in in the room. I'm like, whoa, when somebody find this, they're gonna have a good time. I'm not gonna have this shit on me. And then I stashed the mushrooms inside the hotel somewhere. So a maintenance man probably found them and had a good time. I'm like, I was I was wasted. I couldn't do They're it. too much, those stars. He's giving them to me. They're two hundred and fifty milligrams. That's too much. I've seen Joe eat four of those. Four. Thousand milligrams. Like it's nothing. 
And <laughs> <laughs> looks at you. We were on a plane once. And he had these uh, chibachus. I forget how many milligrams yeah. they were. Several hundred milligrams, too. He pops two chibachus. I'm nervous just sitting next to him. I'm like, are you fucking serious? He's like, Joe Rogan, come on. It's time to dance with the devil. So we're, we're yeah. on the plane. In the middle of the plane ride, he leans over. He grabs me. He touched me. He goes, Joe Rogan, I almost had a panic attack. <laughs> he goes, I, I, almost, I almost couldn't do it. I almost couldn't do it. He goes, but I'm fine. And then he pulls out two more stars of death and throws them. And I'm like, no. He goes, ha, 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 ha. Like, so he almost had a panic attack. And then two hours later, we were on the way to New York, grabs me by the shoulder, tells me, and then pops two more. Yo. He doesn't give a fuck. He goes to the basement. He goes right down there. He wants to see what's in the corners. I, <laughs> <laughs> what's, in, I, what's in there? I don't, I don't even understand. How he could do so many edibles? I don't even. It's understand. strange. He he had a what did he try to get me to do? Um, an opioid. He's like, I got the last two biscuits. I got these <laughs> copy myself. No. Like, I was like, no. <laughs> like, I'm not doing a fucking opioid with you. He's like, come on. And like, I said, how do you even have them? He's like, and he just it's two. It's like it's two in a jar. I got the last two biscuits. Got to copy myself. Biscuits. I was like, yo. Uh. Crazy, but I love him. I, I remember when um doing his his podcast and he found out that I actually knew Moses Malone, like no Moses Malone. How do you and, know Moses Malone? Ah, uh, Moses Malone is like a very before he passed. So the the first guy who ever um invested in my career, his name is Anthony Colbert, and he um he was the first people to sign Destiny's Child. They had he had a music company with Mo. It's called Mo Music, and he had been friends with Mo for years. So he would Mo would be at his office all the time, and we was in the same building. I worked for this record label called Key Players. I was the record pool. I gave all the DJs their records, so I would organize records, give them out to DJs when I first came home. <laughs> so Moses would be downstairs, and with COVID, and he introduced me to Moses. And so after that, Moses would always recognize me. So then one day, Moses was like, yo, hey, Chief, COVID don't want to go to lunch. He ain't got time. You want to go to lunch? I'm like, yeah. I'm going to fucking lunch with Moses Malone. It's this strip club called Treasures that he <laughs> loved going to. <laughs> in Houston, called Treasures. Chief, best buffet in town. Best buffet in town. I'm like, huh? <laughs> this is the best buffet in town. I'm like, are we are we going to strip club? Or are we going to eat? This the best buffet in town. You understand what I'm saying to you? <laughs> I go in. It's my first time ever having food. Going to a strip club for food. I'm like, oh okay. So we eating there, and the buffet is a huge ass buffet. Like a chef. It's lit up. It looks like a cafeteria. The little lamps, but it's all these naked. Women in here, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. I said, so you like you like crab with your crab? He was like, man, um, look here. Now, this is the buffet. I say, so we arguing about is it the buffet or is it the strip club? So it's another, it's a, a male strip club called La Bear in Houston. I said, so <laughs> all the men is here. If this buffet was in La Bear, would you go? More like, hell no, I wouldn't go. I said, so it's not the best buffet in town. It's got titties with this buffet. This is what, what is important about this buffet. Because if it was penis with the buffet, you wouldn't fucking go eat the buffet. He's like, yeah, pretty much correct. 
And that's how me and Bose got tight, arguing about treasures in the buffet. And known him ever since. So when he passed, I was at his funeral. And we used to talk all the time. I've been mad at Moses one goddamn time over a motorcycle seat. And this is when you can't, I learned that you really can't tell people to do with they, they own money. I'll leave you funny, man. You funny. You funny. I say, well, why don't you invest in my career? How much you need? How much you need? Need about five thousand dollars to get you know press kit and all this other stuff done. Moses totally fucking ignored me after that, right? <laughs> Eight months later, randomly talking, me, him, Colbert, Luke, randomly talking, he's telling them about that he replaced the seat on his motorcycle just because, and the seat cost him five thousand dollars. And I am pissed. Like, he has no idea why I'm even mad. I'm like, so you, uh, uh, a fucking motorcycle seat? He's like, yeah. And I just walked out and slammed the door. And Kobe was like, you know he mad at you because he asked you to give him $5,000 to further his career. And you you didn't never say anything. So what are you mad about? Because you just fucking spent $5,000 on a motorcycle seat that you didn't have to change. And you could have helped him. He was like, well, shit, I, I can't tell me how to spend my money. <laughs> He got a, a alligator motorcycle seat with an M on it. I like it. Fucking nice ass seat. That sounds good. But I want it. I, want I get it. <laughs> but, you know, in he, retrospect, though, are you happy that you didn't get the money from I'm, him? I'm excited. I was because yeah. I think that it would have probably changed how we interacted. Yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah. And you know, it's it's it's, it's things that as an adult, you know, why you don't. You understand why you don't get it as a comic. You have you definitely have to understand that as a comic because you know how we are. I'm not getting something, right? And we feel like we've been rejected or pushed to the side, and then you start some comics start getting better because they feel like other people are getting other opportunities. But sometimes it's not for you in that particular space. It's been it's been shows that haven't been for me, and I've been cool with it. Then it's been shows that I thought that wasn't for me. That I got on, like, eh. but you have the benefit of hindsight. You have the yeah. benefit of becoming successful and then looking back and go, oh, all those things that went wrong, that's probably good. Because yeah. you develop more character, you understand the business better. And reaching out for someone to help you, it rarely really helps you. You think it's going to help you, but it's going to fuck your relationship with that person because you're going to have to pay them back quickly and you're probably not going to be able to. Yeah. And then it's also going to, you're going to know that you had to borrow money from somebody. When you know you just did it yourself, it's like you have a peace. Like I'm a self-made man. You can look at it that way. And and be easy. And be ah, easy it's with better. It. It's and better. It, and who wants to be around? Like yo, you see him right there. Yeah. You know I, I made him right. You know, no, like, no. Ah. Like I, that would be the no. fucking worst. Yeah. Somebody worse. popping in. Yo, so you know Joe Rogan, right? I'm the I'm the one that gave him all the shit to start his podcast. Never brings me up. <laughs> you know like you know it's a weird it's a weird thing so in this business you know and you and you get excited you can get excited about certain things again when you feel like okay i i did this and something else exciting is going to happen you know you I, i'm very optimistic you know now than when i was growing up or when I was coming up in comedy because at first I was a, a little I had a little chip a lot I had a lot of chip well everybody does as a young man especially when you're entering into something where it's a long road and you're seeing these other people get ahead of you and you're like fuck 
like when you were saying about being embarrassed, wanting someone to do badly, I remember the exact same feeling. I remember feeling like a real bitch because I wanted people to bomb. I didn't want people to do well. I wanted them to bomb because I felt in some stupid way that if they did poorly, that made me better. It doesn't make any sense. It's just I just was scared of my own. I was nervous. I, I didn't I didn't want to bomb. So if someone else bombed, I'd be happy. Good. Because if someone killed, I'm like, shit, they did so good. Now there's pressure on me. Because it was just a bitch way of thinking. And I realized it. And I was, it was probably I was 21 when I realized it. It was when I was first starting out. I was like, oh, okay, I've got a bad mindset here. I have a bad, I've, I've fallen into a trap. Mm-hmm. And the trap is I'm the only one, I want to be the only one who does well, which is a terrible mindset. Because what they're doing on stage has nothing to do with me. Nothing. But I, in my mind, I was competitive with them. But I'm like, no, the, the competition is with yourself. And actually, it benefits you when people are great. Because when people are great around you, first of all, it makes you step up your game. Second of all, you're a comedian, but you're also a fan of comedy. Like, you should want to laugh. And the if you're around funny people, you get funnier. And that's the thing about weird little small communities. You know, you go to like a place like Pittsburgh or something like that. They don't have like a big comedy community. And you realize, oh, a lot of people fucking suck. They're just not that good. Like, there's a lot of not that good in some of these communities, and not not Pittsburgh, but you know, just name it, name a city, yeah, name any a city town. People. I don't <laughs> Pittsburgh. Hey, fuck you, man. That's not what I meant. I mean, you're a small town with not a lot of pros in that town that live in that town. You don't have a high standard that you you judge yourself by. Yeah. But when you're a place like L.A. And you're surrounded by top-level comics all the time. It forces you to rise up. It's now, good for you. And I know people get. I've said this, and people have been very pissed at me in both spaces. I don't. I don't always find that LA comics are strong, and that and that be my my thing. I think if you're a strong guy out of LA, that you were strong before you got there. Because I don't see a lot of places where they give enough time for them to develop a right. show. That's what I'm saying. Now, yeah. I don't think that I know, I, I know it's like it's funny people in LA, but overall show. I remember coming to the Improv and they, they asked me how long I was gonna do. I was like, Yo, I'm, I'm gonna do like maybe like seventy five, and he was like, What? Like you doing seventy five? What seconds or minutes? I'm like. <laughs> Like seventy five minutes. He's like, no, nah, a headliner out here like twenty, twenty, twenty five is stretching it. I'm like, I'm not where? What it, what improv is this? At the in LA. Dude told me that um he wanted me to do twenty five. I was like What? I I no, I'm I'm not gonna be able to do that. That's ridiculous. They must have tried to book, overbook the show. Yeah. They must have had like five or six people on before you or something like that. Yeah, it that was, make I any know sense. Jay Phillips was coming on after me. Um, at like he had the ten thirty show, I was the eight thirty show, oh. and I was like, I, I don't even know how that works, but I, I did an hour. We settled at an hour, and he's like, "Yo, man, you were you were really funny. You live here?" I'm like, "No, I live in Houston. That's why I didn't understand a twenty five minute headliner. Who? What the fuck is that? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like so I live in a place where, um, time and time to develop a show." is you it's multiple places to go 
like in chunks of 15. I don't think you can develop a, a hour show in chunks of three and five. I right. think you got to do it in chunks of 15 or 20s to actually get it tight. I agree. And yeah. then, you, and like you say, you have to have other strong comics. Like I come watch somebody if they want me to. I'm not coming out to do it. But if you say, oh, I want you to come look at my set. I'm like, at this point, I've written for so many people. Like, you know, I come watch and punch up and say, oh, well, I think this. But I tell people, even when I do that, I don't want your set to sound like me. I'm not writing the cadence for you. I'm just writing, here, use this word or go there. That's if you choose to. It's not a. It's not mandatory. Right. Because as a comic... It's one we one word away from some shit being the most explosive thing that we've said. Like, I've, hey man, just add this on the end. Right, right. I'm like, oh, okay. And isn't it crazy how that works? Yeah. Sometimes you just find a new way of saying it, and boom. Like, it's and it and it's. I I think I have just as much fun when it's me doing it, or when I wrote that part for somebody and I was like and I'm, yeah. wait, I'm waiting for the part that I've interjected yes. into the joke I'm like, okay, I'm like okay watch this watch this watch this watch yeah. me say this on there and she said ah and I'm like yeah that's me right there that's my part <laughs> <laughs> the whole sentence all I added was this and then it changed the game you know that's the big thing yeah so it, it's so many layers to this business and you want to be you want to be in it you want to be funny and but I think it's not a lot of people that would admit to what we have admitted to of ah, I was fucking being weak as shit right yeah. here. And I'm now I want the strongest people like if somebody hosting or featuring for me, or if I'm on the show with multiple people, I'm rooting for everybody to go out yeah. and do well. And like, Ali, what you gonna do? I'm just waiting on my 20 minutes or my 15 minutes. And then after that, I want, I want to watch everybody else. I'm watching before, I'm watching after. I want to see everybody do well. And I, I didn't come up in an environment like that. I came up in a very competitive, ah, you gonna, I'm gonna I'm try to kill the room before you go up as the host. Like, Okay, as the host, I thought my job was to get the room ready for the next two comics. I I don't think that it's about me, and I think a lot of people who host when I'm when I'm dealing with somebody who's hosting, I try to explain to them, hey, how much time are you doing? Ten. Use three minutes. Use three minutes of it to get acclimated to the audience. Let them a lot. Don't go out. And start with your material. It's because now you're gonna be fucking up because people still coming in. Yep. Now you mad? Oh, look at this! You know, just just invite the people in first, and then start sliding in your. That's material. good advice. That's very good advice. That's the worst thing when someone tries to jump right into a joke. Hey, brother, I'm still ordering. I ain't. Yeah. People still being seated. I'm not hearing. It's not that you're not funny. I'm not hearing what you're saying. Right. Because I'm still. Oh, so um, so y'all got. Popcorn, what y'all got? Jalapeno poppers. I don't want yeah. that. And I, I think that the dynamics of how you deal with stand-up is how you deal with life. I think it's it's starting to merge like that for me. How I deal with people in my particular career is how I deal with the people in my personal life. Hey, look, I don't have time for your, your opening shenanigans right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> tell, tell my tell my son all the time, you are the opener. You know what I'm saying? Your <clears> sisters <throat> are the feature, and I am definitely the headliner of this whole household. <laughs> <laughs> if I, if, without me, there's no show, sir. There's no show. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you about uh, having strong opening acts, too. So important. The worst thing in the world is when you go see a headliner and they bring terrible opening acts and you know what they're doing. They're just stacking the deck. They just want themselves to look good. But meanwhile, you subjected your audience to 35 minutes of bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> your, your audience is like, say, um, who the f- I, I've heard an audience ask somebody, who the fuck is this, who the fuck is this guy? Like, <laughs> like, and this is, this is, I always make you love East Coast audiences. Yeah. A Connecticut audience is fucking, uh, uh, West Nyack. Yo, who the fuck? Yeah. I didn't drive an hour from the city to see this guy. Who is this? Yeah. I'm like, and I, didn't, I had to come out, the, the, the management, the dude ain't trying to hear none of that shit. And my man is like, yo. Where is the fucking Mexican guy on Boots guy? I'm like, ah. and I'm standing in the shadows. I'm like, I'm, I'm coming, sir. Just let him finish. I'm like, yo, how long before? And, and he didn't saw me. How long before you go up? I'm like, about time you get your drink. I'll be honest. Do you always bring opening acts on the road? I try to. Yeah. I try to. I try to at least bring the feature. You have to in Florida. <laughs> that place is the worst. Like all of Florida, they'll all, like they'll set of... you up with an opening act. You'll be like, "What in the fuck is happening?" Like I remember, I was working in Tampa once. I was like, "I got to get out of the room because I don't think anything is funny anymore. I think there's no funny. I think funny's not real. Like I got to get out of here. This oh. is crazy." Okay, that was early in the career. The guy's probably dead, but he was he was a reckless motherfucker. He was he was crazy, but his his act was. It didn't make any sense. It was like, oh my god, what is? What am I seeing here? But from like, <laughs> like ninety nine on, I just started bringing opening acts. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Uh, this is the, the weird thing is I'm I'm <laughs> I'm in Tampa this weekend. <laughs> oh, no. Tampa's crazy. There's a lot of and, swingers in Tampa too. And I um the first I think the first time I went to Tampa, it was like. Yo, man, from this point on, I'm going to bring at least the middle. <laughs> Tampa. I'm fucking bringing the middle. Cause, mm. So I, I try my best to... It, it's weird. I, I don't think people know the... How could they, though? The dynamics and the mindsets of comics when you get to a particular position of the things that you want to help do like how much help other comics have to give other comics 85 yeah. percent of your help comes from other goddamn comics whether it's referring you to somebody or telling somebody about you or pointing you in the right it's other comics so i try to give a lot of help to people that's in town maybe you you can't get in this club but you know me and this is just not the club where you work at hey because i'm in this position I'll twist somebody's arm to get you to host. But please don't make my twisting. And the dude looking at me like, this is your guy, right? Like, 
<laughs> like, but it's but I know for a fact it's no better than the guy that you had here last time. Right. Like he okay, if he's terrible, what about the guy that you had here last time? The reason why this terrible guy is here because your guy was worse. So <laughs> so my middle, the middle is always gonna be a ringer. It's gonna be somebody who's probably headlining somewhere else and now it's not a lot of work for people because like clubs and a lot of gms have explained to me like we all we need is people who can hit grand slams we don't we ain't got time for the oh you can get half the room we ain't got time for this shit we yeah. we're in a pandemic we need asses in the seats yeah and this is what we this is what we doing so it'll be a person who may have been doing cruise ships or colleges or some other venues where they headline hey can i come on the road with you or my friends if i'm writing something you know, like to give me a different perspective. I just bring my friends, hey, they gonna, they gonna watch my set. They gonna, hey man, you should do this. So that's where I'm comfortable at. And then I want somebody to hang out with that I know. That's big, that's big. That keeps the road from being lonely. Cause I would bring two opening acts. I would, I started bringing two, two opening acts because Joey Diaz didn't always show up. Diaz was always my opener. Because and one of the reasons why Diaz was my opener is he was the funniest dude that was willing to go on the road. Like Diaz was a murderer, but he liked to do like twenty minutes. He didn't like to do an hour. Like he could do an hour, Easy. but Joey Diaz likes to just da, 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 just come out guns blazing <laughs> for twenty minutes, just the mow shit. them all down, and then he's out of gas. You know, he's a big guy. He's got to take a break. But that's his be his best set is twenty minutes of thunder. You know, he was just destroy for twenty minutes, half hour, whatever it is. But this was the Joey Diaz Coke days. And Joey, you, you never knew. Most of the time he would show up, but sometimes you never knew. Like one time I was in Jersey, I was working at Rascals, and uh, he's not there for the first show. He just doesn't show up. First show starts like 40 minutes late because they got to call some other dude. Because by the time showtime starts, can't get a hold of This is the beeper days, Joey. I would call his pager, and his, his fucking page, it was useless. And then. Uh, Finally, they get a local guy to come down. He does his time, and then I go up, and then the second show starts late, and the guy is fine. The guy was pretty funny. It worked out well. But Joey was supposed to be there the next day, and he had apparently talked to the booker and said, oh, it was a mistake and this and that. No problem. I'll be there. He was on a bender. And then the next day, it's showtime. It's 8 o'clock, and I'm on the phone with him. He goes, Joe Rogan, I'm not going to lie to you. I never left Vegas. <laughs> He was, he was in Vegas. He never called. I'm like, shit. And so luckily we had that other dude, but I decided then I'm going to bring two opening acts. So that way I bring like Ari Shafir, I would bring Duncan Trussell, and I bring, you know, whoever could make it. And then I would bring Joey Diaz. And if Joey showed up, we got a three man show. Joey didn't show up, we got a two man show. But I didn't want to tell Joey not to show up because he's magic. Like when he's there, it's magic, you know? It's it's the, I think, <laughs> I, it this is the thing. I have um, like like Bert. Bert has a fucking freedom about comedy and life that I wish I had developed earlier. Cause I I don't have it down. Like like he literally has his shit down. Like, In what way? Like. This is when I knew that he was his life was different than mine. I'm getting ready to do his podcast. He calls like, "Hey, you in Tampa? 
you know, doing doing my podcast. I'm out here at vacation with my family, my people from here, you know. So he shows up to my room, literally. Walks in, no fucking shirt on. <laughs> Toes are fucking, toenails are painted. <laughs> he literally just coming from like the beach with his kids or something and they doing the podcast. Walks in my room, he's like, Ali, were you were you raised by a single mother? I was like, yeah. How you how you know? Cause your fucking room is amazing. My I've been in my room for three hours. It's like I've been squatting in my room. <laughs> okay, I'm like so we doing doing this podcast. He just we just fucking randomly talk for like two two half hours about just whatever. And he's sitting in my in in my room. He has his feet crossed in the chair. Just fucking just so relaxed. So we're walking out and. I'm being I'm I I don't know why my mind is judging him like this. And it's literally it's like a Honda Toyota Civic, some some small ass car. And I'm like, quite sure. I'm walking towards this car. Like, quite sure this is what he's in. Cause he's a shirtless, barefooted man. So this is probably what he drove up in. And as I'm walking, it's a huge ass Benz on the side that is like white, very fucking nice. I'm not even looking at this car. I'm going straight over here. And I turn around, cause I'm almost to this car. I turn around and he has his trunk popped up on this bench. He's like, oh, that's your rental car? I'm like, no, I'm I'm thinking this is your car. Shirtless, homeless, <laughs> very homeless looking white man. And like, <laughs> that's jumping in the fucking bins right now. Look like it got fur on the goddamn inside. Of it. <laughs> I was like, his fucking like he's in a Benz with no shirt on, with fucking painted toenails, with no goddamn shoes on, just driving around like, all right, man, see you in LA when you come do the podcast drill. I'm like, yo, I said, this is fucking the life. I've never been in a car with no shirt on, and I've never been barefooted driving anything. And he was just in my room. I'm like, what fucking type of life is this that he has that he's just this comfortable? And I, I I thought about it for days, <laughs> and I, I and I thought I would get over it like for days. And I'm in Ebor City, and you know you you walking around there, and there's fucking roosters everywhere, and little lizards walking around. I'm like, he's from here, yeah. And I'm like, this is why he's like this. It's like this fucking carefree ass life. And I tried it. I went home back to Houston and I tried it. <laughs> I walked outside my house with no shirt on and no shoes. You know how many goddamn letters, <laughs> little text messages I got. Yo, man, the fuck, is you doing? You homeless? Like, <laughs> like I've tried to cycle. I've tried to cycle and I quit because black people are very hard. Very, black people are very hard in my neighborhood. Yo, the rumor. It was a rumor. It was literally a rumor going around. Hey, you got a DUI? I think Ali lost his truck. I think he got his truck got repossessed. Oh, I'm like, who is saying this shit? He's like, yo, they saw you on a bike, man. I was on a Cannondale. I wasn't on a regular ass bike. It was like I like I was on a Huffy. He's like, I was trying to. I had the shit on. I had the tight shit on. But <laughs> like, like, it's like this is what happens when you hanging with your white friends, going to fucking cycle, and somebody see you. You like, yo, Ali lost his truck. It's fucking <laughs> bite, but the freedom of some people in this comedy, like I think y'all have a different comedy community than the black comedy community. 
which is a weird thing. You you have to get up to a certain tier to where it's not black and white anymore. It's just comedy and mm. mainstream. Because I think the the rooms are a little different. And I and I try to tell cats, I'm like, nah, it's not. Urban rooms are no different than bar show. They fucking both shit sometimes. But then when you start getting up to the comedy club level and the theater level, it definitely changes. It's not, I don't want to go out and be better than Joe Rogan. I want, I'm on the show. It's If it's Maz Jabrani, you, me, Joey, I want everybody to have a fucking good time. But in a in a club, in a like clubs that's not comedy club, it would have been like, no, I'm fucking finna go out here and destroy everybody around me and be the only center of light. And I'm I'm not in that space anymore. And I think cause I'm I've teared up to a mainstream thing where I just want to go have a good time and, and have a good show and I don't I want the wait staff to be happy. I'm concerned about other shit now. I want everybody to be good. But at first it was like I just wanted to be the fucking monster in the room. And now I'm not like that anymore. But, yeah, everybody yeah. wants to be the monster in the room when you're coming up. Once you once you do a theater though, the the theater level's different because then you know people are coming to see you. Like there there's no other reason to be at that theater. Like, no other reason. If you go to a comedy club, people go to comedy clubs just as a oh, let's see. Let's see. I don't know who that is, but let's see. People do that all the time. All the time. I mean, if you have a comedy club like Comedy Works in Denver or Zanies in Nashville, I mean, they have a built-in community. There's a built-in number of people that know Zanies always has good comics. If you go there, you're going to see a good show. You like that club? It's a good club. I fucking love Zanies. That's a great club. Did you see when they got hit by a truck? Yes. And How they, crazy is that? They got hit on Tuesday. They was back open Friday. Were they really? <laughs> good for them. Friday, Friday, they to get that shit done. Wow. Good for them. Yeah. That's a great club. What's the best club? In your opinion. Cap City here was pretty fucking good. Cap City was but fucking good. But it's gone. Crazy. It's gone. Yeah, it's Went gone. under. Yeah. Um, Comedy Works in Denver, pretty fucking good. Never played it. Never? Wanted, wanted to play it. And that's the other thing about fucking politics of the game. Hey, you playing over here. Can't play Oh, over there. so you did the improv yeah. in Denver? That's great, too, though. The improv's great, too. Mm. Huh? Mm. Huh? <laughs> I never did it. You never done it? I heard it's great. It's a nice club. Diaz did it. He said it was great. I think Diaz did it. I know people have done it for sure. But comedy works is comedy it, works is amazing. It's fucking amazing. For the me. lady who runs it, Wendy. Shout out to Wendy. She uh, she's a great lady. She's been uh, responsible for the community in in Denver for a long time too, because she has a whole tier system of open micers, and she brings them on to become hosts, and then gets them into the middle slot position, and actually develops headliners like local Denver based headliners. Which is, that's so important for a community. You know, I want to open up a club out here, and one of the things that I want to do, really important, is have open mic nights two nights a week. Exactly. Two nights a week. you got to develop local talent. It's so important. And you're in a city that, um, it, can, it, could, it could definitely be done. It can be done. And, it, and they definitely need, the, the Austin has always been <sighs> step behind Dallas. Dallas is maybe three steps behind Houston when it comes to stand-up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Houston's always been the shining light in Texas, from Kennison to Bill Hicks to, I mean, there's so many great comics came out of that that little area. 
alone, you know, where I'm, that laugh stop was. I'm fucking chasing Bill Hicks. It's a weird thing. Chasing him? Yeah. It, it's like, and I, I think that's the other part of how I am. It's like when you mention, when people mention a certain area, because when I, when I was first starting, people told me, you know, you got to go to New York, got to go to L.A. I was so anti that that I never, I would go to do shows and come back home, but I never wanted to move there to validate that. That, that was like one of the things I came into this business. I am not moving to either one of these places because I think that's a bunch of bullshit that you got to stay here or you got to be here in order for somebody to see. I'm like, well, I'm not doing it. Not anymore. You know, this is so, this is in 1997 mm. that I said that I'm not doing this shit. And so by 99, I'm full fledged stand up. This is all I'm doing. I quit both my jobs and I'm just doing stand up. And I'm refusing. Like, I oh, do you need to go to LA. I'm not doing it. Because it it's like it's like you validate somebody, you validate that whole thing as this is the only place where to happen. So being so against it, I just pushed straight Houston, Texas. It's all about Texas to me. And I would only hear your greatness is gonna be judged by Bill Hicks. Like the you chasing this ghost of Bill Hicks. So when they would mention the best comics out of the South, or they would mention Texas, they would always mention Bill Hicks. I would go places and Bill Hicks would be on the wall. And I would say, what the fuck do I have to do to get in this realm? And Ralphie was like, Got work, man. Got <laughs> so Ralphie was in, you know, in Houston when I started. So it was in 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 Houston. It was me, Ralphie, um, and that's I think that's about the only people that people would know off the rip. So it was it was Thea Vidal, Sam Kinson, Bill Hicks. That was the. Thing. Then it was it became Rushon McDonald because he was with he was with Steve Harvey producing stuff with Steve. So I looked up Bill Hicks like his accomplishments. I was like, what has he accomplished? He was like, he did this, he did that, and I tried to supersede all that. And then I I've done that so to speak, and people still don't bring me up. Like they they would literally have to talk had to talk about let's talk about the best storytellers. Then I would be brought up. When they say comics, they still I'm like fucking shit. His comedy was different because he was the first guy in uh my era, right? When I was an open micer, he was the first guy that I had ever seen that brought ideas that weren't necessarily comedy ideas and he brought them to the stage. We tried to figure out a way to make things funny that were philosophical ideas, maybe more so than they even were stand-up bits. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the big criticisms of him. That some of his jokes weren't really funny. Like I, I remember I dated this girl once, and um, I made her watch uh, a Hicks special. It wasn't the best Hicks special to watch because it was the one that he had a cowboy hat on. It was uh, he did it in 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 
the UK and it was a one take thing and it was in front of a large audience and I think whenever you have a one like this is my special ready go you only have one show mm-hmm. you're gonna be too tense you're gonna be too tight and it just didn't seem loose like I had seen him live before where it was loose and uh, I was like he has just a, a way of thinking that is attractive like he, he thought about things in a way like he explained things he had logic to him and so this girl was like he's not very funny she's like he's really interesting but he's not very funny and I was like I wanted to go shut your fucking mouth but I thought about it and I was like god damn it she's right like th- in this one special was not that good like if you compare it to like Live on the Sunset Strip, or Delirious, or um, uh, Kinnison, Louder Than Hell. Like, those were way better. They were way funnier. Like, I showed her Kinnison. She was crying laughing. I was like, okay. It's like, Hicks, when you saw him when he was at his best, though, he just had a way of describing... Like, he he made sense. Like, he had, like, a lot... There was perspective and... There was like an education behind his ideas that that he was pretty rare for comedy. Like he played, he didn't play to the level of the room. He played above that. He played to his own level, like what the things that he was thinking about. Mm-hmm. And still to this day, so he's got some like Young Man on Acid is like one of the the best bits ever. He's got some great fucking he some bits. Great, he got some great. He got some great bits. A bit about during the Iraq War, you know, some great shit about how they were just practicing. You know, like like uh, like they had amazing weapons. How do we know? Well, we sold them to. Them. We got the receipts. Like, look, <laughs> it's like because we did. We armed the Iraqi army, and then we went and fucked them up. But he, he, they had this bit about the war that was so different than anybody else's take on the war. Like he said, yeah, Bill. They say Iraq has the third largest army in the world. He goes, well, after the first two, there's a big fucking drop off. <laughs> It's like the Salvation Army is number four. <laughs> like he had some great, he had some great bits. Yeah. His some great pers- his perspective. It wasn't obvious, you know. It was a you would watch him and you'd be like, I remember Richard Jenny, who was one of my all time favorites. He said to me, he uh, he goes, I saw Hicks and I was like, God damn it, I need to do more of that. He goes, I need to have more of my actual opinions, even though Jenny would. Jenny would murder, man. Richard Jenny was a joke writing savage. I mean, I saw him in uh, 1988 when I was first starting, and uh, he was a killer. And then I worked at Eastside Comedy Club on Long Island, and all the comedians were depressed because Richard Jenny had just been there. And it was it was on Sunday that I came down, and the guys that were there on Friday and Saturday would go, dude, he did a different hour every show he did four different hours and fucking destroyed never told a joke twice did completely different material for every show and it was murderous and all these comics that like held on to their 20 minutes like it was just there this was like like a baby in the in a, in a river like i got you i got you <laughs> they held on to these bits like they would they would never change and expand and jenny did four different hours and everybody was depressed. I think to this day, I always say this, like people don't appreciate that guy. You know, he committed suicide and people don't remember, like they don't, they don't, they didn't, they weren't there during the day. He wanted to be a movie star. He wanted to be a TV star, but he was one of the best comics that ever lived. And when I saw him, I saw him in his prime. I saw him at a bunch of different places. I saw him in LA at the Laugh Stop. I saw him at the, at the Comedy Works in, Den- in um, in Montreal, 
I saw, I've, I've just seen that guy murder to the point where like, I feel like I remember thinking when I first started, like, I'm never going to be that good. Like I'm fucked. Like, cause there's levels. Like I'm like, I don't know if I could ever get there. There's a, there's a top of the mountain. Like I might die of no oxygen before I get to where he's at. And so, and even he was looking at Hicks like, shit, I need to do more of that. You said earlier that as people get older, they stop learning. Mm. This is where, like, with this, like, I I can't even, mm-hmm, I can't, because I don't want to miss nothing. I don't want to stop the thought, because when it comes to stand-up, I should just I sit here and I absorb and I listen, because I know when I came into this business, stand-up was, like, one thing to me. And then I started looking at all the, like when people say, well, what were your influences? The average person expect me to say Richard Pryor, all this shit. I'm like, no, Carol Burnett, Hee Haw, fucking Don Rickles. People who I was fucking growing up seeing on TV, this is who was funny to me. Carol Burnett was fucking hysterical to me. Um, Rodney Dangerfield, he was hysterical. Like, I wasn't, I stole Richard Pryor albums way later, but Lucille Ball was fucking on TV. Like, I was watching her. I didn't have to listen to her album when my parents left. Don Rickles had to be one of the funniest people on the planet to me. I don't give a damn what people, other people say. I'm like, yo, I was fucking hysterical. Back in the day, he was a murderer. Yo, so Sammy Davis Jr. was fucking hysterical to me. It's like me watching Cannonball Run. I thought everybody on Cannonball Run was fucking comic. Because I'm like, yo, this is the fun. This had to be one of the funniest movies I ever seen. So when somebody gives you something, Billy D. Washington, this is why I like Bill Hicks. Ali, when you are not being funny on stage, be interested. Mm-hmm. You have the ability to be able to do both. And I was like, huh? He's like... <laughs> be interesting like how you how you do that he's like okay do what you do when you come in the barbershop and you tell us a story about something that we don't know anything about say being incarcerated what it was like in this people want to hear that so i'm like no he's like trust me so i start putting in these little bits about me growing up or how something happened and people start gravitating towards it like oh man what you just said that was man I was thinking about it because I hadn't got that ever when I got off say I got you was funny but I never had got to the point where somebody said they was thinking about something that I said thinking about it you weren't laughing at it no I was thinking about what you said I'm like oh shit so you can get people to think and you get people to laugh because it's because it's, it's both people in the audience. There's some people that don't want to think about shit. They just want you to say something that's humorous. There's some people that want to like, well, what is this taking? What does he feel about it? And you start learning this. And I learned this maybe year number 11. So when somebody is in year number five, year number three, year number four, and they already think that they're great, I'm thinking like, well, I got shit that I wrote that I'm still, none of my none of my things are finished because my career is not. It's it's all these different perspectives I have, so nothing is old to me. 
And I'm not hanging on to 20 minutes because I'm going to say what happened to me during the course of the day because now I got this perspective where I can be interesting, I can be funny, I can have a perspective. This shit, matter of fact, this shit that I'm about to say don't make no sense. Like, it's not even a complete thought. I'm thinking about it. Y'all, I'm asking, I'm actually asking the question at this point. So, would you prefer a unshaved man or a shaved man? What do what, what, what we talk about? Then I just dive into these things, not go into the perspective of why I would shave my my underarms, my pubic hair. Why wouldn't I? And when you get into the game, you don't know you can do any of that. So when you're looking at these other people, you like, oh shit, Franklin the Jai. I've 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 laughed, but I thought more than I laughed. I was like, mm-hmm. no, it's fucking. He had one of my all-time favorite jokes about watching the Olympics. He's like, uh, he goes, why well, watch the Olympics? He goes, I don't watch the dude who comes in first. He goes, I watch the dude who comes in last. <laughs> he goes, he goes, he goes. You see that guy running, going, oh shit, I'm about to come in last in the Olympics. <laughs> and, then, and then he started thinking, fuck, I I, I could have not even trained, and I was still coming last. Think about all the sacrifice I made. And he goes, then reality starts sitting in. I don't even have a fucking job, like. It was a great bit, man. I remember that bit. It was like it was very. He's a very jazz-like comic, you know. Franklin Ajay would like he, his 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 bits were like he would let him drag out. He would let you think about him. He didn't force anything. He wasn't like he wasn't trying to say it quickly. He was like confident, relaxed. That bit was. I remember thinking that bit was a a genius bit. That and uh, women women always say excuse me about their house. They house, you know, excuse me, my, my house is filthy. He was like, I'm at this daily house. He said, excuse me, my house is filthy. He was like, he walked in, he was like, oh, you know, my house is fucking immaculate. He said, no, it's some dust over there on that TV. He said, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> so she said, he went, she goes to his house, and then they in there, and she said, can I can I can I be frank with you? Because she was looking uncomfortable. Can I be frank with you? She said, "Yeah, your house is disgusting. Your house is filthy." It's <laughs> like what? I, my house is straightened up. So she takes her finger and she goes on the TV, on the on the um stand and says, "Look at look at all of this dust. Look at all this dust." He was like, "Yeah." So I was sitting there trying to figure out how she gonna get that dust back in that fingerprint. <laughs> 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 I was like, I'm like, this is fucking genius yeah. shit. Like, how you gonna get the dust back in the fingerprint <laughs> like, so it looks normal again? So it looks normal, like, Don't make me clean it up. Oh, it's it's the perspective and the honesty of the person that you're looking at. Yeah, and you you don't want to be able to separate. Oh, he's this way. Like the the. I think the only person who I think that's a fucking genius that I that I don't have a I don't have any words for I I wanted to, I he's gonna get his ass kicked. There's a lot of people a lot of people saved him from getting hit getting the shit beat out of him. Paul Mooney is like I was so <laughs> fucking mad at Paul Mooney because he asked me to I'm featuring for Paul Mooney and he comes in the room and is like, "Yo, go count the room." Hmm. Like, like, what? Like, go count the room. I said, that's not, that's not my job to count the room. I said, I'm the feature, but I want you to count the room. I said, 
shit. People in hell want ice water too, but that's not my job. Comes back 20 minutes later. Didn't I tell you to count the room? I was like, my, my man, I, you, that's why you bring people with you in order to do that. Another 10 minutes go by, he comes back. Yeah, let your white boyfriend know that the club is sold out. He's talking about Raymond, the the GM of the improv in Houston. It's like, we friends, but I don't think Raymond would even expect me to know the room is counted. He's never, that's never happened. Cut to, I'm sitting there, and he comes back. He said, next time I ask you to do something, you need to do it. And I leaned towards him in his face. I said, if you say one more word to me, Paul, I'm going to stomp the shit out you <laughs> in this green room. Because you're being fucking disrespectful. Don't ask me shit. So now the rest of the weekend is tight. It's, oh. it's tight. This is this is tight. <laughs> like This shit is bad. I'm like, I'm never, I called DL, I was like, yo, I'm like 10 minutes from whooping Paul Mooney's ass. He's like, don't whoop Paul Mooney's ass, he's an old man. I'm like. But what, old, how, many, how many years ago is this? This is like, hold on, dun, 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 let's go back. Improv has been there what it is. So we're going to go 13 years, 13, 14 years. And he's like, yo, he's an old man. I'm like, yo, so that means he's responsible for what he's saying. I'm going to whoop his ass. He's like. <laughs> It's like they're gonna, they're probably gonna blackball you if you whoop Paul Mooney. I say this be, it'll be the fucking second time. I don't give a shit. He's like, don't whoop Paul Mooney. Three years later, Austin, we're booked at the Paramount Theater. Right next to it is the States, so we're both booked there for this um, Black Letters Poetry Society that they doing. Paul's the headliner. I think mean, we both doing forty five minutes apiece. Our our green rooms are in those right around the corner. The lady has no idea that me and Paul don't have any words for each other, and she keeps trying to. Well, you know, Paul's over here, and he would, you know, and Paul, you know, Ali's over here, and I, and we we neither one of us are speaking to each other. We're like fuck that. I go do my thing. Paul is next, and I'm sitting in the green room, and Dre Dre's with me, same guy. We sit in the green room, and my door's open. Paul walks by, and this is his apology, because he know he, he was wrong with shit, what he said. This is his apology. He walks past her room and leans back and says, hi, Ali, and then walks to <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Dre, I fucking hate him so much. He's like, oh. <laughs> he's like he just apologized, Ali. I'm like, fucking hi, Ali. When I came to the store in 94, Paul was the elder statesman, and he gave me no time of day. He wouldn't barely make eye contact with me. I would bring him up on stage, and he would act like I just took a shit all over the stage until one day. And one day, he made me feel like a real comic. Like, he gave me, he helped me so much. Because I was just starting out, man. I was on six years in a comedy when I came to the comedy store, and I did a late-night set, and there was maybe 15, 20 people in the room. And... uh I don't give a fuck if there's 20 people or 100 people or 1,000 people. I do the same. I do, I do my show. I don't half-ass it. And I was I was on stage and I heard, ha, 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 ha. He was laughing his fucking ass off. And uh, I brought him up. And then afterwards, he came up. He put his hand on me. He goes, you're a real fucking comic. 
He goes, there was no one in that room. And he goes, and you gave those motherfuckers a show. You're a real comic. And I remember thinking, holy shit, Paul Mooney told me I was a real comic. This is literally one of the first words we ever had to each other. After that, we were very friendly. But I was, you know, I was insecure around him. I knew he wrote for Richard Pryor and, you know, I, and I would see him on stage and he was brilliant. I mean, so many people stole some of his shit. Oh my God. There was he, so he's, dude, he's one of my fucking favorites. And to get into it with him, I'm like, yo, Ugh. it's fucking horrible. Ugh. It is fucking literally horrible. Cause I, yeah. I had so much admiration for, and I still think he's one of the greatest. I just brilliant. think he's a, he's a fucking ass sometimes, but. He can be sometimes, you know, but it's he's just like it's part of his brilliance, you know. Go count the room. <laughs> fucking pissed me off. So crazy. You, you know, um, I'm quite sure you heard of Rodney Winfield. I know the name. Yeah, Hat used to wear a sailor cap. Yeah. So just joking, the club that I started, at, he would sit on right on like literally. You come down, it's the bar, and he sits right on the edge of the bar. So when the comics come off stage. You have to pass him. Like it's no other way to get off stage and not pass him. And he he talked like that. Let me tell you something. That, that's his, that's his voice. So every night, just starting out, I'm a comic. Every night, I would get off and I would have to walk past him. And every night he had something to say. Every single night, Ali. Let me tell you something. Uh, let me tell you what was wrong with your set. Oh. What was wrong with your set? Everything. The fact that you was up there was <laughs> that was the first goddamn wrong right there. And then so, <laughs> so then go up, going up, he coming to watch me host. Goddamn Ali shit. Every night, every day, every time I think that you're getting better. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> God damn. It's like you just let me down. Now weekend after weekend. Oh shit! You know something? I almost laughed. God damn it, Ali! The night that I knew that I had turned the corner with him, this is his compliment. Get off stage, Ali. Let me tell you, it's one thing that was wrong with your whole set. Everything else was brilliant. Everything was brilliant. One thing was wrong with your set. I said, "What was that?" I said all that shit 30 years ago. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. He's like, I'm like, okay, that's his that's his ultimate compliment. Like you, you didn't stepped into his lane. He's yeah. like, the only thing was wrong. I said all that shit 30 years ago. <laughs> when you're a young comic, getting a getting a compliment from someone who's established is just gigantic. It yes. can help you so much. Yes, I think I think it's a definitely a boost. Oh my God! The I, there's boost. a few of those I can remember. I could look back and think that that person helped me a lot. Because you know, in the beginning, you don't know if you're gonna make it. You're so conf It's such a crazy art form. Because like as we were talking before about all the different styles and all the different people and the different influences, no one can teach you how to do it. It's so open ended. You just gotta figure it out. So you heard of Clubhouse, right? Sure. So I'm on Clubhouse. How does anybody have the time for that? I I had I had the only reason I had time I had fucking COVID I was in uh, I was <laughs> I was in a, I was in a I haven't been on since I've been back in the world <laughs> I, in isolation this is the only this is the only thing you have to the world of hear other people's voices because nobody you like a leper once you get goddamn COVID yeah so I'm in the hotel room I'm listening and I just happened to ask a question I say what do what do y'all think about comedy class I say I know. 
LA is really big. A lot of LA comics are really big on comedy classes, but I said I'm really not the comedy class guy. So people go fucking berserk. Comedy classes are this and comedy classes are that. and I was and, I, and now it, are they saying it's good or bad? They saying that it's great. Like this is the best thing. It's a sliced bread. And I'm like, are y'all trying to be combative with me or I'm, I'm trying to understand? I, are these established comedians you're talking to? Is it's this is the thing about Clubhouse. For some strange reason, there are no new comics on Clubhouse. There's everybody is a fucking professional. Everybody's headlining yeah. all over the place. Everybody's everybody's pros. And I'm like, wow. People who I've never not that if I've never heard of you, that don't mean that you're not a pro, but uh, okay. So, I'm now it's becoming a uh, an attack on what I'm saying. Now we we going back and forth, and there's people. Well, comedy class. I say, well, I don't think a comedy class can teach you shit about this bit. I say, well, name all the greats that went to goddamn comedy class. Well, you know, for me, well. That's for you. I don't. But what did you learn? I said I don't prescribe to the whole thing of people who who can't do teach. Teach you what? How not to be able to fucking do? That don't make no sense. I'm like yo, I think that a comedy class depend upon who is taught by. But even with that, I can only teach you what I do. I can't teach you the whole spectrum of comedy because right. it's I can't teach you how to be you that's the whole thing I, I need you as a stand up it has to be connected to you I I don't want to see you try to do somebody else I want to see you do you and you got to find you and this shit is trial and error yeah. this, it's like I think it's like being a chef I think I but think at least it, with a chef you could teach this is how you see her this is how you based. This is how you. you know, there's certain yeah. things you can learn, techniques and things. With comedy, you can't even do that because everybody does it so differently. It, it, I think the best thing comedy classes do is get you on stage. I think that's the the, the best thing they could do. And this is an open mic to do that because it would be people that would say that they went to comedy class, and then they would come see me, and then like, yo, you do everything that they told us not to do with comedy. <laughs> I was like, what they tell you not to do? You don't fucking move the microphone stand. You don't do anything. Like, I talk with the microphone stand right in my face. Because it, it's depending on what I'm saying. It's a purpose for me doing that. Or, like, I have a chair and a, a stool on stage. My props are the chair, the stool, and the stand. So I try to create these things with these three objects. Well, how do you do that? I just started, this is fucking trial and error. It's... The stool hasn't always been in the right spot. I've learned that I need this stool to be right here. So if I do this lean, I want it to seem seamless. That like I move, I adjust stuff so much on stage without people even paying attention. Like like I move a chair way early in the in my set because I know that eventually I'm going to position. And when I walk over here. And I just fall back and I'm right in the chair. People are like, oh shit, the chair. How did that chair get there? I'm like, I moved it three jokes ago over here, <laughs> three stories ago. I don't think somebody can teach you that. I don't think somebody can teach you how to 
deal with a heckler. I don't think somebody can teach no. you how to deal with the goddamn worst thing in the world to me in stand-up. Comedy clubs that's listening all over the world. Do not put fucking bridesmaid wedding uh, parties anywhere near the front of a stage. Oh, it's, She's getting married. Bitch, I don't care. It was, I see the dicks around her goddamn head. I see I see the light up dick necklace. You think you just wearing that? You think you wearing a light up dick necklace and I don't know that you're getting married? That is so universal. Like, well, How do they not know that it's a comedy show and that there's 350 other people in the room and that it's not about you? Like, If you want to go there and enjoy and laugh, that's great. But don't make it about her. Don't don't point at your friend and decide that the show has to revolve around them. These are the worst goddamn fingers in yeah. all. <laughs> well, they get drunk. She's getting, she's getting. Worse is that when it's just a birthday. It's her birthday. Like, oh boy, no one cares. First of all, it's not your birthday. It's the anniversary of your birthday. The anniversary. You were born birthday. thirty-four fucking years ago. Let it go. It's not your birthday, <laughs> bitch. You're thirty-four. <laughs> it's not. This is not oh, your so birthday. You, it's, it, you're not instantly born. This is not your first day on Earth. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> So you the finest day yeah. old motherfucker I've ever seen. And don't ever say that to a guy because guys don't give a fuck about birthdays. We give a fuck about birthdays if your kids say happy birthday, daddy, or if your wife says happy birthday. That's nice. But do I don't give a fuck about my birthday. Do you know how mad a man is when his wife hollers out it's his birthday at the comedy club and he's sitting there like this? It's <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, he's looking at you like, yeah, it's my birthday. But I don't need them. I don't need you to say a fucking thing. You but understand? Bachelorette parties, bridal parties, any any of that kind of shit at a comedy club. Yeah, they're the worst. Or people like this. You ever had this? The the club people think that they doing you a favor by putting your friends right in the fucking front. So oh, that's not good. So you just walk out and see your sister. Like I'm I'm going to be saying things about her. <laughs> <laughs> like. This is amazing person. I need her back at least three rows. So her fucking disbelief in her face when I'm saying this shit is not gonna be. It's not. I'm not gonna see it. No. Cause my I say some shit about my sister. My sister be doing like, yo, this is what we doing. So you know, you know, I was in the fucking navy, right? You know, I can still do 200 straight ass push ups. I whoop your ass. Like, I remember, I remember my sister came home from the navy. I thought she was the fucking toughest woman ever she could do 200 push-ups do because she at the time she could do fucking 200 straight ass push a 100 straight then she started breaking them down to 25 she stopped that's incredible that's she was just coming home from the navy it's like yo i watched her go and come back and she was like my sister was diesel she was she was sitting across <laughs> the table it's like my sister know she had nothing for me growing up and she's two years older than me but it's like she came back from the navy she was like yeah you know how to Anything you want to do, right? Like, why are you talking so aggressive? I'm not, I ain't been in your room or nothing. She's like, yeah. So just know, motherfucker. <laughs> like, we had breakfast. I, don't, I ain't, I'm just not seeing you. She, my sister was like, no, nah, just know I'm home. Like, my <laughs> just know I'm home. What does any of this mean? And I said, <sighs> and I said, working out, and she'd come back. This is what I knew my sister was trying to intimidate me. She'd come back from like a long run and to say some shit like, 15 miles. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I can't fucking run 15 seconds. I know I'm not gonna fucking run. You just ran fucking 15 miles. Like, yo, I'm not fucking with my sister. She's dead ass serious. Like, yeah, you be in them streets. Yeah, I've been in the military. I just came from Frisco. I mean, though, she was coming from San Diego. Where they was, yeah, 
Muscles was like, yo, I want to whoop your ass. Like, whoa. Like, Muscles was looking at me like, yo, just make, just make a move. Just make a move. I'm like, really? She was so jacked up coming from the neck. <laughs> like, yo, are you a fucking seal or something? You only, you just went to training. Like, Muscles was like taken. Like, I have, I've acquired a special set of skills oh since I've been gone. And, buddy, you are the one that I want to, Muscles wanted to submit me. I think that's the thing. I think she wanted oh. to submit me. I mean, my mm. friend got submitted. By a girl? No, by a dude, a little white boy who I told him was going to fuck him up. Mm. I and said, hey. Jiu-jitsu class? I said, yo, you're not uh, paying attention to the ear. Oh. No, this is in the street. This is right. I was like, keep on talking shit. I said, keep on. I said, man, look at his ear. Fuck his ear. I'm like, all right. <laughs> all right. Just know, that is an ear of combat, sir. I just want you to know that. You, he looked regular. Go ahead. A little white boy's finna fuck you up out here. Now your ass getting ankle submitted. Look at this shit. Now you out here getting ankle submitted. Now I gotta talk talk to the little white boy. Hey, um, Trevor, is it? Um, <laughs> can, can you let can you let my friend go? Cause it's like he's, it's all out in his shirt. You won, sir. He's, no, no, he's fucking with me. He's I'm like, yeah, I know. I told him the ear. You wrestle. You wrestle, right? He's like, yeah. How you know? Cause look at your fucking ear. You the shit is all cauliflower. It's all fucked up. It's called college. You know, some dudes do that to their ear. On purpose, just so people think they're a badass, like white belts, they'll take their ear and crush it and do a bunch of shit. It's just, you know what it is? It's it cal- calcification. It's yeah. blood. You get blood in your ear from squishing it. So sometimes people will do that. They'll fuck their own ears up on purpose just to get cauliflower ear. <laughs> it's weird when somebody don't even know what that means. You done fucked your ear up, and I'm like, well, the fuck is wrong with his ear? You know, I'm just punching him in the shit. He's like, but when you know, you like, huh? Yeah, it's, it's a, a good chance. way to tell. It's a good chance that. I don't think you're gonna win this, Mike. It's a good chance that this person is gonna win. Ears and necks. Look at necks. Like if you see a dude with a skinny neck, you're like you can't do shit with that little neck. <laughs> that little neck is barely holding your head up. Like you can have big muscles, but you have a skinny neck. neck. People are gonna go, "What is going on with that neck? How is that thing even holding your head up?" I, I obsess on dudes' necks. If I see a bulky dude with like a skinny neck, I'm like, "What are you doing? Your spine is barely working." Like you, you barely supporting is, your body. That is funny. Even that's and that's and it's almost very intimidating if you was getting into it, dude. It was like, hey man, I'm gonna let you make it, cause your neck is way too small. What <laughs> is like, going on with your neck? Like, yo, what is wrong with your neck? All you're doing is lifting weights. I see what you're doing. Yeah. You're lift, lifting the wrong kinds of weights too, like bench press and curls. It's a lot of dudes in prison like that. Oh, like, trying to look jacked. With, yeah, with the brown hornet. They got the brown hornet. Um, where they. Little bitty ass waist, they and they mm. like waltz out, but then they don't have no legs. Then they, oh, they need legs good. as little as hell. You like, yo, you have no legs. A lot of those guys that do like those uh, playground workouts, they get super jacked. Do it like bar stars. Yeah, a lot of those guys get super jacked upper body, but they're not lifting anything with their legs, because everything is like chin ups and leg extensions and all this stuff. You're doing ab work and all this different shit. But you're not doing anything. You can't pick. You need to lift heavy things to get your legs stronger. It's the only way. <laughs> you don't have anything around you to lift. This is not going to work out. You, hey, sir, um, you look, you look, you, you look, look amazing. great. You look amazing, sir. But you're wearing sweatpants for a reason. <laughs> but you, but you, but <laughs> these infant, childlike legs that you have, <laughs> like, like ten, you have a ten-year-old's legs, sir. Like my, yeah. I, I look at my son and. It, I have body envy of my son. He's 10 and he's fucking, because he boxes now and he swims. So he has like an eight pack 
and it, it, when he comes out, he I don't know why he he fucking keep wearing. I haven't had some underwear this though since bikini draws was out, <laughs> and my son wear like the little boxer briefs, and I think this shit getting too small for him because he comes out and he looked like he's going into one of them bodybuilding contests, like he about to flex. Like yo, man, and I looked at him the other day. He was walking by. I'm like, yo, this son look good, man. This is fucking back. Like I'm looking at him like, god damn, I want his body right now. <laughs> <laughs> Ten year old. I'm like, I want this fucking small man's body right now because his shit is right. He's like, he just, he just ate. It's eight packs. I'm like, yo, I don't even. I asked my mother. I'm like, do I have any pictures of me looking like Hassan looks right now? She's like, no, you was a fat kid. I'm like, <laughs> Like oh, it explains me being a, a oversized adult then. Yeah, cause I'm I'm chubby as I shouldn't be this big. When you see your son learning how to box and he's ten, that's gonna be a real problem. Nah. If you and him get in an argument when he's like seventeen, nah. And he's jacked. He he see it's about it's about technique, you know. Oh. It's about technique. He he can he can learn all what he he chooses to, but. When it comes to me, it's gonna be a whole different ball game. That's what I would say too if I had a son until yeah. he fucked me up. Yeah, because my son is left-handed. I'm ambidextrous, so it's like you know <laughs> I don't know. And I I keep explaining explaining to him, like my oldest son, he boxes. He's 27, but I keep telling him, y'all have regular male strength. We have regular male strength. I have what they call father strength, which is two different things. You know what I'm saying? It's like having a grandmother who can reach into an oven and grab out a hot pan. She don't need no mitten or nothing. She's not rushing to put it down. Her hands are different than tender-handed women these days that need mitts and all type of gloves on. My Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to play fair. I'm not going to play fair with my kids. And then I used to box, so it's like, son, it's in the legs. You think it's in the hands, it's in the legs. My, my footwork is still pretty good. Yeah, so... And then I'm gonna bite him in his face. Like, <laughs> you know, it's all type of. It's, it's not a lot of rules to this. I remember people saying that, like old man strength. People believe that. You don't believe that? No. But you, you're older man at this point. Just think yeah. about it. <clears throat> no, no, it's not real. No. <laughs> it's still not real. Nope. Like <laughs> no, no, strength is strength. I've I've rolled with 18 year old kids that were gorilla strong, and then I've rolled with uh, dudes who thought they had old man strength. And you, didn't. You're just an old man. Like people want to have an advantage because of their situation. Like as they get older, they want to go. Oh, but I'm wiser, and I'm. I understand. Th like you think it makes up for the fact that you're slower and your your reaction times shittier. Do you remember? Do you remember what fucking um, Larry Holmes did to? Um, oh, but that was sad. Yeah, that was sad. And do you remember how Mike Tyson came back and fucking destroyed Holmes? Larry Holmes. It Larry Holmes wasn't <clears throat> even that old, you know, when he fought Mike Tyson. I think he was like 37, 36, 37. I don't think he was that old. He was the see he was a sparring partner for Muhammad Ali for like mm -hmm. 10 years. So he's yeah. like he wanted to beat shit out of Muhammad Ali for all the years he booked yeah. his ass. But Mike Tyson, he, once Muhammad Ali came in and said, "Get him for me." And yeah. it, <laughs> it's yeah. like it was like, "Okay." Well, that was when Mike Tyson was just at the oh. top of his fucking game. Like it was just a matter of time with everybody that was in there for him. It was just seek and destroy. Seek and destroy. It's just a matter of time until he got a hold of you. And and I and I I, I hated the Buster Douglas win because he literally, he literally beat Buster Douglas. He and had him down. He had him down, and it it went to a ten count. Like if you yeah. if the referee had counted ten seconds, 
he would have won that fight. But the thing is, like, would Buster, if he, the referee had counted faster, would Buster have gotten up earlier? I think he would have. Because a smart man like him, who's a, he's, Buster had a long career, right? Mm -hmm. So he was a real veteran. He knew, stay down as long as you can. You got dropped. If you get up at eight, just get up at eight. And so by the time they got to eight, in reality, it was probably like nine or ten. Mm -hmm. And then by the time they got to nine, ten, he was up. But then Don King started complaining, and, and they, they showed a clock. Like, let's, let's see a ten-second clock. The thing is... It should be a fucking clock. It shouldn't be up to the referee, because I've seen that before in fights, where a referee would go, one, get back in the neutral corner. <laughs> yes. Two. That's not two seconds. And that's like three seconds. Didn't I say stay in the corner? I'm yeah. in the goddamn corner. Yeah. <laughs> like, Four. Yeah. They, it shouldn't be at yeah. the referee's discretion to count slowly, but sometimes they do, and sometimes they count quick, too. Sometimes yeah. they don't like you, they count quick. Yeah, that, and I, I hated that. Yeah, both those things are not good. I, yeah. I hate it because boxing is is such like I have a passion for it and I and I love watching actual fights and I like watching technical fights. I'm not a I'm not a cockfighter when it comes to boxing. Right. Like this, it's it's called a sweet science for a reason. It's angles and it's slips and it's like you love to watch somebody slip something and, and like ah. I'm like yeah. See that body shot? He's not going. I guarantee he got two steps, and he's going to decide that he needs to take a break. Dude, dude, okay, I'm going to go down for a couple. Like Delahoy, yeah. Delahoy wanted to come out of that corner. That fucking body shot was too devastating. Well, Bernard, you're talking about Bernard Hopkins? Mm -hmm. Yeah, when he hit him with that left hook. Bernard was so much bigger than him. He had no business fighting Bernard. That was a... That was a, a fight also where Bernard is the the best ever at extending his career. Deep into his late 40s and into 50 was still beating world-class guys, which is crazy. Yeah. And didn't look like he was on steroids either. Like, it looked like he just got there with skill and hard work and discipline and clean living. Like, there's some guys that make it into their, their <clears throat> later years and they look a little too good. You're like, what is going on there? Something's going on there. But not with Bernard. Bernard just looked the same, always. Look, looked the same. Um, discipline. Foreman. Foreman looked like, fuck is you doing in <laughs> old ass big man, man? I remember when he was 36, when he first started coming back, and he's more than 300 pounds, and it was a joke. Everybody thought it was a joke until he fucked up Jerry Cooney. And then everybody was like, what? Like, holy shit. Like, it wasn't just beat him, just smashed him. Yeah. And then everybody's like, oh, my God, he might do it. And then when he knocked out Michael Moore mm -hmm. and became the oldest ever heavyweight champion, people were like, how? How? Did this guy who was 300 plus pounds at 36 hadn't fought for 10 years? Everybody was laughing, and now he's one of the most terrifying guys in the world. He had a he had a decent sized neck, giant neck. He had a giant <laughs> fist. He had, he's a big Foreman is a big dude. His, even his children are. Uh, I was speaking at this engagement, and his um, son was there, and we did a. Did a side by side because Ali and um because his name is George too because you know all of them named George or Georgetta yeah, Georgina um and he is a he was a huge young man like I'm like yo that is definitely your father <laughs> you know, fucking huge his hands George's hands were enormous and he had crazy you ever want watch the fight where he knocked out Frazier. Yes, he lifted him up off his, with a punch. With a punch off his came and he came back down and he literally was in the same position as, um, what's his name, what's his name that was doing the kneeling, 
um, from Frisco. What's the dude named the quarterback? Oh, Kaepernick? Kaepernick. He oh. was definitely <laughs> in the Kaepernick position. I was like, <laughs> the Kaepernick position. I was like, yo, did he just fucking knock my man? Because I, I, I love Frazier. I was like, yeah. yo, why is Frazier in the goddamn air? And now, <laughs> <laughs> now he's he's thinking like, oh, no, this is not going. And Ali was looking like, he was looking at TV like I, that. I love that fights came on regular TV back yeah. then. He was looking at like, yo, somebody get anybody from Frazier Camp on the phone. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get Fra- fuck Frazier. I don't even fight him no more. Get George people on the phone. I'm gonna whoop George. And how would you come up with a plan like that to say I'm a I'm going to take this abuse. Not only that, people thought that he had no chance. No, like absolutely no chance. They thought he had such a small chance of winning that Hunter S. Thompson, they flew him to Zaire for the fight, and he never left his hotel room. He stayed in his hotel, and he swam in the pool. Like he missed the assignment. They flew him out there for Rolling Stone, and he didn't want to see it. He literally didn't want to see it. He missed. It's like one of the greatest failures of his career. Hunter S. Thompson missed watching Ali's greatest victory because he didn't think he had a chance. Crazy. Crazy. Could, could you imagine that? If somebody coming, you in the pool, backstroking. Yeah. And somebody coming in, Ali just won. You're like, are you fucking kidding me? And there was no internet back then. He couldn't watch it. He couldn't watch it. And he, so he, he fucked off his whole assignment. He was supposed to be there to explain, like, to, to, to cover it. I, I, for Ro- I think it was for Rolling Stone. Greatest greatest fight you think you've ever seen? I've seen too many fights. I've professionally called probably 2,000 fights. I don't even know how many fights I've for working for the UFC. And then on top of all the boxing matches that I've watched, I don't know. I've seen too many. There's so many of them that are amazing. And Anderson Silva was, I think that's what gravitated me towards um, even watching MMA, I was like, "No, he had a moment in history. There was like three or four years where he was just in the matrix. He was untouchable. He had a moment where his highs were so high. To this day, I mean, without a doubt, one of the most impressive fighters I've ever seen in my life. In his, but every 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 fighter, they they have this moment, you know, when they reach their peak. And with Anderson, when he was in his championship form." I mean, there was a time where he fought Forrest Griffin where uh, he, he, walking backwards, knocked him out with a punch. And then he fought Stefan Bonner and literally put his back to the cage and was like, come on, just come. And he threw a kick and Anderson just, whoosh, just got out of the way. He was standing right in front of him and eventually stopped him. He was stopping everybody. It was just a matter of time. It was a matter of him finding out your rhythm. In the beginning of the fight, he would just move around, move around, move around, just feel you, feel how you move. And then somewhere in the middle of the first round, he would start moving on you. A minute or two, bang, and just testing you. How do you react to this? And then next thing you know, you're getting fucked up. And you don't even know where these shots are coming from. And he's insanely accurate. I was a fan of his before he got to the UFC, too. So I got to call his UFC debut. And I remember it was one of those fights where... Um, people didn't really know who he was. And I had to go, you, you are in for a fucking treat because this guy's on another planet. Like, just watch. This is a different kind of striker. This dude is, I mean, he was in his prime when he came to the UFC. It was perfect transition because he had had some really good fights in Japan and good fights in England. But in England, he sort of came into his own. And then the UFC caught him right when he had reached his peak. It was perfect. <clears throat> and it was it was fucking insane to even to even watch him. 
And what was the what was this guy? He was one of the first guys I. Chris watched. Lieben was probably the first one. That was Chris Lieben was a brawler, and he was perfect for Anderson because he just came, f- fucking guns blazing, charging at Anderson, and Anderson just picked his spots, just move, 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 picked his spots, blank, 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 mm. and then cracked him. It was amazing, he, and, and then Rich Franklin, who was the champion, he destroyed him, twice. He was he was on another planet back then, man. What's the what was the white guy that had the mohawk? That used to um he was he was a Chuck fucker. Liddell. Chuck Liddell, he was Chuck Liddell was way bigger than I thought. When I saw him in Vegas, he was just he was just fucking knotted up like just <laughs> like like it was just he and he was with he was with this this, this little chick. It looked like she had to work out because she was with him. And like, <laughs> like, I'm like, yo, both of them fucking because he was like, yo, this I said this is a kind of white guy right here is fucking knotted the fuck up like it, it's always amazing when i see people who i think that's not supposed to be that big like i didn't think he was gonna be that big andre johnson um the receiver i didn't think he was that big because i had saw other offensive players before running backs so i'm like yo look at this small ass man. He's like yo i'm running back for the for the dallas Cowboys. like you like, fuck you running like some look, running backs are like 165 pounds they look it, but they look huge on and like I run like oh this dude's small as hell. But when I saw Andre Johnson, I was like, yo, you you, it's no way to fuck. You like a fucking defensive end, like you you like Warren Sapp right now, like, and Sapp is a fucking huge ass dude. Bobby Taylor wasn't a big for a receiver for the Eagles. He wasn't a big like you what you six four six five, but you not a big dude. Like the dudes who's trying to tackle you to safety, he's way bigger than you. He's he's trying to destroy you. Yeah. And then I saw a, a guy I was doing Pilates, which seems like a fucking the weakest workout in the world, but it's not. It's hard. Pilates is hard. I'm glad you said it, cause see people <laughs> people will say I say Pilates, you like fucking doing the ladies shit. Like yo, go to Pilates. And you have a good Pilates instructor, I guarantee you have a different respect for Pilates. Pilates is fucking hard as hell, depending on how much shit they clamp you on. You know, Sergey Kovalev, the former light heavyweight champion? Yes. That was one of the things he did, was Pilates. He was really into Pilates when he was a crusher, when he was destroying everybody. Before Andre Ward got to him, he was lighting everybody on fire. And that was one of his big workouts. Is he was really into the range of motion that you got from Pilates. Kovalev, before he fell apart... Was a scary fucking dude. Scary dude. Killed a guy in a fight in Russia. I believe it was Russia. But killed a guy in a professional fight. Didn't affect him at all. Like a lot of times when, when someone <laughs> kills someone in a fight, they're really never the same again. I like the way Not you translated Killed a guy. Didn't affect him at all. Didn't. Didn't. He was still fucking people up. Eating pudding the next day. Yeah. He didn't give a shit with his children. He seemed like a dude who was just mean. Just enjoyed fucking people up. Just enjoyed it. And, you know, in his prime, he was a scary motherfucker, like scary. But apparently drank a lot, partied, just, just you know, towards the end of his career. I mean, he's still fighting, but towards the end of his career, like before, long before Canelo got to him, you know, he just was too much, too much partying, apparently too much drinking. But he did a lot of Pilates. Canelo, man, that was a, he's a, he was a good fighter. He was a really good fighter. Canelo was like, what is he, 28 or something yeah. like that? And He's so fucking young and still and won multiple different world titles and might be right now might be the best fucking guy in boxing. I mean, there's like a few guys. There's like, 
you know, there's there's like four or five guys. Terrence Crawford, for my money, I think he's number one. Terrence Crawford. I think he's number one. Goddamn right. And then, you know, you got to look at Teofimo Lopez after he beat Lomachenko because everybody thought Lomachenko was pound for pound number one and yeah. Lopez beat him. Okay. You know, there's a few other guys in that 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 range, you know. Um, Regis, Reg, Regis um, Provis is coming up. He just won a um, a little fight. But Crawford, Crawford man, is... He's so good. And he's one of the best switch hitters. He can switch Ambit's southpaw so on you. He'll, he'll start off orthodox, switch to southpaw, start off southpaw, switch to orthodox, and fight just as good from both sides. He, and I, I, and the skill of it is mm-hmm. just very, very, very skilled, very, very skilled fighter. And I think that that's – I think so many people want cockfights that they mm, get around yeah. the skill of the – when you see somebody really doing it, like if mm-hmm. you're watching – Anderson Silva, you watching what he doing versus somebody coming in. I, I'm just finna just maul. We going to the ground with it. It's a different thing, but it's it's very jujitsu. Is you know, you submit somebody, you get somebody. It's somebody really good on the foot on the ground though. It's some. It's a lot of people that's really good on the ground. Yeah, that's a different kind of technical. It's a different thing. But yeah. I, I appreciate both. I appreciate technical striking and I appreciate technical ground guys, but. Thing about that gets me about Crawford is he's both like he's technical, but he also fucks people up. Like the Kell Brook fight, yeah. Like he just figured him out, figured just him tried out. to find it, and then dropped him with a fucking jab, a right jab, pop. And then Go. once he had him hurt, it's like you're you're done. Like he's got crazy killer instinct. How did how did you feel when you was watching when you watched Floyd? Did you watch? Floyd? I loved Floyd. I still think he's the best ever because nobody's been hit less. You go over his career, the guy's been hit hard maybe four times over fifty fights. Really in trouble, maybe four times, and That's then survived good. every one of them. I was already fond of you, but <laughs> this, this this is how things transition. A lot of people say, ah, oh, Floyd, da, da. but you're not supposed to get. I don't know any boxing coach to say, look, when you throw this jab, make sure you take that the, the jab that he's going to throw. Right. It's, 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 it's not. No. It, why you think it's fucking slips? It, it, yeah. You're not trying to get hit. and. I think what Floyd does to dismantle someone is the damn training. The training of it, he's fighting, I'm doing 15 rounds. I'm going, I'm I'm training. I'm doing 15 rounds. I'm fighting multiple different people in this 15 rounds, different weight classes, and I'm not sitting down. I'm not, everybody else can take a break but me. And then I'm going to go run after yeah. the shit and the crazy thing is he's going to do that today yeah with no fight plan no yeah. ain't shit yeah. on the calendar he's going to do that today he doesn't get out of shape ever the crazy thing is he trains the same time every day that he that he would be fighting so you didn't you didn't need it to rest and all this other shit is like, yo, this is his natural time. Like, yeah. yo, I'm coming at my natural time that I would already be in the 9:30, gym. 9 30, 10 p.m. <laughs> in the gym. I'm you, already, you, yeah. you ever see videos of Floyd leaving a club at two in the morning and running home? So he has a security drive his Rolls Royce mm-hmm. and he's running in his jeans on, running, just getting in miles. Like, he never gets out of shape. Never, never gets out of shape. And he'll, he'll, like, people think it's funny. He'll, like, drink uh, a Coke, a Coca Cola after he works out. 
Like, what is he? He's eating garbage, drinking Coca-Cola? Well, actually, he's fucking smart. Because when you've had a brutal workout like he has, he works out for hours. Yeah. Simple sugars actually bring glycogen back into the muscles. It's actually good for you to do that. People think it's crazy, but if you work out like long, hard sessions, you could use some sugar. It's actually good for you. He yep. knows what the fuck he's doing. And I all mean, he got to do is maintain him little brittle yeah. ass hands. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's when he became more of a yeah. defensive guy, right? Because yeah. he broke his hand so many times. You go back to the pretty boy Floyd days, he would just fuck people up. Yeah. But he just kept breaking his hands. He hurt his hands multiple times. But, you know, look, you look at the guy's skill. He figures everybody out. Even if he has like a little trouble in the beginning, like Sugar Shane caught him, but then Shane caught him. a little bit later, he's fucking Shane up, and Shane can't do shit to him because he figured out his timing, he figured out where he's safe and where he's not safe, and then he starts imposing his will on him. And he did that to everybody. Floyd gets literally right here like, this yeah. is how, this, I can let you get this, and you're not going to hit me. And you're like, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. yeah. and it's, mm-hmm. where'd he go? And it's, and it's yeah. devastating to watch somebody I've made so much money off of people who just wanted to see Floyd lose. That's what he does. He gets you so mad. He gets you so mad that you're not paying to see him win. You're paying to see someone fuck him up. It's like the cat. He's like the Cowboys. This is why the Cowboys (laughs) are the most watched team. I'm a watch whether I'm trying. I'm hoping that they lose, and I'm watching for them to lose. It's people that's watching for them to win. But I'm sitting there. I wouldn't give a damn if they was playing a high school team. I just don't. (laughs) I want the fucking Cowboys to win. I fucking hate the Cowboys. I've always hated the Cowboys. No. It's not, I can't remember one time in my life that I ever said, ah, I like the Cowboys. I fucking hate the Cowboys. <laughs> like, I would go, I would, I would literally go with anyone other than the Cowboys. That's hilarious. I, I just hate them. I've, I've always hated them. I've, That's how people feel about Floyd, but they buy all his pay per views, hoping. Hoping that it's Ricky, gonna be Manny Pacquiao. Ricky, he's gonna be Hatton. the one. Ricky Hatton's <laughs> gonna be the one. Ricky Hatton. Oh. If I, if the most money I think I ever made was Ricky Hatton. Ricky Hatton was the one. Like people and, thought he was and the I one. kept and I kept thinking like, what what are y'all watching that y'all think fucking Ricky Hatton is the one? Like they just didn't understand boxing. No, no. Did you see Ricky Hatton's training session? Yeah, yeah it's fine. I did. I did. Well, he's a great fighter. No doubt about it. <laughs> but the difference is Floyd's movement and his skill and his ability to shoulder roll. He just, he was levels above everybody and learned it from the time he was a baby. You know, with his uncle Roger and his dad, his dad who fought Sugar Ray Leonard back when Sugar Ray was in his prime yeah. and gave him a good fight. There was and so much boxing knowledge in his house. His daddy could have beat Sugar Ray if his daddy would have let his brother train. <laughs> Like, yo, you let me train you. I know, I know sugar. Let me train you. Like, but the funniest thing is you can't understand shit, Roger. Got to say sometimes. Roger, well, one thing that Roger said that people always use is a quote most people don't know shit about boxing. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true because most people, it looks so simple right hand, left hand, hook, uppercut. I get it, but no. There's so much going on. It's a, it's like a, you know what? It's like two people getting in an argument. They both speak English, but one dude is just way better at talking. And, <laughs> and you go, I know how to talk. I'm going to fuck this dude up. But no, you don't. No, you don't. You think you know how to talk. You but you, you don't know how to talk like a goddamn professional comedian. You ever, you ever, um, you ever talk to Roland Martin? No. Roland Martin is the 
worst person in the world to talk to if you don't know shit. Like, <laughs> if you, even if you know some shit, rolling is, okay, so I, I'm quite sure you heard about Ice Cube with the black people's agenda. With that, Trump, when he was talking yeah. to Trump. So yeah. it's an interview Trump administration. where Roland Martin interviewed Ice Cube and he was trying to ask Ice Cube, so, um, like, what happened? You know, how did you get the, And Ice Cube trying to explain to it. People wanted to talk to me. And so, you know, I, we wanted to talk to everybody. So we talked to Trump people. And he said he was going to take some of what I, my agenda and put it to his agenda. And Roland was like, okay, so he asked Ice Cube, what in your agenda is mirrored in the Trump agenda. Trump agenda is one page, and then your agenda is 10 pages, and then the Biden um, agenda is 200 pages. So this right there lets you know that he's read all the agendas, Cube. Just know, the man has told you how many goddamn pages this shit right. is, each one. And Cube's like, well, you have to read it. And Roland's like, I, I have read it. And that's why I said, what, what mirrors? And I didn't think Ice Cube know what mirror meant. Like, I think that was the part that was getting him like, what the fuck you mean with me? He said, so he's asking, he said, well, on this agenda, and I, I see Roland, like, on this agenda, it is this many steps. Which one of these steps came from your agenda? And they placed over here. Ice Cube is so frustrated with these questions. There's a lot of oh, questioning no. and asking him, well, what did, well, what? don't ask Roland what he did. Don't, don't, ask, don't do that. So Ice Cube had to break down and say, man, I'm an artist. <laughs> so, oh, this is the defense? So your whole defense is now that you're an artist. And this is what Roland is trying to explain to him. Yes, you're a fucking artist. I am a political person. And this is what you don't understand. Before you try to give somebody the goddamn agenda for what black people do, you might want to get with all the other people who've been working on things of this nature. This is what I'm trying to explain to you. I was sitting there like, he dismantled Cube to the point that Cube just had to yell out that he's an artist. I'm a goddamn rapper. Don't ask me no fucking more technical questions. Why do you think people that are rappers or people that are artists or comics or singers or whatever, actors, why do you think they want to inject themselves into political discussions when they really don't know what the fuck they're talking about and go on all these talk shows, go on CNN? Like, why do you think they do that? I think that that they have been emboldened and empowered by people who listen to their music or their their form of entertainment, and you, I can listen to you and like what you do, and still can tell you I, I don't think that's complete. I don't think that's the whole complete thought. Right. But some of these people are enabled by even if they have an incomplete thought, people. Ah, you, you, right. Did you hear what? Too many yes. Like right. I. I I watched this thing with Killer Mike. Like I've watched T.I. and Meek Mills and people talk about shit, and I'm sitting there like, no, I don't, I don't think that any of that's complete. But the like, Killer Mike had this thing where he what he was supposed to live black all day. What I was, people was praising this thing, and so I went to go watch it. And the most disheartening thing about it was for me, he has a, a white rap partner. And 
he met up with him in this other city where he was supposed to do everything that was to the black. So they in an interview. It's like me and you interviewing me right now. And I, and I lean over to my white business partner. Hey, tell Joe, I can't talk to white people right now. Cause everything I'm supposed to be doing is strictly black. And the white guy says, well, he, he would love to, answer those questions but he's living black completely so he can't do it and i'm confused this whole the whole shit is storm this is the part that's where was the song what was the song it's on netflix oh and killer mike i'm like you're you're talking to a white guy in at his establishment doing an interview you're telling another white guy to tell this white guy that you can't talk to him. This shit is stupid. I was in there like, this is fucking stupid now. Like now, now I'm, now I'm pissed that I even wasted my time watching Killer Mike trying to live black. I get the, un, I get the overall gist of it, but this is the part right here that I don't fucking get right now. This shit that's going on right now. You telling a white guy to tell another white guy that you can't talk to him because he's fucking white. I'm done. I'm okay. <laughs> I've wasted my time. And I I like Killer Mike. I run then I went to go do NPR radio in Atlanta. I run into Killer Mike. And he's going to do the interview. I'm going to do the interview. And I don't have time to tell him, right. yo, I want to talk to you about this shit you did on Netflix. Everything else was good. Then you got to this goddamn retarded ass part. And now I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> Like now I'm confused. Like now, now you made now you taking all of what you did. Now you made the shit stupid. Cause now, just don't go do the interview. Like right. for you to tell another white guy to tell this white guy, I can't talk to him because he's white. And the white you can see the white guy face looking like. But but you're. <laughs> are you? But they knew they were gonna talk to that guy, in advance. Since y'all filming, since y'all are oh. filming. Okay. I'm going to this is how the white guy that was doing the interview looking like since everyone's filming I'm just going to play along and sit here um well <laughs> so just that's I'm probably a, a Netflix producer's idea it's, that seems like that doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense and Killer Mike is smart as fuck I don't, I don't he, he he's smart and I don't I, understand how he fell into that I, I think that even with with a lot of people I think Harry Belafonte and the the all the the black renaissance of the civil rights movement where you had Kareem and you had Jim Brown and you had um um the brother Green and all these people who were actors and athletes, Muhammad Ali standing up for things. Every artist thinks that they're gonna be put in that position. Well I'm I'm gonna be the spokesperson for the issues. Mm. But you haven't read, you didn't read your last actual contract. Somebody else read it for you and told you what to sign and, you know, and told you the logistics of it. Uh, sometimes if you're not, you're not connected to a community, why would you speak on that community? And then you have people like myself who look at it like this. You moved, so you don't have you don't have the right because you moved. You 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 haven't been in this position in a long time. 
and nor do you help this this position. It's like when when people got mad at Bill Cosby about when the black community got mad at him about saying, well, you need to read more and X, Y, and Z. Well, he had the fucking right to say that because he had donated more money to historically black colleges and put more black kids in college and had and had a show that want that made black kids go to college with a fucking with different world in order to say those things because he was like yo i'm not only am i saying it i'm helping the position of saying it but when you i don't need no goddamn backpacks or or toy drives and shit like that just in december or november and shit like that because people suffering and struggling year round i'm not just struggling in november or december what about when that people just need putting things in the community that people need like i was i was definitely against teachers walking out for more pay i was I, that shit was enraged and my kids my kids are homeschooled so i was enraged by teachers walking out for more pay but you won't walk out for a better curriculum for children when american children as a whole we the fucking dumbest people in the fucking world at this point when it comes to our kids. You 28th in math. You 29th in science. You 36th in reading. You reading at a, you read on a fucking third grade level and you graduating from high school. But, well, the curriculum is bad. But you won't walk out for a curriculum. You'll walk out for more money. You don't give a shit about these kids learning or this these people learning in this country. You can't be the most powerful country if you're not the smartest. So then when you have a, a bunch of people that's not smart, you have people that can be fucking duped into anything because they don't they don't become thinkers. They just become doers. Like it's just let me I don't know who the fuck Q is. And I've I've tried to figure it out. I don't know what or Q and on, yeah, Q and on, like they don't even know who Q is. I and think not, they've abandoned that, and they they abandoned it now. I think people feel so. Do you even pay attention? I've I've they watched. Feel so <laughs> duped after Trump left office and after the Capitol Hill riots, everybody's like, "What?" But the whole fact that you, when I first yeah. read about Q, and nobody knew who he was, I was like, "Yeah." Well, there's a lot of things you just said that I agree with, and I, I get what you're saying about teachers and curriculums and, and pay, but how does a teacher get more pay? And I think they deserve more pay. I think it's one of the most underappreciated parts of our lives is the people that teach our children. And it's crazy when you find out how little they make and that to teach children, which is one of the most important things that uh, our society can ever possibly provide as a service is education of the young people. Give them a chance to look at things in a way where they're gonna see problems before they actually do them, where they're gonna look at the world through uh, a, a, an understanding of, of history, understand how we got here, why it works wrong, mm -hmm. and what you can do to avoid all the pitfalls that all these other people that have fucked up their lives have fallen into. Yeah, I, I agree with you on all those accounts. I think they should be paid more, but I think the curriculum should be way better too. And I don't, I you know, I don't know why we don't, put more emphasis into it. I don't know what the solution is, but that's only one of the problems, right? The other problem is people that are growing up in a, in a community that's traditionally been fucked. They've been fucked by violence. They've been fucked by crime. It's around you all the time. Drug addiction, drug sales. That's the world you live in and people imitate their atmosphere. So that's fucked. And we don't put any emphasis on that either. Definitely. Administration after administration. Like, this is one of the things that drove me crazy about the pandemic. The pandemic was terrible, right? When they started talking about pumping in all the stimulus money to all these businesses and trillions of dollars, wh why couldn't they do that 
to inner cities? Why couldn't they do that to Baltimore? Why can't they do that to Detroit? Why can't they do that to the south side of Chicago? Why can't they recognize that you got an inordinate amount of crime and violence coming from this one particular area? And by the way, it's been that way for decades and decades and decades. It doesn't fucking change. And year after year, politicians talk a lot of shit and nothing gets done. That's an epidemic. That's a pandemic. That's damn sure a pandemic. And if you fixed it, the whole world would be better. This, I, I've always said this. What's the best? You want to make America great? What's the best way? Less losers. Less losers. Less people that are fucked from the jump. Invest in the in the most important thing, the most com- important commodity of a country should be its citizens. Yes. I should want you healthy. Yes. I should want you smart. Yes. I should want you fed. Yes. I should want you at peace. And feel and, like you're a part of and something. And feel like you're a part of it. And that increases everything yes. in this particular country so the reason why politicians don't don't do that is because the same people who want to speak for the community don't fucking live in the community mm-hmm. they don't live there so you don't and then the other thing about all politicians are crooked now once you st- once you put this propaganda out there all politicians are crooked i get it me and you from the same if me and you are from the exact same neighborhood the exact same neighborhood so i know your disposition I'm running for something and you know me, you actually know me from this neighborhood. I'm running for a position in our neighborhood. So when the, when you put me in position, I'm from this particular neighborhood. So I know what you need. And my door is always open because I'm from this neighborhood. Now you can come ask me for whatever. And I know what you need. I know that you need this infrastructure. I know that you need these programs, but if you, Put people in position that don't that's not from this community that don't give a shit about this community. I'm just in here for a money grab and in position a stepping stone to get to something else. Yeah. And not and not actually come into the community and see what I actually need. A lot of police violence is because these cops are not from this neighborhood. It's hard. It's hard for me to do something to you when I know your parents. Right. I know your I know your family. I grew up. Right. They 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 don't even call me officer nothing. I'm Lil Ali, um, Carol's son. You know, regardless, I got a uniform or not, and I'm cool with that. You know what I'm saying? I I think policing should always be either like, um, Mayberry, or like Sanford and Son. I in Sanford and Son, the cop the cop always came. It was white black cop white cop. They would always come, and it was never. It wasn't for no violence or nothing or no. They just, hey, Fred, just showing up in the community right. and teaching his counterpart how this community works. So when you have that, I've been in positions where I've been dead to the fucking wrong. The cops that show up, they went to school with me. They like, oh shit. So I don't want to take you to jail. I don't want to take you to jail, so how are we going to work this out? I can't take you to jail. God damn it. My, my son go to the barber, same barbershop with your son. I can't, I'm going to see you later, so right. I can't take you to jail. <laughs> so how are we going to work this out? So it's an understanding. I've been in that position because the people that's, that's police in my community are from the community. It's so many different problems that we have, and we don't. I'm still confused about how we don't want health care for each other. How you don't want to be healthy? I don't want nobody else to be fucking sick. So how, if everybody says like this pandemic should have taught us this, 
how do you go to comedy shows? How you go? How do people do anything if if people are fucking sick? You trapped in the house. Yeah. So I don't think that we want enough. I think that people that's in the position don't want the same thing for communities that the communities want. And I think that it's not a dialogue either. Most people don't know where to go do they community grievances at. They don't go to the meetings because life. I think the dialogue has to be countrywide. I think part of the thing is looking at people in other communities and seeing their problems. Go, well, we don't have that problem. We have health care. You know, that's not my problem. I'm not spending money for their fucking health care. People get crazy. They, they, they lose perspective. We're supposed to be a team. The United States is supposed to be a team. We should be one giant community that's made of a bunch of separate communities. But the problem is when we start looking at things that don't look, imagine this is what I've said to people that oppose all ideas of any democratic socialist idea. This is one of of the things I say. What about the fire department? Imagine if you had to pay for the fire department. Imagine if you're like, well, fuck them. We pay for our fire department. Let that city burn. That would be crazy talk, right? That would be crazy talk. I just imagine somebody's house right next to my house burning down. Fuck them. And they like, and I'm like, yeah, should have paid for your fire you department. Should have paid. You didn't pay your bill. Thirty dollars, Charles. You can't pay yeah. thirty dollars a month for fire department. It's <laughs> kind of the same thing. <laughs> this is how I look at it. It's a service that we all chip in and we expect per, to be provided for us. It's the same thing in my mind. Yeah. It's like healthcare. It's like if if there's one thing that we need to take care of for the entire community. It's like when you get sick, you should be taken care. Of. Like you shouldn't go bankrupt. If one thing that got exposed during this pandemic was first of all hospital beds there's not enough fucking hospital beds like that is crazy like when something bad happens like a pandemic and you get uh, an influx of people three four hundred percent more than normal and everything shuts down they can't do anything and no one knows what to do well you got an understaffed problem you got an under hospitalization problem and then i found out that hospitals are mostly private businesses and i'm like what i didn't know that yeah. i thought hospitals were like we pay for the hospitals this- i didn't i didn't think about it because I've had insurance most of my life. You know, when you have a, a problem, you go to the doctor, you, the insurance pays it. But I didn't think, who fucking runs this place? Is this run by the, the state? County. Exactly. You're not going to the county hospital. The hospitals, healthcare, all of that should be covered as a part of being a member in the community. The same way the fire department's covered. Exactly. Because if the fucking people get sick and then that shit spreads like it did, look what happens. The whole country burns down. That's yep. kind of what happened. Ex- that's exactly that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. And the idea that you shouldn't contribute to other people's health. Well, what are we doing then? We're contributing to the cops and the streets and the bridges and all the infrastructure and the electrical and the grid. We're contributing to all that. But we don't contribute it to health care? It sounds to me insane. Shit, it doesn't it, make any sense. It, shit, as far as uh, what I've read, we're not contributing to damn infrastructure because you got yeah. all these bridges and shit that haven't been maintenance since they were constructed yeah that's crazy that a, a bridge hadn't been taken care of since 1805 it's like that's something jamie what's up <clears throat> i heard something recently about the hospital profit thing too i just looked it up it says only about 21 percent of profit or hospitals are for profit well how many of them are private 21 percent yeah 20 percent or so are state owned and then the rest, which is like fifty percent, are nonprofit religious entity hospitals. Oh, religious entity hospitals. Not, not all of them are religious, but like that's the right. Like so they they work off of donors. Like how do they how do they survive? I just heard someone explaining that whole like the myth of like 
people getting money for like late uh labeling covid deaths and oh. all that kind of thing they're like oh, yeah, that just thing. so you know this is how this works they broke it all down the money like it was like a long video explaining it's it's not really for, for profit yeah that's not entirely what i was talking about what i was talking about more is that these they're private companies that own a lot of hospitals a lot of hospitals i don't know they're not run by the government maybe the government wouldn't do the best job of that but the idea is that i feel like and this is i mean we're getting into the weeds but what i feel like is it should be a part of being a, a citizen like your yes. your health care like when people are poor i've been poor when i was a kid we were on welfare we ate powdered milk we were on food stamps like i i know what it's like to be a child and wonder what it's what you're going to do for dinner i want i remember that i remember that feeling it's like stuck in my head but the the idea that we should let people just starve when other people have money because they should figure it out what about kids like what about children like what about then that's the same way i feel about education it's the same way i feel about healthcare. like if we're contributing if we're paying taxes we pay especially if you live in california you pay a lot of fucking taxes where's the money going what are we doing with it because if you don't have those bases covered, if you don't have health care covered, like, wh wh why not? Like, it's got to be the most important thing because if people are sick and then they can't pay and they go bankrupt, they've, everything gets fucked. The whole system gets fucked. And then some people don't get the care they deserve and they fucking die. They don't get the care they need and they die. Well, is it that hard to give them that care? It's not. It's, this could be a part of our national expenses, but everybody's resisting any new national expenses, any new taxes. They, they resist it. But think about how much money goes in the fucking military-industrial complex. Think about how much money goes to wars that we don't agree with. Think about how much money goes to all kinds of fucking weird government programs that are probably useless. You can't, you can't imagine refunding that into healthcare. You don't think that would be better for the whole country? I think That's crazy. a place that throws away more food in a day than more countries produce in a yeah. year could be able to, to we afford could, We could do a lot better. This, the, there's another problem. The same problem that's going on with California is a problem with the United States in general. There's too many of us. It's hard. You're governing <laughs> 320 million fucking people, and at least 1% of them are out of their fucking minds. minds. And that was what we saw at the Capitol. That storming of the Capitol, you know what that, a lot of that was? When people talk about the president inciting people, here's what he did for sure. He told them they need to show a show of strength. When you're saying that and you know that there's a lot of unhinged motherfuckers out there, you're giving them the green light. There's a certain percentage of people that will just go ham if you tell them it's time to go ham. That's inciting violence. That's inciting violence. I, I don't think I don't think he understands what that even mean do you understand people was climbing a fucking wall and falling and falling backwards mm -hmm. using first of all totally I, unathletic I people too a, <laughs> <laughs> I want a goddamn I want a moose's head with some horns <laughs> and I'm, I'm like yo I am I, so at some point at some point I've been in the position and said to my friend and I was man, we fucking look crazy. Right now. <laughs> we 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 look crazy out here what we doing. The United States, yeah. 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 I remember um the Rodney King, the Rodney King riots. I'm trying me and my partner Big Who trying to set off the, the riot in Houston. And we got all this we got monitor cocktail. We ain't even made the shit right. It's like this gas in a bottle, piece of and we trying to throw it on this building and I'm lighting it. <laughs> And and I'm throwing it and I'm seeing my fire go out right before it in the building. 
And I just turned to Big Who. I said, hey, man, we fucking look stupid. He told me, man, let's go home and watch Def Jam. Because <laughs> like, we just feel like some, at some point, somebody got to tell you, hey, man, we fucking look stupid. Do you know we took a barrier and made a ladder to go over the Capitol wall? We're on, y'all know this is a federal offense, right? They needed, yeah. they needed like, at least six ex-cons out there to be like, yo, yo. Y'all do know it's a fucking federal. <laughs> you know how many of those dudes are gonna go to jail forever? There's a lot of those guys that are gonna go to jail for a long fucking. You know time. how crazy you look to go. You in the, you in the Senate and shirtless, you just, and you just fucking hat flipping on. flipping through pages yeah. with, your, with yourself. We're in here, and you <laughs> taking you, selfies. Are you fucking crazy? Yeah. I'm like, yo, I'd have been so masked up. I'm like, yo, Did it, you see the video of the security guard talking to the guys as they walk into the Senate? Yeah. Yeah, he's like, hey, guys, well, you know, come on. What are we doing here? And the guy's like, I'm just going to take a picture up here. Shirtless. By the way, when you find out about the guy, the guy with the uh, the antlers on his head or the horns on his head, that guy lived with his mom, and he believed in QAnon. He believed that there was, like, pedophiles that were, like, fucking kids in the basement of the, the Capitol Hill. He believed crazy FBI pedophile shit. He believed the nuttiest of things, was constantly ranting about it, unemployed actor, Lives with his parents in his thirties. These are the people. These are the people that you can you can tell them. Time to show them who's the boss. And you know he's doing it completely selfishly. He thinks somehow or another he's going to get the election results overturned. That's that's the part. Yeah. That's like it's almost like he doesn't believe that people don't like him. It's crazy because so many people do like him. He doesn't believe that a, a larger number don't like him, despite all the evidence. I think that, I think that, un, unfortunately, unfortunately, I was asked, oh, do you think that, you know, do you think those people are smart? I said, I'm not saying that they, they smart. I'm not saying that they're not smart. I'm going to say this. We live in a place that when you, when people get time on their hands and they're not actually readers and they don't listen to the whole thing, you get what. You get what happened in 1975. And he's like, what's that? Somebody could become a millionaire by selling a pet rock. <laughs> I said, that's what the fuck you got. That's I remember the pet rock. That was the dumbest fucking thing of all time. People were paying for a rock in a cardboard box. <laughs> like, like, like out of, out of, literally out of nowhere. And yeah. what brought that to my attention, I remember my dad. Like like we said, you learn things when you're young and you just don't. I My dad said, son, we don't live in a smart place. I said, why you say that? Because somebody in this country made $3 million by selling a rock. <laughs> I said, to who? He said, to people that live in this country. <laughs> I said, oh, shit. A rock? You couldn't you couldn't have told me. He, he pulls it up and like, look. This man made. Oh, I'm like, oh, oh fuck it, just a rock. It's just a rock. He's like, yeah. You were too young to remember that, right? I, I was only two at the time, yeah. so he he I was. I think I was me. eight. I remember it. I remember not getting it at all. I remember looking at it the same way I looked at that kid who told me, "Forget you ever met me." <laughs> like what? What? You know, I already have one of these, right? Yeah, you can get them anywhere. You can get. This is not like a basketball or a bicycle or a fucking frisbee. It's hard to get a frisbee. You want to make a frisbee? Good luck. Do you know how to make plastic? How do you put it together? 
I did, you know, you got to buy a fucking Frisbee. But a pet rock? You can give you, here's your pet rock. Where's the box it comes in, Dad? This is a fake one. <laughs> That's the thing. That, yeah. There's this, a certain percentage of people that are just dumb as fuck. And you can't do anything about that. You can't. And, and they're not going to. Right. They're not going to listen to. Even if. I watched, I watched something and they was saying. This is going to happen. And it didn't happen. And the man said, well, I didn't mean it was going to happen this day. It's going to happen on this day. Well, that mm, didn't happen. Yeah. Well, it, it's going to happen on this day. Well, that didn't. How long? Like, how much more? Shit. It depends on how dumb you are. If you're smart, immediately, you're like, get the fuck out of here. This guy doesn't know. And then when it proves that he doesn't know, then you get a certain level of people like, oh, I thought he knew. And then a certain level, like, well, maybe maybe the Lord's testing us. And then another level, when he doesn't know again, there's a few that are like, well, I'm not going to lose faith. And then you get dumber and dumber and dumber until you get yourself down to, like, people that would drink the poison Kool-Aid. That's what you get. You get to that lower crust. You know how we're talking about when you met George Foreman's kids and how big they were? Mm -hmm. That's just jeans, bro. That's jeans, you know? You and I are short. Some people are big. Some people are dumb as fuck. And there's not a lot they can do about that. And people want to pretend that's not true, but I've met geniuses. You know, I've talked to Elon Musk. You talk to him, you're like, oh. Oh, you get it. Okay. Like, you you are just like another another thing. You and me are not. We're uh, the evolutionary branch. I'm like down here. He's way the fuck up. It's, we're different. We're a different thing. That's that's with everything, man. That's with eyesight. That's with, you know, everything. Some people are just dumb, man. And if you can trick those people, that's like when you watch like late night evangelists. You know, I'll never forget that dude, uh, Robert Paulson, is that his name? The guy with the slick back hair. i never forget this. He goes, every time you write a check to me, Satan gets a black eye. I was crying laughing. I couldn't believe how funny that was. Every time <laughs> you write a check to me, Satan gets a black eye. Just thinking about people going, oh, Satan, you are getting a shiner this evening. There's dumb fucking people out there, man. You can't save them. You can't do anything. And they're out there voting. They're out there driving cars. They're doing the same shit we do. They go to the convenience <laughs> store. They're out there. And we're not even smart, right? I mean, we're smart compared to dummies, but we're not it, We're not inventing new solar panels. It, 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 I remember this dude, supporter. I'm like, yo, man. I, I See, I know one thing. You don't believe in Trump. You must be one of you. But you're believing aliens. I was like, yeah. I, I, it's more facts. More, it, <laughs> it's a lot more likely. <laughs> like, um, you do know that other it's other existence out there. I don't think all these other planets is just was just for show. Like, we just needed. <laughs> hey, you you know what we need? We need something other out there to be hanging around other than Earth. We just I just think it's other things out there for sure. The because I, I believe in the unseen. Yeah, and so. But I also can listen to something and know, like. That's the dumbest argument ever. You don't believe in Trump, but you believe in aliens? Like, what? No, wait a minute. I believe Trump's a real thing. I believe. He's, it, I've seen him. He's, he's a real thing. I've seen he, him in person. He's definitely a real thing. I saw him at a UFC fight. Yeah. Came in, sat down. <laughs> I saw him. I said, this, I said, this is why. I said, let me tell you the difference. I don't believe that he knows what he's doing 
and then I believe that he knows what he's doing for certain people. I, it's like the tricks of things. And it's easy to dupe people that don't listen to the whole thing. I, we're, we're getting, I'm going to give historically black colleges $250 million. Okay. But I'm also going to relinquish Pell Grants. Wait a minute. Pell Grants. 90% of African-American children go to college off of Pell Grants, which is probably about $2.5 billion worth of money that you got rid of, but you gave 250 What? What happened again? Mm. I, that's not the same. Hold no. on. I got a question. <laughs> <clears throat> I have a question. So you didn't, and then in the in the course of giving you this money, it's some it's some more still some more shit. I want you to stop saying anything about slavery, anything about that part of that hap that didn't happen in America. I want you to stop teaching that shit. For what? What did happened? he ask people to stop teaching that? It was a part. It was a, it was going to be a curriculum change. What? Wait a minute. Yeah. Curriculum changes stop discussing slavery. Yeah, they wanted you to stop painting the picture as if America did something to African American people. What? Really? For two hundred, if it, uh, that sounds insane, really? Yeah. How could you forget that part of history? That's it, that's that sounds insane. That sounds literally insane. But just think about it. Yeah. There's American history, and then there's Black History Month, where we are in right now. There's American history. In my mind, I'm like, no. There's fucking history, and black people are all through this shit. It, it's no, it's no separation of this. Like, okay, when did you start? When did America start? Was we here or not here? Like, <laughs> you can't yeah. start the shit without us. Like, we was here. Right. Like, what happened? Okay, when did you not see me? I just want, <laughs> I just want to know. So you started the history, and you didn't want to include. It's the same it's goddamn history. history. Yeah. You can't. But no, no, no. This is American history, and then there's black history. Well, don't you think it's to compensate for the fact that they understand and appreciate that America was founded with slavery, and it was incredibly unequal from the jump until 1865, and then even after 1865, you got Jim Crow laws. It took decades and decades, the civil rights movement. There's a long fucking time before it even shows a semblance of equality it took a long time so the idea i think is to compensate for that in some way by introducing this shortest month of the year and focusing which was on black history i used to actually be i used to actually be pissed about that some people are pissed about that it is kind of ironic but but couldn't the, make it january <laughs> the, let me tell you why i'm not pissed now okay so the guy who came up with black history month caught him he, Mr. Wilson, he, he, it was actually a week in February. It was just a week. Mm. And then it lobbied for a month. And the only reason that it's in February, because he placed it in the month that his two, the two idols, his two idols were born in, which is, is Black History Month is after Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln, because it was their birthdays in February. That's the only reason 
I get that shit a pass. Because <laughs> I, I understand what he was, what he was, what he was going for. It. So it's unfortunate that it happened because it used to be just a week and all weeks are the same length. Yeah, un- unfortunately, his damn idols were born in February. If, <laughs> if we had idols born in January, we'd have been on it. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't. But I don't think that you can separate the two when it comes to that because it's, it's but if they took it away people would be pissed oh that it definitely yeah that, that's the that's the, the flip side of both yeah. coins now okay it's the shortest month of the year but if i didn't have if if you want to see black people fucking blow up take it away no just we're all equal it's the show same up, history show up to february and and, and don't nobody say that no more okay what we're doing is this. No more Black History Month in February. It's just all one history. Fuck that. <laughs> like, we're not going for that. We're like, nah, I'm going to take, take the 29th. Well, they've made some corrections in my lifetime. And one of the things they did is they got rid of Columbus Day. Right? Columbus Day. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. Columbus Day is not Columbus Day anymore. What is it? Well, I think they're calling it Indigenous Peoples Day, right? Is that what they're calling Columbus Day? Is that right, Jamie? Uh, I'm pretty no, I sure. It depends on where... You are indigenous people. My kids' school, they they do not say Columbus Day. Indigenous people. Yeah, I typed it in. It still comes up. Well, Columbus is a was a real piece of shit. And what drove me crazy is how did you guys not know this? That was a long time ago. That was fourteen ninety two. I went to high school in the eighties. How come you didn't tell me then? You had to know. Like they had to know. They had to know. Columbus was a fucking serial killer. He was a murderer, man. Yeah. I mean, they would. They would take Native Americans, they would find them, and they would, uh, they would bring them some gold, and they would say, you have to bring me back more gold, or I'm going to chop your fucking arm off. And they would do it in front of everybody. Like, okay, you don't bring me any gold? Watch this, everybody. Chop a dude's arm off and, and, and murder him, and then say, bring me fucking gold. Like, they did horrible shit. There was a missionary that traveled with Columbus, and he wrote a journal, and in his journal, they talked about taking babies and bashing their heads on rocks in front of the Native Americans. They talked about the horrific shit that they did to these people that they found there, raping and murdering and pillaging, just taking anything they wanted. And it's amazing so that they- it took until... What, like 2010 or some shit like that? Before people go, hey, I've been looking into this Columbus guy, and uh, maybe we shouldn't have a fucking holiday about this guy. It, it's See if we can find some of the sh- horrors that Columbus did, because it's shocking. When you This is like historically documented accounts by eyewitnesses who were there when he pulled up and with the Pinta, the Santa Maria, and the whatever the, the fucking boat... And the horrific shit that they did to the people that they found there. Him it's documented. And, him and King Lipo. Yeah, him and the, the, the king who did that to the Congo. Like, he oh. fucked the Congo up. Like, he literally was cutting their hands off. And, like, he, Columbus did this with gold. Yeah. He did this with fucking rubber trees. Oh. Like, King Leopold, yeah, Leopold II. Like he he it's like it has to be in like tens of millions of Cong- Congolese people that he just fucking just slaughtered for rubber trees for rubber trees like Colum- it's been some people that like mass majority of people you say that about Columbus they don't they have no idea like what, what, what do you mean yeah like, yo Columbus was was 
I think they. I think the people who put him on the boat was trying to fucking kill him. Like, yo, you're so bad. Yes, you will sell the goddamn. The world is flat. He gonna go what, get us some happened? spices. So the first one I can read is, it. There's five long paragraphs on here, but the first one is good enough. I think is Columbus ignored the king's and the queen's order that he abstained from doing any uh, the inhabitants uh, any injury. For example, he created in 1495 the tribute system requiring every person over 14 to provide him with a hawk's bell of gold every three months. Those who complied were given a token to wear around their neck. Those who didn't comply, as Com Columbus's son Fernando reported, were punished by having their hands cut off and left to bleed to death. About 10,000 in Haiti and the Dominican Republic were victimized. Many of the indigenous people were, while alive, roasted on spits, buried at this, or burned at the stake, and invaders hacked the children into pieces. Also, Columbus's men tore the babies from their mother's breast by their feet and dashed their heads against the rocks. They splitted the bodies of other babies together with their mothers on the swords, as noted by Spanish historian and Catholic priest uh, Bartolome de las Casas, who witnessed much of the carnage, that's the guy, Columbus, in order to test the sharpness of their blades, directed his men to cut off the legs of children who ran from them. His crew would pour people full of boiling soap and cause others to be eaten alive by hunting dogs. And if Columbus's brigade ran out of meat for their vicious dogs, Arawak babies were killed for dog food. You can keep going on and on about that. But they knew about this for a long fucking time. And we had Columbus Day. Historians must have known this. These aren't new documents that they just found in a fucking clay jar in the middle of some <laughs> reservation so somewhere. No, yeah. this, this is shit that they knew about. Yeah. He was a monster. And they did horrific shit to people here. And... You know, it's it's crazy. And they, and they that gave it, him a day. They gave him a whole day. He found America. He didn't find America. He they, they're talking about Haiti and the Dominican Republic. He wasn't even here. They didn't even land here. Didn't they land? They land in the Virgin Islands yeah. or something. That's Virgin. where they. I think the Virgin Islands was first. Our history is filled with monsters, man. It's filled with monsters. Filled. Filled with monsters. Monsters, yeah. And you idolize. I. I, I I, I think I'm going to probably find out, like, Santa Claus. Like, <laughs> I know something else about him. It's like Santa Claus was a shaman. That's what Santa Claus was supposed to be. Santa Claus was a Siberian shaman, and his whole deal was bringing people mushrooms. Shaman See, in Siberia. I would like him. Shaman in Siberia, they, it was forbidden for them to practice their, their shamanic rituals because they were getting people to trip balls and question government and shit. So they'd have to come in through the chimney. So the, the, the shamans would slide down through the chimney with a sack of mushrooms. This is all, this is speculative, but it, it's, it makes sense because it aligns with evidence. First of all, pine trees. Like, why pine trees? Why do we have pine trees? Why is that a fucking thing for a Christmas tree? Because coniferous trees, like pine trees, they have what's called a mycorrhizal relationship with mushrooms, meaning the, the spores grow under these trees. And this one particular mushroom that's connected to Santa Claus is called the Amanita muscaria. The Amanita muscaria is a shiny red mushroom with white patches on it. 
and it looks like fucking Santa Claus. Santa Claus with his red outfit, with his white mm-hmm. cuffs and white puff and sleeves. Not only that, they would take these mushrooms that they would pick that grow under the pine tree, and then they would put them on the tree to dry them out. That's how they dry, dry the, these mushrooms out. Mm. They would hang them from the trees, just like shiny ornaments on trees. Mm. There's a lot of connections between Santa Claus and these mushrooms and rituals and even Christianity itself. There's a book from the 1970s called The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross by a guy named John Marco Allegro. And John Marco Allegro was a scholar who was hired by the commission that was overseeing the Dead Sea Scrolls translation. Okay. Because he was an ordained minister mm-hmm. and he was also a linguist. But he was the only person on the staff that was assigned to do this that was also... He wasn't a religious person anymore. He was an ordained minister, but he'd become become agnostic after he had read all these different texts. Mm -hmm. He had read so many different religions and so many different religious works that he's like, boy, this seems like a little, there's like a lot of confusion here. Like, I'm not, Mm -hmm. I don't think the Bible itself is the exact right word. There, There might be a lot of confusion here. And one of the things they determined, he determined after 14 years of studying the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is the oldest version of the Bible. He determined that the entire Christian religion was a giant misunderstanding. And what it was really was about was the consumption of psychedelic mushrooms and fertility rituals. And that they had hid all of these stories, hid them from the Romans in parables. And that these stories, like the meaning of like the apple with Adam and Eve, Mm -hmm. that apple, the way you get the wisdom from, that apple was the mushroom. That was the forbidden fruit. Apple meaning red, it was another word. The, 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 the translation was another word for red, and red meaning mushroom, right. meaning okay. that Amanita mascara. Pull up the, the cover of The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. It's a crazy book. God, I'm, I'm getting the book. I'm way too dumb to know if it's right or wrong, and I'm way too dumb to know if Santa Claus really was a mushroom. But this motherfucker translated the word Christ to an ancient Sumerian word, which meant a mushroom covered in God's semen. Because when it rained... And things would grow out of the mm-hmm. ground. That's it. Oh, the that's sacred it. mushroom and the cross. Sacred Bro, that looks like Santa Claus. That's the mushroom. They thought that when it rained, that the mushrooms were like, because, you know, if you've ever been outside after the rain, mm-hmm. mushrooms that weren't there yesterday are now there and they're huge. Now, huge. if you found those and you trip balls from eating them, like every primate tests things to see if you could eat it because they're hungry. They don't know. And you'd find those and trip balls and literally get connected to God, they were convinced that this was their pathway to holiness. Their pathway to God was through these mushrooms. So they would hide it and not tell anybody and try to tell it in stories. Oh, wow. I gotta, I'm gotta. i going to get this book. Because you're thinking about thousands of years of stories, yeah. more than a thousand years before it ever even gets written down. Hey, that's the whole thing. Yeah. I think that's the part that people miss. A lot of this wasn't written. Right. A lot of this was Forever. like... I'm uh, you 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 gotta you gotta griot that I know this story. I'm delivering this story. Yeah. You know this this griot may have le- left out a little piece, but I'm ah. Even the stories of Jesus, they didn't write them until hundreds of years after he was dead. Hundreds of years, Which and is, he didn't write nothing. Right. It's like us writing stories about Abraham Lincoln without him having written anything. Which is crazy. You're just attributing things to him. You don't know. Exactly. Or pick up any other historical figure from 200 years ago and just try writing accurate accounts of what he did and who he was and what he stood for based on what? Based on 
a Roman emperor deciding what gets in and what doesn't get in the book, which is exactly what happened. Constantine. Co yeah, that motherfucker. I I told you, you are my fucking favorite person. You know how many people don't talk about Constantine? Mm. Like, literally. He wasn't even a Christian. That's crazy. This is He converted people because it was the best way to control them. I'm done. <laughs> Constantine is my, is my pet peeve with any... I say, yo, you don't know who Constantine is? As soon as you Christian, you don't know who Constantine is. I'm like, well, why don't you ask your pastor? Because he knows. Why and he's not going to tell you who Constantine is. Constantine is controlling things. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Let me read it. No, no I don't think. I don't think he's a polit He's a fucking politician. Yeah. Hey, I don't. I what? What we don't need them to know is Mary had a miracle birth. So I'm gonna give you what? What is you need? What do you need? What do you need yeah. to, for this not to be in the book? It's the craziest thing that people don't know about Constantine. Crazy. Oh my goodness. Well, how about when they go into the the reason why holidays are at a certain time of the year? They go into that because they made Christmas in that time because they wanted it to align with pagan rituals. With They're pagan like, what? Well, oh, December twenty fifth. What a fucking coincidence! Because that's when Jesus came about. You know something? We're gonna have we're gonna hide this right up under this witch's ball. Like, so they wanted to convert these pagans. They all had these pagan ideas and pagan rituals, and they they were aligned with like summer solstice and the winter solstice, and so that's why they they made Christmas when it is. It had nothing to do with Jesus' birthday. Jesus was supposed to be born historically. I think it was like in June or some shit. It had nothing to do with Christmas. It had nothing to do with the Easter Bunny. That's for fuck sure. It, nothing to do with that. Like, <laughs> not, what is that about? Nothing to do with the East. <laughs> like, nothing to do with that at all. Not from the story I read about Easter. Makes no sense. Nothing. Like, he didn't even convert until after he was like on his deathbed. That's when Constantine converted to Christianity. I was like, oh, okay, do it now. Do it now. Uh, all right, I'm dying. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> like, yo. He might not have even. He might have just died. They said, on his deathbed, Sir Constantine converted. Because... Certain people wasn't giving up what they what they believe. The whole like if you if you Islamic Muslims, the the protection the protection of the Prophet Muhammad was by his uncle who was not even Muslim and he never converted. He never like I will protect you. I see what you're doing. You know, I'm not converting though. I I, I don't know what you're doing. Like <laughs> like like um in, in Islam, it's one. Joke that I I like telling about the Prophet Muhammad Alayhi Salam. Say, yo, I think that he had a sense of humor because they was changing things when people were converting to Islam. So okay, everybody's gonna pray one direction. Then the next day he get a um he get a revelation. Hey, change the direction of the prayer. And everybody who was with him because they was Jews and they was like, okay, we with you because you praying this way. They was like, we changed. He was like. No, not I'm not doing that. I was with you. Then they had these pagan rituals where they would hold their their idols because you know most most Muslims pray and they hold their hands right here, but they would hold their idols. And I was like, the prophet probably came out and didn't want them holding them idols. It was like, yo, watch this. I got something for them tomorrow. And so it's a part where people say. Allahu Akbar. So they had to do they had to do their hands like this. So you had to do this. This wasn't even a part of prayer at first. He was like, yo, y'all know y'all gotta follow me, right? Whatever I do, y'all gotta do. And they was like, Yeah, we know. And that was he said, Allahu Akbar. So they had <laughs> they had to drop their idols. And this Muslim dude was like, Yo, that is very funny. That is very funny. 
I don't like it. But it's <laughs> they don't like any jokes like, about Islam I'm like, at all, ever. Ever. It's, it's no. A, you so, can tell Christian jokes to Christians and they'll laugh. <laughs> Muslims do not want to like, hear it. Like I talk about bidda a lot, innovation, like things that was innovative, like things that we didn't do at first, like the dicker beads, like you know that that wasn't that's innovation. And like that's this is not innovation. You can have a whole argument with somebody about what is innovation, what we wasn't doing in the beginning, and then you start doing. Yo, it's a lot of things wasn't doing in the beginning because it wasn't written down what to do. It was like it started after. A lot yeah. of things start after the fact. Yo, look, it happened. What do we do now? Well, next time we're gonna do this. Yeah. You know, when it happens. But people don't accept it. They're like, no, it was always this. It was no, it's not that rigid. Do you think that people need structure? They need things like that to keep society together, especially back in the day before there were books and before clearly before there was the internet they need some structure like if you behave this way these are the rules dress this way walk this way this is how we're going to keep this fucking place together and if you don't you're going to burn in hell forever so you don't want that i think do you think people need that i think people do need some sort of structure but i think most of it was based upon people I, I, I need to I need to regulate what you think is normal. <laughs> I need because right. I, yeah. I I I actually do. I need I need you to know the difference between this and this because yeah. some people, like I used to say that I didn't I didn't want them to lock up crazy people because how you know if you sane if you never see crazy people. I need to see somebody shit in their hand and know that I'm cool. You know, I, okay, <laughs> I thought that was disgusting. Okay, I'm supposed to. But if you look at him like, oh, that's cool, right? There's no fucking something wrong with you. You need to be over there with him. Like, right. I think that it's some things that you have to regulate. Yo, sir, um, we're wearing pants now. You can't. <laughs> can't be walking around with well, your dick out. Well, this is how I feel. Like, but, <laughs> but now we back to that. We yeah. we we have shifted back to there's no right and there's no wrong. It's only based on how I feel. Like being affluent. Like this is this is on a slippery slope because you don't have to have no hormones. You don't have to do no actual changes. I could just. I woke up this morning. I'm 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 feeling male. I'm feeling male dominant, you know. And now all of a sudden it's three thirty, and I'm feeling sassy, so I can walk into the woman's restroom now because this is how I'm feeling. I don't think that that's how they go. I think you need hey, chop your dick off, then you can do whatever you want to do in that bathroom. I just think until it's, the, that's all going to be solved one day when they have gene editing, when they could say, okay, Ali, you are a woman for sure, one hundred percent, okay press that button and then you actually become a physical biological woman you know i look i feel for people i've met a lot of people that are transgender that really do feel like they're trapped in the wrong body it's got to be a terrible thing but we also need logic like you can't be in high school and just say i identify with females not take any hormones and compete on the girls track team because it's not fair it's not fair to women it's just not Yes, we're fair. lying to everybody if we say it is. And now with this new law that's passed with the Biden administration, apparently all you have to do is identify and you could you could compete with the gender that you identify. Now, if you're a, a poor kid that this is the best way for you to get a scholarship, 
You I'm Juana man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking Juana man. That's that's a loophole. I'm you know? crossing the shit over every girl. <laughs> I'm not saying most people are gonna do that. I'm not. I think most people who do it are doing it for the right reason. They're doing it because they really do believe they're in the wrong body. But you, it's not fair in sports. It's especially if there's if if there's no hormone treatment. Or there's no. You don't have to have some sort of. Uh, distinction between how much time you're on hormones or whether or not you go through reassignment surgery or what you can just decide that you're a female and then you could play female whatever that's crazy think about that's crazy this. think about this we we live in a we live in a society where domestic violence is is something but i know it's gonna be some slick ass dude that gonna be in a domestic violence situation the police gonna come. Usually, the dude goes to jail, and the dude's like, "Wait a minute, this is two women fighting. This is not even domestic. This is a goddamn cat fight. How you figure that? I am identifying as a female. Yeah, <laughs> like right, right now, fucking Charles. You're like, yeah, full beard. I'm, I'm identifying as a fucking woman. Yeah, right now in the middle of this fight, you got me fucked up. I'm not a dude. Well, some people try to take things to a ridiculous place because they want to. Yeah. Like there's a guy who's a transgender guy who has a full beard, wears a dress. I mean, he's a man, not taking any hormones at all. And one of his quotes was, some women have penises, and if you don't like that, you could suck my dick. Wow. Wow. And people are like, yes, queen, you go. Like, wow. You got to have room for crazy. You got to make room in any theory, any practice, anything like we were talking about with Trump saying, you know, you got to show a show of strength. Yeah. If you're talking to rational people, they're, they're, they're going to listen to that. But if you're talking to a dude who's got antlers on his head and he's got no shirt on and he believes that the, the FBI is fucking babies in the basement of Capitol Hill, well, you, you got a real problem there because you haven't made room for crazy in, in your ideas. You got to have room for crazy. The fucking dude that's in the rally, in the, in the rally hall in a goddamn F-150. <laughs> In the rally hall, <laughs> gotta show strength. Yeah. He, you can't tell him anything. No, you have crazy people. June you have to, is fucking crazy. They are a real thing. They're a real thing. You gotta always have room for crazy in everything, whether it's a, a cultural thing, a religious thing, whether it's a, any practice. You always gotta say, okay, how are crazy people gonna see this? How are crazy people gonna abuse this? How are and and when you comes to a lot of things like man you've got you got too much room here you got too too much room here for crazy people to step in and abuse it is it, cause it anything else has um what they call loopholes you know yeah. the defenses yeah. for loopholes sure. hey we're going to do this you know we're going to make sure it's covered the perimeter this is a blind area over here we got to yeah. make sure we co cover how don't you make room for fucking crazy and you've seen so much of it yes we've seen enough so crazy much. to be like yo look okay Something something's gonna happen. I'm I'm a rational person. When I plan a when I plan a a baby's birthday party, I think something's gonna happen. So I'm like, yo, all right. Somebody's gotta wash the pool. Somebody, make sure nobody falls in. But hey, look, I know we getting a bouncy house, but I want this shit to be nailed to the fucking ground. This shit, yes, <laughs> I need, yes. and I need an extra safety rope for and this. And make shit. sure kids don't climb to the top. Have someone there. It, it, you you do all these things, but for society. There's nothing. There's no net for crazy. There's like, too many things to think about. Think about all the things we outlined today. Fixing the healthcare system. Fixing the education system. Fixing police reform. Reform. 
all the different things. And then 320 million people, and at least 1% of them are out of their fucking mind. So you got 3 million plus people out of their fucking minds, and you're trying to govern all of it while balancing the budget and keeping North Korea from blowing up San Francisco. And you're like, ah, <laughs> who the fuck wants to be president? What a crazy job. And you have no idea what these million plus crazy people are. It's like you just, okay. The guy with the antlers, you do you think he's crazy or no? I just think he's the guy with the antlers. But it's it's a I bet he's less crazy now. Oh. I bet he's been in jail for a couple of months now and just sitting around going, What have I done? It Oh my God, this is my life now. I thought I was part of the revolution. I thought I was like dumping tea over into the ocean. I thought I was I thought I was gonna go down in history. I, was, no. I think it, it was crazy. I think a lot of people was in there with the with the poses of this is gonna be this is yeah. gonna be the shot. We're taking over. We're taking over. Because when I saw him with the flag up and with yeah. the screen, I said, yeah, he 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 want to be on the front of Time magazine. <laughs> he want to be on the front of Time. And the, the, I think a lot of those people were um, just wanting to be a part of the strike. How you show up with zip ties? Like, like who told yeah. you? Who t- like was, who called you? James and not a not a few, a fucking ring of them. Yeah, yo yeah. James, do you got your zip ties? <laughs> Shit, got turned back around. Charles got to go get the zip ties. Yeah, they wanted to find like Nancy Pelosi and <laughs> like, people to kill them. Like, <laughs> Imagine if they did. What if they stormed in and what if the the security was so lax that they got AOC? Nancy Pelosi and killed him. You in there hollering, where's Pelosi? Like, is Crazy. that your is that your assignment? <laughs> like, I I know like football is always somebody who runs out after, after they kick after they kick and they go out. I think they got a dog now that runs out the field and grabs the bit and runs out the side. Who? Okay, what was the the rally at? They said, okay, look, we need people to do certain things. We need you to get Pelosi. You. What the fuck? That would be a good comedy movie. Yeah, get, getting Pelosi. Get Pelosi. <laughs> to see these fucking people playing this shit out. You know? Get Pelosi. Well, you got a lot of people. Like, look, we were talking about uh, rules and regulations and, and stupid people. There's a, a lot of people out there that they they don't know what they're doing with their life. When something comes up that seems like it's a movement and you're attached to it and it seems important and then you're out there and I don't know how many people were there, but I've heard it was hundreds of thousands of people. What is it? Do you, is there an accurate estimation of how many people try to storm Capitol Hill? How many people were there at that day? They estimated. What are they? Well, either way. It's hundreds of thousands of people. It's an enormous amount of people. So when you're there with all those people like, yeah, you feel like you're on the right side. Like, look at all these people. We can't all be wrong. We can't, we can't all be retarded. Look at how many of us are. I we think- can't all be fucking idiots. There's no way. There's no way. Dude, I'm telling you, I think this is it. I think we're going to fucking take back this country. And you're like, yeah. And then they break down the barrier and everybody storms over. You're like, yes, we're doing it. We're fucking doing it. They really thought they were doing it. They like fucking cowboy fans. <laughs> <laughs> I know that we fucking six. We only won six games. We're going to the playoffs. How? I don't know, but we're going to do it. <laughs> Did you ever see the, the lady that got shot? No, yeah. I did not. I, I 
I didn't see how she got shot, where she got shot. I just know she... She was coming through a window. She was breaking this window, and she's coming through the window, and the security guard shoots her. But what I was saying is there was videos of her before that where she was ranting and raving about the government and everything that's wrong, and we got to take this back. And that. And you hear her talk and rant and rave. You're like, oh, my God. She's a crazy person. She's a crazy person that's like full-on QAnon, on parlor every day, you know, just constantly buying into theories and conspiracies and chaos. And, and this poor fucking lady believed all this shit, and she was an Air Force veteran. She was a veteran. And when you don't have when you don't have time to actually rational, I, I, I think a lot of those people were unemployed. Yes. It's like everybody who have I have to be everybody who I heard the interview from. It, it's like they were unemployed. Like, so when you said I was an unemployed actor living with his mom, I'm yeah. like, well, damn, I didn't even read that about him. But it's like it's the it's the norm with these guys like one guy was saying well i was all in and me and my dad and was in and, you know i'm so first of all i'm not in any groups with my mom like <laughs> <laughs> me and my mom we fucking love Definitely each other not but i'm not militia. in any groups with my mom yeah like me and my mom we share the triple a account <laughs> I put up, I put on my account like yo just in case you know i put you on my triple a account that is about it like my mom is never, we're going to the rally. I'm like. <laughs> yeah, but imagine if you grew up in a militia family. And that's, you know, that's a problem with people raising kids, right? If you grow up in a family that really does believe that they have to do this. They have to storm the Capitol and take America back. And then you're there with your parents. Like, I'm sure there was probably kids at that fucking rally that oh, yeah, really sure. did believe it. They really sure. did believe it. And their parents were like, yeah, we're going to take it back for Trump. You're like, whoa, I can't believe I'm here, dad. And you're, you're I think it was a kid, like maybe, I think either he was 17 or 19, he was the kid that when the woman got shot, he was right behind her. Mm. He said he had stuck his head in right before she did, and then she just happened to be going through the window, and they shot her. I think he was 16, he's 17 or 19, oh. you know, and I was like, he, and then he started crying, it could have been me. You know what, how it couldn't have been you if you wouldn't have fucking stormed the Capitol. <laughs> That's uh, if you wouldn't have been breaking. I don't know. I still to this day, as I look at it, I'm still confused on how they stormed the Capitol and then they got in and they start walking through the rope single file line like where's the restroom? Like they probably freaked out. They couldn't believe they're in. We, we you get in. into the Capitol building, you're probably like, are we really in this? I would have been in that fucking sightseeing. I'm like, yo, look at the fucking... And if you're the first person in, you're probably like, wait, there's no one in front of me. Is this... Are we doing this? Is this really happening? <laughs> I would have got in and saw some of the fucking amazing statues. I'm like, hey, guys, I don't think we're supposed to touch any of this. This is this is a story. I wouldn't have wanted to break nothing. I'm like, I damn sure would have been flipping through no fucking pages. Did you see the one security guard? That, like, as they're coming up the stage, the chair, the stairs, he's got a gun on him. Like, please stop, stop. Yeah. And then he keeps backing up. Shit. And they're running towards him like little animals. <sighs> like they can get away with it. They're like going to get closer. It's like Walking Dead. Yeah. A lot like that. I, I, yeah. I've started playing Walking Dead on um my Oculus. You, you have. Oh, I haven't played that. You, we you, had an Oculus at the old studio. Oh. We don't have one here, though. Have you played the Walking Dead game, an Oculus? I heard it's scary. It is so fucking terrifying. 
<laughs> like, like it is like once you get in, you be like, okay, cool. And you and you walking around and you seeing different shit. And then you see one of them fucking walking dead. And it'd be like it'd just be like on the like it just go like you be like, wait a minute, hold on. And it's so realistic because you can look down at your hands and see it and like, all right, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> And then you come around, and it's a lot of them. You like, oh shit! And you trying to run like I'm not even supposed to be. First of all, I just ran into my coffee table because I'm all out my barrier. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the Oculus, that Oculus. I want. I'm waiting to play Star Wars. I've been getting my ass whooped on Creed because I can't figure out how not to let the dude get behind me. My barrier, my barrier game is weak. How much room do you have to move around in? At least six feet, but is the Creed game a good one? The Creed, the it's a boxing. You game. You get a good workout on those boxing games. It's we had a, one, and I was like, I I did a couple of rounds with the the machine, and I was like, I'm tired. Like this is crazy. Like this is a real workout because it feels like you're really fighting. It, Creed is Creed is good, but it's another fighting game on there as well. But the Creed one was the one I saw, and because it, it had a demo for it, mm. I literally just got this Oculus, and I'm trying not to be. I'm not trying not to be too into it because I don't want to get caught up, but it's it's hard. Dude, I had it at my studio, and my daughter would come in, and the moment she would come in, she'd go, hi, Dad, just skid right to the Oculus, put it on, and just, like, barely talk to me. i go, hi, how was school? What the fuck? And she would just be in there playing games. It was just <laughs> like she was so locked into it. All she You'd see her walking around, swinging at shit that's not really there. Like, yeah. just all these different games that, like, they, the weirdest thing about virtual reality is you you when you're playing it you go oh they're gonna make this way better like right now this is pretty fucking good but what is this gonna be five years from now I'm not even gonna know if it's virtual reality it's gonna be like the Matrix. My son, Hassan, it, it, it's a weird thing. I I have to really focus my mind on what he's doing because he go in Jurassic World. So, because mm. he loves dinosaurs, <coughs> he goes into Jurassic World, and I'm in my office. You know, I was like, "Ah!" <laughs> so I'm running. I'm running. Yo, what's what's up? And I'm I'm looking. Oh, he's on he's on the Oculus, and he it's crazy. His and I was like, "Well, let me see what you let me see." And I'm like, "Oh shit!" It, it's because he knows all the dinosaurs. I don't know any of them, and it's a it's a weird thing. But I didn't think I was gonna like it, and. <laughs> It, cause, you know, I get into certain things, and but I wanted to ask you something because you just said, "How how do you how does that feel when your kids don't pay you any attention?" <laughs> what I, are you gonna do? I they so addicted to games, man. I games. Thought I, I thought I was gonna be okay with it. I thought I was oh, okay. No, it's weird. Cause I'm like, yo, I'm I'm your fucking father. I had a meeting today. And uh, I, one of the things I did, I was talking to this one gentleman, and I came out. And I was saying hi to the other two people that were a part of the meeting. And the other two people were on their phone, just staring at their phone, scrolling. I'm like, look at these zombies. I'm like, look at this lady. She's not even paying attention to me. She's looking at her Instagram. I'm looking at her going through her Instagram feed like this. Just, just a zombie. Like w video games and electronics and this connection to people that have. When you watch it from out, when you do it yourself, it feels normal. But when you watch other people doing it, like, it feels gross. It feels gross watching someone addicted to a screen or addicted to a, an Oculus or addicted to a video game. It feels weird. 
It's like you 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 see like what this a person is getting sucked into electronics. Like electronics are you're just sitting there. You think you're doing something. You're not doing shit, but your brain is being occupied as if you're really doing something. It's very weird, and kids don't have the ability to rationalize that because they didn't grow. You and I grew up without it. Yes, and then it came a part of our life later. I think we're like this the generation that kids are growing up in right now with our kids. This is the first generation, really, that you know roughly that has had no experience outside of the internet. Their internet has been there from the moment they were born. So video games, the internet, and then they get, keep getting better and better and better and better until you'd kind of be crazy to not play Jurassic Park. When it gets to it where it's so wild, it's so much more fun than anything you could do outside. Like, you want to play basketball? Why the fuck would I play basketball when I could go hang out with dinosaurs? For real. I just figured out and on the Oculus, it's a thing that you can go and literally visit another place and actually walk in the fucking streets like yeah. i can literally like yo what you doing tonight i'm going to paris like on a jet no like in my living room i'm finna go to <laughs> fucking paris and i can go to these places on this oculus but the thing with my children and the understanding with society like when you, you this is this is to me this is the most natural thing to sit across from somebody and have a conversation about a array of topics. Whether you whether you know something or you don't know something, you sitting there, you listening, you interested, you getting. But how many people under the age of thirty five have I actually had a conversation with past ten minutes, and it was literally probably about something else because everybody that's 40 and over know how to actually have a dialogue and consider the table. I don't, I, I consider the table and never pick my phone up. I can be in my house and never pick my phone up. You didn't have your phone with me? No, because I'm not fucking married to my phone. I'm not married to, I, I didn't, I grew up walking outside with no phone. And the only way you can contact me is when I come back or I hear my mom yelling 2,000 times my name. I'm like, yo, I think I hear something that maybe. Or somebody say, I think your mama calling you. Yeah. So. Literally calling you. Literally calling you. Hey! <laughs> I remember those days. Yeah. The, Different kids, world. Kids don't get that. No. No more. Like, yo, hold on. My mom's calling. Hey, what's going on? I'm like, my, my kids are. I, I think my children have a good balance because I take everything and then we I garden. So that's the other thing. I have a full fledged garden at my house. So we have to go outside. You have to be in the dirt. So if you wanna fucking eat, you gotta go outside. And, and it's a big thing for my for me to watch my kids go outside and yeah, I want a cucumber. We'll go get one. It's outside. Eating um, tomatoes off the vine, and you know, pick going to pick greens. It's very satisfying, right? Hey, I need some parsley. Go outside and get it. You know, that's a big thing to me. So they have to go outside and be in the dirt and be in the world and get vitamin D and hurt themselves outside. And they and then they come in, they get on their iPads and they do they do that as well. But I have one daughter. Like soon as the back door opens, pew. She out there, and she's not coming back in. She don't give a damn about her iPad. She's like, yo, I'm three. I want to be out here in this dirt. I want to. Yeah. Daddy, what is this? This is wiggling. That's the earthworm. 
can I eat it if you want to? <laughs> and that's my that, everything is if you want to. Hey, you want to eat yeah. it, eat it. But I know I'm a different, I'm different, a different parent than my mom and my grandmother. And I'm definitely a different parent than people that's younger than me. I have a little more understanding, but I don't have the the I have better tolerance than my mom. My mom didn't tolerate shit. Like she was raising me and she my had sister. Two hours of sleep every night. Two hours of sleep, and I don't have time for you to be making no goddamn mistakes. You know how many times my head had been bust open or I, I knew I was concussed and my mom was like, just go take a nap. Like, I mama I, I don't, I don't, my, my neck, what happened? I fell off, I, we was playing on the second, the second thing and I fell down and I landed on my neck. She's like, well, if you wouldn't have been fucking up there, go lay down. <laughs> but I think the, uh, it's mama, it's like, I think my, my, my neck's supposed to be longer than this. <laughs> <laughs> go lay down, it's gonna, it'll fix itself. Like you, you wake up and your neck fucking still short. <laughs> like, no, but, me, I'm going to rush, probably rush my son to the hospital, depending on what the injury is. I'm yeah. like, yo, my son, he was two. Yeah, two. I decided to take him to the gym with me. You know, I didn't take him to the gym. He, you know, it's just our little apartment gym. We stayed in his little town. It's our little apartment gym. I'm watching him. He's doing this thing. We're on the treadmill together. He is on slow, just walking. I get off the treadmill. I go to pick up just some dumbbells to bring him back to start curling. I turn back and it's literally my son is about to go get trapped under the damn treadmill. treadmill because he his finger, he took his finger and wanted to see where the, the, the meal was going. And he stuck it in. So I snatched him from under there and his inside his finger is a fucking like an ice cream scoop like it's like curved out of there I am literally like damn cause the only thing that you don't want to happen with your kids you don't just don't want them hurt when they with you right cause you don't hear their moms so his finger is kinda fucked up he's two so I I, I neosporin it and I bandaged it up real good mom comes home what's wrong with his finger I say, oh, you know, I caught on the treadmill. <laughs> He'll be all right. She takes the bandage off. She sees thing. You can see his bone. You know, like that's not his bone. That's like some meat. You know, this ain't bone. Like the skin. You know, this neosporin. It's gonna. You know, it's, it's like no. Brushes my son to the emergency room, and. They had to fucking graph his finger and stitch it. <gasps> <laughs> it was way worse than Oh no. So now the graph from it, it like a part of his hand like some shit off his hand to take some skin to oh put. Oh my god. Cuz it's like you can still kind of look at his hand and tell that <laughs> like cuz he's 10 now so you, you can still like oh yeah that that finger right there is it, that was the finger that was on the treadmill. So now if something happens I just I just be careful and just take him to the bird's room because it's his mom. My mom would have just like, yo, I, my fucking brain could have been hanging out. My mom would like, stuff it, it back in there and go take your ass a nap. Like, like mom, that's brain tissue. Well, shit, stop playing with it then. <laughs> my mom would have gave a shit. She would have gave a shit. And your kids are going to be different than you. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a weird thing having children in it. This, this, the whole experience of being responsible for some little person and caring about them so much. Never thought you would love anybody that much. Chappelle said something to me that is very true, very interesting. He said, not only did it increase my love, but it increased my capacity for love. Yeah. That's what it does. It changes changes you. Whoever you were before you had children and then who you are after children, you like, okay, I I kind of I, th- I think I see the world through a whole different lens. It's just you don't realize how much you could love something or someone. You yeah, don't realize no how much feeling you have. Like you get happy when they draw fucking some stupid heart. You're like, "Oh, you get so happy." Just little things they do. Laughs little things they do just you you're it's like a drug like you're filled with a drug because nature wants you to keep those little people alive and they smell so good (laughs) until they don't but yeah it's it's like you I, i i think that without children you can you can understand love but it's kind of like uh like I look at it like how my friend broke it down to me about my like me liking Marvin Gaye. He said, "Let me tell you the difference between you. Like I know you, you know everything about Marvin Gaye. And the difference is I was at the concerts. I was like, oh shit, that is a big difference. Like you, you listen to his music, you read shit on him, you watched him thing. Yeah. I was actually at the concert." So it's a different experience. So you can you can know about love or all oh, this, but until you have children or a child, it's a it's it's a level that you gonna not understand about the connection. Like I I can look at my children and and like how can anybody abuse a child? Like I look at my kids and like yo, she's so fucking small and helpless so think about all that columbus shit that we were just reading exactly about. splitting yeah like practicing their swords my 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 daughter chunka chunka there's nothing better than me walking in the back door and hearing her running from whatever all she heard was the door beep open and she knows everybody else is in the house so it's me and i hear her feet and she come around that corner Daddy! I'm like, yo, this is the best part of this. This is the part. Like, I probably had something on my mind, probably thinking about something, but in the type of hug that she gives, you know it's so genuine. Like, I don't want anything. I just want to hug you. And, you know, the, the, the shit that you think is cute. She suck her thumb. So if she really, really like you, She'll, give, she'll let you have some of her thumb. You're like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's like, yo, this is this is, this is is sacred. This is a sacred finger to me. You know something? I love you so much. Yeah. Try something. <laughs> <laughs> Tastes like cocoa butter. Same yeah. thing I got on, you know. It's a different world. Yeah. And people that don't have children, I th- you know, I think you could have a fulfilled life without having children. I think it's possible. But it's a different experience. Yeah. It made me change my perception of people overall because I started looking at people like a person who used to be a baby. 
I never did that before. Before I had children, I never looked at people and said, oh, that guy's all fucked up because of his life. Because he used to be a child. He was a little boy. He was a baby. And then through a bunch of shitty experiences and bad parenting and life throwing curveballs at him and all these different things that went wrong, now you've got this fucked up 43-year-old guy. But It can be fixed, to- though. Maybe, yeah. No, that, because yeah, that, that, was, that was me. So I, I'm quite sure it could be fixed because, you know, when you realize something, you know, I, I didn't realize why I was having bad relationships until I was like 33 years old. I had no fucking clue that I go to prison at 19. I literally, what what was my experiences with women prior to 19? It's like a bunch of high school shit and just in the street shit and meeting people at random spots, but it's no actual experience. So once I go inside, from 19 to 25, I have no relationships with women. I don't even know how to communicate like that, but through a letter to my mom or my sister. So I get out and I'm trying to have relationships with women. And I'm coming from a place where my formative years of me actually learning how to be a fucking good adult was based upon you write if you're violent or you write if you talk the loudest or you write if I just ain't got time to be fucking arguing with you about some stupid shit. So no understanding on how to communicate. So I get out, I'm trying to have relationships, and it's just fucking like, I know the women who dated me, was like, yo, I'm fucking dating a Neanderthal. I'm, I'm dating somebody who doesn't get it. He don't know how to fucking listen. He don't know how to do this. And he's a fucking, he he don't say much. He, he doesn't know how to communicate with me outside of, you want to go eat? You know, don't go to movies. I don't have shit to actually have a conversation about. When you said you write, if you're violent, what do you mean by that? It it would it would be this. Dudes would be arguing with, with dudes totally fucking wrong. Totally fucking wrong. And then it come in, it would come from there to a threat. Man, we'll fucking say something else. I'll hit you in your fucking mouth. And you'd be sitting on the side like, why the argument? Wow. And you only doing him like that because you intimidating him, you're in, in you. You're, the threat of being violent is is making him retreat in this conversation. But you're fucking wrong. Now you got the people that's like me and other people. Like, yo, you fucking wrong, man. Man, you don't know if I'm wrong. But I'm trying to make you say the same shit you said to him to say to me. Say to me. Say that shit to me. Say don't just say something. I'm gonna hit you in your mouth. Something else. That's the the level of this fucking animal cage that we in is based upon how the threat of violence that you make people shut down, even though they they write, you know, because that's how the officers respond. Yo, I'm trying to get to understand with you, officer. This is you incorrect about this. Well, shut up and do what I said. No, man, you not. Well, get out here and get on the wall. So now you threatening me with fucking bringing some other officers and all the rest, but you're still fucking wrong. Right. Regardless of what you're trying to do, you're still wrong. So 
raising of the voice, being aggressive was the 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 way that people argued and communicated in this particular space. So as you develop, you like, yo, I gotta learn. If I'm a, if I'm gonna be productive when I get back to the free society, I have to learn to communicate. But it's a I'm trying to learn how to communicate as far as business and getting a job and shit like that. But I don't know how to communicate on a personal level because none of none of the things in here are personal. This none of this is a oh man. Let me, let me talk to you as it, it's not personal. I don't I don't know you. I didn't grow up with you. None of that. So you get back to the society and you got this fucked up way of handling things, and you you challenging people that that's in the free society like don't don't say nothing else. I hit you. You're like because I asked you if. You wanted baked chicken or fried chicken? Like, fuck is your problem? Mm. You know? So it, you you get scared. And so now I'm 33 and I get it. I'm like, I'm just like, okay, I got to learn to fucking listen and be outside and, and not listening with negative ears. Like somebody. What, what made you realize that? Like, what what was the turning point? The I was having like I couldn't it something dawned on me like yo man I can't keep a fucking relationship like I'm in and out of relationships and I'm trying to figure out is it because of my pops that you know because he was like that I saw him do that is it because I just don't want to be in a relationship or I or I'm doing something absolutely wrong and like even with comedy I always ask myself the hard questions when I if I if I do a show, before I was a quote unquote headliner, I was just going last, and I I didn't think I understood the difference between no people are coming to see me versus me being on the show and I'm just happen to go last. So I tried to get this understanding of what do I need to do to develop in this in this game because I got to know the difference between these particular things and you try to you try to navigate what you are what you're learning versus what you don't fucking know at all and and I'm thinking I'm a headliner and I'm not and how does this how does this happen okay I did a show would I pay to see this show okay yes would I pay to see the show again? Now, nah, Ali, your show ain't that good yet. I wouldn't pay. I wouldn't pay to. I'm and I'm talking to myself. Yeah. I wouldn't pay to come back and see me. That's yet. a good way of looking at it. I didn't think it was good enough. It's a real good way of looking at it. Would I pay to see me? Yeah. Yeah. And then would I pay? To, would I do it again? Right. Because people who come see you, they come see you again. Right. And they come see you again if you put together a good enough show, or you put together, or you put together a body of work. Or, or they like what you did the first time. They like, well, I see the development here. When I saw him this time, it was like this. When I saw came and saw Joe again, did you see Joe do this? It's all these different things, the layers. But a lot of comics don't ask themselves, is my show good enough for somebody to pay to see me or pay to see me again after they did it? Right. There's levels of perceptions, how you look at yourself. That's very important. You got to be able to look at yourself outside of what you want. You want to be great. You want to people to love you. You want to be a killer. You want to be a headliner. You want to be all these things. But what are you? What are you actually? What are you actually? And what are the steps that you have to take to get from what you are actually to what you wish you were? Instead of just pretending. 
Like that's the saddest thing is when you see a comic, one of the saddest things, when you see a comic that believes they're great and they suck. And you, you're like, Oof. and they're like, man, how come I don't get that fucking show? And you're like, really? You don't know? Like, how can I, how do I get on your show? Like, you don't, you don't, you don't, you, you do when you can, when you're ready. Like, you're not, you're not that good. I, I think that's a, a huge thing. Did, when yeah, being self-critical. When did you know that I'm not closing, I'm not going last, people come to see you they come to they come yeah. to see me and it's and it takes something like how many times have you reinvented your show like re like literally okay i did this this is fucking great but that's over i got to come back and do something else and now you didn't strip yourself down to start over to build like how many specials you have 10 i think 10 fucking specials yeah do you know in my brain how fucking phenomenal that is? Because I know what it takes to write a special. So to write 10 of them, that's a... I think it might be eight. Even eight. <laughs> Try to count I, them all. I have, I have, at the end of this... Maybe nine. I have eight albums. Six are out. I just recorded two. Get they get mixed and mastered. I have eight albums. Yeah, two that are gonna come out. Yeah, that I'm getting wow. ready to come out together. Um, you gonna put them together. out together? Yeah, really. I, I, I've done it maybe twice. I put out two albums back to back. But an album, to me, is easier to write than a special. How come? Because I take the topic. I take the topic of an album. And I can say, okay, I'm going to do this topic right here. Then I go out, I start working it. And whatever other pieces fall in the album, I leave them. Like, whatever happens during the course of that show, I leave it there. And that's an easy thing to do. Like, I, I have a, one of my albums, You, it's, it's three parts on there while I'm arguing with this lady in three different parts because it happened during the course of the show. So I'm arguing with her 20 minutes in. Then 10 minutes later, we add it again. Then 25 minutes later, we add it again. I leave all of that there. If I was doing a special, those three minutes, four minutes that I I left to her to leave leave on the album, it would be cut. Oh, okay. I would, I See, I'm when you say when I'm saying special, I'm including albums. I'm talking about hours. I'm, I didn't. I don't think about it that way. I thought about it a different way. When I do. I'm just thinking about how much time do I turn over my material, which is the different thing about today versus back in the day when people didn't do as many specials. We ha and because of the internet, we have to turn over our material every whatever it is. For me, it's usually two years. Mm -hmm. With this pandemic, kind of fucked it up. But every two years, I've been on a steady since like I did. Uh, yeah, 2012, 2014, 2016, 2018, and I would have done 2020. If it wasn't for the pandemic, I had one ready, kind of, I was developing it and then everything shut down in March, but that wasn't the case with the guys before us. They didn't have to turn over their material that much. So they didn't write as much. They weren't forced to, to be as prolific as we're forced to be. So when I, I, I got that, when I went to go look at, cause I wanted to have the most comedy albums 
and I probably could by now if I wasn't doing over an hour because I looked at Bill Cosby's and I looked at um, um, Carlin's and I looked at Richard Pryor's. So Richard Pryor has 13, I think. Wow. But maybe five of them are 35 minutes, 37 minutes. Did you ever listen to the Red Fox ones? I listened to two Red Fox albums. The Red, but the Red Fox Club stuff with Pryor. No, I haven't heard. Prior, there's a bunch of shit. It's amazing. You got to find it. You could find it online. There's a lot of them on YouTube. But I found them at a gas station once. There was cassettes that were for sale at a gas station. Mm. And it was Richard Pryor live from Red Fox Comedy Club. Red Fox had a comedy club. Mm -hmm. And it's Richard just fucking around on stage and being loose. You can hear the glasses clinking. You hear everything in the audience. And you hear him just riffing and having fun, laughing at his own shit. It's amazing. And that's how I do my albums. I just leave everything in. Yeah. I didn't even know he had those. Yeah, you got to find them. You can find them on, on, on YouTube. They're available. There's like a few of them. They're available on YouTube. But it's before his actual the albums that everybody knows about, there's a bunch of these recordings that were shorter recordings that were all just him fucking around at Red Fox's place. I guess they just recorded everything there. Mm. That's it. That's a good way to. That's a good way to get a bunch of material out there. Yeah, I think because when I when I looked at it, some of his albums, his actual release albums, like thirty seven minutes, thirty five minutes. I'm mm. like, fucking Richard cheating. This <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> they probably thought that's all people wanted to hear back then. Yeah, you know, I mean, how many? Like, when does was, was the first comedy album released? Wow. I mean, when was that? That's probably like the fifties. You think 50s? I'm guessing. But I would imagine it's probably like the 50s. So you got two two decades. So that's like you and I in 2021. Imagine if the first comedy special came out in the year 2000. And here we are in 2021 just trying to do our thing. Not exactly sure what's the right way to do it. What's wrong. I mean, that's, that's really where it's at, right? Yeah, if you think at. about it, because yeah. Pryor was doing some of his best work in the beginning of the 70s. That's 20 years after the shit was invented. And before that, Damn. what was stand-up comedy? Like, before that, it was bullshit. Before that, it was a bunch of guys that would told the same jokes, and they would go to the Catskills, and they would just sort of repeat all the same stuff. And then there was stuff like what Bill Cosby had done or stuff like Cheech and Chong had done, which was even yeah. different, because they did it with no audience. So that was like comedy albums. But to do stand-up comedy, like stand-up comedy album, when Richard was around, like, how many guys had done it before? There was Cosby, Bill Cosby, George Carlin. There was a few other guys that did it that were contemporaries. Lenny Bruce was the Lenny first. Bruce. But Lenny Bruce was the first to sort of be a social critic. Instead mm. of just telling a bunch of jokes, he had social commentary. But again, it's like a couple decades. There's not that much time. I don't think Dick Gregory had an album out at that time. He might have a had a book but not yeah, when did dick gregory first start producing albums right you know dick gregory was also one of the few guys that was he wasn't just a social critic he brought the zapruder film to television he showed people how kennedy got assassinated in a way that was didn't make sense if you looked at the warren commission's yeah. findings you saw that video 1961 and now who is this Dick Gregory. Oh, Dick Gregory's first album? Yeah, they've been giving a Grammy Award for it since 1959, and there's a someone 59. reading short stories in 
Oh, wow. Short stories. So that was probably the first actual comedy. That's the first credited thing I could find. And then then 59, you said, was the first uh, Grammy for it? Grammy for it, yeah. so. So let's imagine that the comedy album genre probably started around then. If it's 59, the, it was probably before that. Like, how many of them were there? It'd be a technology thing, too. There, where would you play such right. a thing prior yeah. to having a radio, you know? So, like, right. Or a sell? record player. Yeah, what would you sell, even? How know? would you even know that it was any good? Yeah. And maybe, then the maybe other th- they came in on radio, just brought you into the brought you into the station, and like, hey, just do some jokes. Cause that's how people were watching, quote unquote, listening to television. Oh, yeah. So maybe they were doing that. I mean, they used to do, that's how they did uh, War of the Worlds. Orson Welles read from a book yes. like it was a news report. Mm-hmm. It, this makes a lot of sense to the the technology. You could only record something short, like you maybe had five minutes of tape to record, so you had to squeeze it all in. In that, oh yeah, that's right. You could just re- tell a twenty five minute story and like, right there it is. Yeah, you couldn't record. You couldn't even record it. So some guy, some guy is sitting around with thirty seven five minute albums. Like- <laughs> <laughs> He so, said, who got the most albums? No, it's me. Got so, 37 five minutes. If you think about the first stand-up comedy album, you're, you're looking at probably the late 50s. So prior, like we said, comes along in the 70s. The shit was so new. Yeah. It was so new. I mean, it's really new historically with us. If you stop and think about here we are in 2021, it's only been around for fucking 70 years. There haven't been, like, what other art form has been around for 70 years? Damn. So, our art form, so I think people confuse us, too, with the, um, what this guy said. No, nah, y'all had to be around longer than that. What, what, what was the, 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 the thing with the kings? Don't fucking do oh, jesters. Yeah, jesters are not <laughs> fucking comics. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, he couldn't be Please. sarcastic to the queen. They were like YouTube stars. Compared ah. to sit in a stand up, like get the fuck out of here. Go do that in front of a live crowd that's going there to hear comedy. Fuck off. That is not comedy. You don't know what you're doing. I can't have that <laughs> one more discussion about goddamn social media stars. First of all, ma'am, if uh, uh sir, when you ma'am or sir, that's a comedian. If you gotta say that you a fucking internet sensation or internet comedian, that's the whole thing. I these are things that I have came up since I've been a stand up. I, I think there's levels to that. I think some people do it really well, and it's valid that some people do it. But because of the easy barrier to entry, anybody could be on the internet. So all you have to do is get people to pay attention to you, and some of them are just really stupid. Like some of it is really dumb. The difference between that and stand up comedy is so gigantic because stand up comedy requires a live. Involuntary response, like you say something like "ah, ah," I start like you. You have to be able to pull that out of somebody, and that is not the same thing as just ranting on YouTube or these quick edit cuts where people do. And you think you're a comedian? Like you better call yourself a different thing. Don't call yourself a stand-up comic. You're not a stand-up comedian. You're you're a person who does something different, but it it might be comedic. I don't know what it is, but it is definitely something different. Yeah, it's it's not the same thing. It's just not. And people want and people want to push that that it's something that is the same, but it's it's not. I've heard that argument. It's ridiculous. Go do it live in front of an audience that doesn't know who you are. Go it, ahead. 
if you get an ex, if your audience, okay, I don't think just because Jake the Snake performs in comedy clubs, I don't think that Jake the Snake think he's a comic. Him, no, nor any anybody. He's telling who, stories. You know, he's just doing them in a comedy club. The Hodge twins are not. Yeah. Comics. I don't give a damn what They're doing said. a different thing. <laughs> They're it's doing a different, different thing. Bodybuilders. Like yeah. If you have an audience, if you had an audience, if your audience is, was built about by anything other than doing stand up, and then you bring that audience to a comedy club, doesn't make you a stand up. Yeah. If you, if you go to a crowd, they have no idea who you are, and you can go on stage and make these motherfuckers involuntarily laugh, then you're a stand up comic. The difference between these guys who developed this audience from YouTube and guys like us is we started out in open mic nights. We started out as MCs. We started out as middle acts. We worked our way to become headliners. We traveled all over the fucking country performing in all kinds of shitholes, yeah. just trying to figure out a way to make people laugh. That is such a different animal. It's just not the same art form. Shit. Being Poussin. Being Poussin. In, <laughs> in fucking Pusan, and you got to go make these these people who are at, at hey look um we have a company that's coming down they just came from you know in a in an intense what, 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 do you, what do you mean intense like they just finished kind of battling a little bit okay i don't think they want to see me they, <laughs> they, they you just, are you saying just just like just just they're like they yeah just, they, they was just just whizzing past their head and you and Pusan. And it and it's so much stuff that goes with. I, I think people don't understand how much we go through to get on stage and do what you do. It, it's not all easy. I'm in Pusan, and I know I got a show in like two hours, but they have me staying in a hotel called the Hilton, not the Hilton, the Hilton, and it is a prostitutes hotel. I know it is because my my bed is shaped in a circle. So I know damn well this ain't <laughs> the norm, and and next to me is it, my the dude who was with me got a comedian by the name of Dave Lawson. Is my room then the prostitutes room is Dave Lawson's room. Dave keep calling my room, talking about he sure getting his money worth, ain't it? <laughs> like cause we cause neither one of us can fucking sleep. I was like, yo man, That's I, hilarious. We, I think we here tonight and we in Osan. Or something tomorrow, so we only in Pusan for one night. So don't even worry about it. Ali, we're like, it's almost five o'clock. Oh, isn't that crazy? We've been talking for how long? Four hours. Wow. Isn't that wild? How easy that just went? Yeah. Time would, just flew by. I wouldn't even know. I know. I barely knew too. I was just looking down. I was like, is that real? I mean, I <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm still, th- I still had a, a a backup mushroom question. Like, so it's these mushrooms that grow in my yard. At the, there's some huge mushrooms that grow in my yard. I don't think you can eat them though. But yeah, I you got to be real careful about mushrooms because some of them you can eat and they're delicious, and some of them will fucking kill you. Like, I don't know enough about mushrooms. Yeah, you'd have to talk to like Paul Stamets or some real mycologist who could tell you what what's edible and what's not. Yeah, because I'm going to buy this book called Foraging for Flavor. Oh, okay. Um, that you just find stuff to eat. You, you know? can find a lot of mushrooms to eat if you know what you're looking at, like Hand of the Woods or Morels. There's a lot of mushrooms that are like obvious. Like You see them, like yeah, Chicken of the Woods is one. Um, they, uh, you can find these mushrooms 
and you could look at a photo and go, oh, there it is, and then you could pick it and eat it. But then there's other ones that look real similar to edible mushrooms, but they'll fucking kill you. Yeah, so I, I, I have to know that because, yeah. you know, when you're gardening, I use a little manure mm-hmm. sometimes to, in my in my soil. And sometimes when I bring topsoil from somewhere else to, to level off something, the next day, mushrooms springing up. Take I'm, a picture. Take uh, a picture and put it on the internet. People I'm, let you know. I was like, well, hey, I don't know. They might be the right ones. If it's growing on manure, it might be the right ones. You know? It might be the ones that get you closer to Jesus. The, the thing is, your eyes are like, I don't know. Hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> but you can get them from people who know. That's the best way. Yeah. I, I'm fortunate enough. I know people who can get me the mushrooms that are the right ones. I don't want to be picking and choosing and hoping, looking at it like, oh, it's kind of close. It's two different. It, I've, I've figured out that it's two different ones. It's the ones who take you somewhere. Then it's the ones I've had that I've called a lot of people. Just, just hey, what's up? Ali, it's four thirty in the morning. Yeah, I was thinking about you. I want, I want to talk to you about your life. <laughs> what the fuck you want to talk to me about my life for? <laughs> thinking about your life, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then, yeah. it, then it's the other ones that I'm in there like, yo, I am really the one. Like I ate, I ate some mushrooms. Uh, I ate the mushrooms that Ari gave me. And it was just... Your art gets the real deal. Yeah. He does that shroom fest thing every year where he, like, for a whole week, I encourages to, everybody to do shrooms. I need to fucking talk to Ari. We, we haven't we haven't talked since fucking the Kobe shit. And I, I didn't want to make any statement about it. He did it again with Larry King. I, he just I, did it again when Larry King died. I didn't see... I didn't see He's out of his King. fucking mind. Court... This is the thing with Ari that it, it, it kind of showed me how people are. So I get attacked by two different groups of people. I have no idea what Ari has said. I have fucking no clue. I get at least 60 DMs because I'm on the show. Um, this is not happening. People associate with me. So. Oh, this is what type of fucking racist you hanging out with. You fucking sell out. You da, 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 da. I'm like, and mind you, I have You no, woke up. I have no idea what's going on. Do you even know Kobe's dead? I know Kobe's dead, but I have no idea what fuck Ari said done. at all. Cause my thing ain't even about Kobe. I'm so emotionally distraught because his daughter was on that plane and other children was on there. That's why I'm I'm like, damn, his fucking daughter's on there. And I'm like, how did I become a sellout? Because I don't even know what you're talking. I'm like, yo, man, I don't know the fuck you're talking about. And who? And now I'm getting aggressive. Like, yo, you and your fucking friend, Ari. Huh? So then, boom, boom, other messages. Ari this, Ari that. You fucking, fucking. And then this is when people get weird. What do you want me to do? I'm going to go on shows that are with other people so now i'm fucking selling out the black race because somebody said something that i actually have no idea but the only thing that 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 this is taking me to is when don imus said what he said about um basketball ladies called him nappy head and dl defended that he had the right to say whatever he wanted to say just it doesn't make it right what he said but he had the right to say it so i was on the road when they were protesting 
DL. I was on the road with DL at that time. So I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, this is finna be this type shit. I'm already like lined up in it. So I get all these messages. Now I find out what Ari said. I'm like, oh, it's fucked up. Me and Ari got the same management at the time. Um, I'm on the show that with Ari, I got an album. This is not having an album with Ari. Okay. So I'm going through all this. And maybe weeks later, I do an interview with um, Comedy Hype. So on this Comedy Hype, and in my mind, I am prepared for him to ask me this question about how do I feel about what Ari said. I'm trying to avoid it at all costs going around here and then I fuck up and start telling a story that's from this is not happening and the dude brought it up he said oh the, the story from this is not happening I was like yeah and then I start trying to talk he said so how do you feel about what Ari said shit mm. tried to shake this one I simply said I actually didn't know what Ari said at first but I think it was I don't think it was said in a in a manner way was what he thought about it. I think it was it was it was mean spirited because of the fact that he can't get what he deserved because it's other people that was on the helicopter that didn't get what they deserved. If that's how you playing this, because his daughter was on there, his other family members on there, so I probably wouldn't have said it because it was in mean spirit. It's the same thing. I said it's a quote, the same thing. As when Kennedy got killed and Malcolm said, chickens come home to roost. Bad timing. The That comes out the next day. Flooded. With people saying, how could you do Ari like that? He fucking supported your career. And I'm like, and now I'm on the defense of, wait a minute. I was on a show. Didn't nobody start my career. I was already doing what I was doing. I was on the show. I appreciated being on the show. But what the fuck are you talking about now? I said what I said. I said even if it was my if it was my brother and my brother said something fucked up, I would have said, well, my brother said this like this and da-da-da. I would have made I said, I can't defend both ends of this. And I don't think me and Ari has spoken since then because I wanted him to understand I wasn't saying it's a mean spirit I wasn't saying this is a mean spirit I am being bombarded from both sides of this shit and I hadn't said shit I didn't say shit about Kobe I didn't even know what you said this ain't even my fucking well, sentence people are so emotional at like, that time <laughs> right they're up in arms and they're just looking for any target they're looking to attack in any way they can Ari has this thing that he does whenever anybody dies it doesn't matter if he loves them or hates them he shits on them, and he thinks it's funny. He 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 he's crazy. He's I I love Ari, but he's out of his fucking mind. And he thinks it's funny to shit on. And he also loves when people get angry. But he didn't understand the kind of hornet's nest that he stirred up when when he did that with Kobe. And you know, I mean, he got death threats. He got doxxed. I think he lost his management. I think he lost his agent. I think he lost everything. It was uh, was not good. And he realized it was not good. And he tried to explain himself without apologizing. He tried to explain himself in a way where, listen, I like to tear down idols. I like to, 
attack people that everybody loves and do it in a way whenever anybody dies. And so he does it every time someone dies. And he just, I thought he was done. I thought, learn your fucking lesson. Larry King just died and he, he makes his fucking long tweet about him being a Nazi sympathizer and all kinds of crazy shit. He's just, he's out of his fucking mind, but he's always been out of his fucking mind. And it's great and it's bad. It's great with some things. I mean, it it, it, it makes his comedy hilarious because it's ridiculous. But it's also, you know, you, you're opening yourself up to unnecessary hate and you're, you're, you're causing people to feel like what you were saying, his daughter's on that plane. Other people's children are on that plane. It's a tragedy. It is just a tragedy. There's no, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. You know, there was other people that commented that said, you know, it was, he was both a great basketball player and a rapist. Hey, that, this is not the time for that. Like to chime in and just virtue signal and try to get some sort of a reaction from the woke left because you you know you're stepping up and 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 talking about about a guy who died with his fucking daughter on a plane because he was taking her to a game because he loved her because he wanted to be a good father and he, they, they they took other families that were there that were going to go to the game as well and they all died it's nothing but a tragedy it's not an opportunity for you to show everybody how woke you are but for Ari it's like that you have to understand that's what he does when anybody dies he did it when Ralphie died. He loved Ralphie. He does it. He'll do it when I die. I'm sure if he's alive, I'll probably <laughs> I'll probably die after him. But if he, <laughs> but if I'm do if I don't, he's gonna do it when I die too. Yeah. It's what he does, and he doesn't. He thinks it's fun, and it's fun as long as it's someone like Larry King that no one gives a fuck about. Not that no one gives a fuck about Larry King, yeah. but no one gives a fuck when you do that. Like no one got mad at him for doing that about Larry King. It, it received nothing. You know, even though people love Larry King, I love Larry King. I met Larry King a couple times. He was a very nice guy. I didn't get offended when I saw him say that. I was just like, "Fucking Ari, he's so crazy." And when I was like, I had nothing. It's not your fault. But you know, over time, people recognize it's not your fault. Over time, you know, people were mad at me. Fuck your friend Ari. I'm like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I had you know, to go. It's I was not like, my thing. Are y'all fucking calling Felicia Rashad a cockroach? Talking about Cosby? <laughs> I, was, I was saying yeah. this. I was saying all type of wild shit. I was like, yo, I had shit to do. Like, it's part of the problem of being uh, on the internet, man. Whenever something happens, you either have to have an opinion about something, or you get attacked for something by people who where they doesn't what they're saying doesn't make sense. And then you have to defend some shit that doesn't make sense. And you're like, what? That's not what I said. Like ah fuck, Most and then you can either get either get wrapped up in it or just stay off. I don't read any comments anymore, and that's I haven't why, for more than a year. That's why I stopped. My my friend called me and said, "Yo, let me tell you when I know you was fucking losing your goddamn mind." I said, "Why? When you compare it to my me and Ari are not fucking Gooden and fucking Daryl Strawberry. We're not doing <laughs> goddamn cocaine together and going to teams." Like, <laughs> my friend's like, "This is why I know you was fucking losing it because you yeah. just." You was paying, you was paying shit that ain't had no, make no sense. Well, like, think about what it's like when you get in an argument with one person. Like, you and one person are at odds with each other. You try to figure out who's right or who's... Am I right or am I just angry? Am I just trying to win this argument? Am I right? But now imagine it's 5,000 people. 
Like you can't do it. It's not how people are designed. You're not designed to, and you don't even know them. They could be that dude with the fucking moose antlers on his head with the, the suit with no shirt on. That could be the guy on the other end of the phone. Like you don't know who they are. I'm actually arguing with Q. Have no yes, idea this is no fucking idea. Q. Like, you have great. no idea. Yeah. Arguing with people on the internet is not wise. It's just, <laughs> you know. Because it's going to always be somebody else. You right, um, Jazzy Black, he ain't shit. He's like, <laughs> fuck you too. Alexis Smith and Jazzy. <laughs> you just argue with everybody. Listen, man, I'm going to piss my pants if we don't get out of here. I drank too much coffee and water. We're at a little bit after 5 o'clock. I had a great fucking time, man. Thank man. you very much. I really appreciate you. Man, thank you very thank much you for being having here, man. me, Thank brother. you. It was awesome. It was oh, man. We got to do this again. We're, we're local, basically. I'm, I'm in right Texas. up the street. I'm right anytime. I'm right up the street. I'm the, a, and if they, they fire you from that radio job, you're going to have plenty of time, too. <laughs> get a fucking podcast going, like, man. Yo, I know he's he was getting, he's going to get fired when he was on Rogan's. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> I don't like the way this is going. <laughs> I don't like what I'm hearing. All right, let's Thank wrap you, it up. Sir. Thank you, brother. Thank Bye. You. Oh, tell everybody how to get a hold of you on social media and where, where, where your pages are and everything like that. Depends on what your you, if you arguing. No, I'm um, <laughs> Ali Sadiq on all major platforms. A L I S I D D I Q. Um, I'm in Tampa this weekend for the Super Bowl. I'm in Cleveland next weekend for Valentine's, and you know that's how people get it. Done. That's it. Thank you, brother. Thank Appreciate you. you. Bye, everybody.